It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life. Oh, my chair just fell down. There we go. On this Monday, January 4th, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Halwani. Welcome back. We missed you. I missed you. We haven't done one of these in three weeks, and what a stretch it has been. The world of mixed martial arts, another crazy, wild, exciting, exhilarating stretch. When we last said goodbye, we were on the heels of UFC 194 and that epic weekend in Las Vegas. We were getting ready for UFC on Fox in Orlando, and what a show that was. Wow. Rafael Dos Anjos defeating Donald Cerrone in a, in a matter of seconds, I think 66 seconds. Of course, since then, we've come to find out that Cerrone's returning next month as a welterweight to fight Tim Means. So much happens when you take time off in this sport. Nate Diaz putting on a show during his fight, after his fight, calling out Conor McGregor, getting censored all over the place on Fox. Alistair Overeem coming into that fight. As we, as we found out a few days before it against JDS as a free agent, winning via knockout, ending that rivalry at least for now. So that was a lot of fun. Then we had Ryzen with their debut show in Japan. Some good, some bad. The good, I thought King Mo's tournament victory. Um, Crone Gracie. Those were some fun things. Even the Gabby Garcia fight was kind of good in a weird way. And the bad, obviously, was Sakuraba getting mauled. Uh, the Fedor fight to me was like I, I, I get why people wanted to see it but it was uninteresting to say the least and by the way who's the one that reported Jaideep Singh back in October and no one believed oh yeah uh, I had no interest in that whatsoever hopefully they get him a, a, a more hey, like I'm not going to hate Fedor for it uh, take the money if you're going to fight you know uh, uh, essentially a 1-0 because he was really 1-0 in my opinion they gave him that fight on three days notice to become 2-0 and, and become the 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 deep champion. If you're going to fight a 1-0 guy uh, for the same amount of money as, as an accomplished guy, do it. But, you know, Ryzen should, if they're going to be a credible promotion, put put together a, a better a better opponent for, for Fedor in his next fight. We'll see what happens there. And then, of course, UFC 195. Um, I, I don't know if I could say it's the greatest title fight I've ever seen. I don't know if I could say it's the greatest welterweight title fight I've ever seen. But I think I am confident in saying it was the greatest fifth round of a title fight that I have ever seen. That fifth round between Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's a super close fight. It's not a robbery. It comes down essentially to one round, that third round, and people are are split, maybe a little more in favor of Carlos. It's somewhat heartbreaking when you hear him afterwards talk about potentially retiring after this fight. So close to becoming champion, but what can you say about Robbie Lawler at this point? It seems like he gets better as the fight goes on each and every time, and it's just impossible to break this guy. It's impossible to break the new Robbie Lawler. The welterweight Robbie Lawler is virtually unbreakable at this point. And what's next for him? Of course, there's a lot to talk about there. So much to get to on this show. UFC 195, in a nutshell, reminded me why this is such a special sport to be a fan of and, and, and to cover, because it didn't have the pomp and circumstance of 194. It didn't have the buzz of a 194, but if you look at the emotion, the victories, the performances, the losses, I mean, it just had it all, and it, it reminds you that, you know, here we are in the dead of winter, 
you know, NBA season, it kind of goes, you know, goes through the motions, even the NFL season to a degree as well. NHL, same deal. You see it in baseball, soccer, and all the sports. There's a, there's, a, there's a lull in the schedule. And while MMA and in the UFC in particular, they don't have, they don't have an offseason, every single fight means the world to these guys. Look at that emotion that came out of Stipe Miocic after that victory. Look at the emotion following the Condit-Lawler fight. You'll never see the, the, the emotion that you see in game 65 of the regular season between the Bucks and Sixers. That's just that's emotionless. You'll never see that in MMA. It's never mundane. This event had nothing to do with Boston, has nothing to do with Newark, has nothing to do with London coming up, and that's what makes it so special. So we can complain about so many events being back-to-back, and I feel like I've kind of gone on this rant before, but it just reminds you, man, it's just such a beautiful sport when when it all comes together and, and men and women rise to the occasion, and that's what we saw Saturday night in Las Vegas. All right, what are we getting to today on the show? This is one of my favorite shows of the year, by the way. This is our award show. We're recapping the entire year. We have 22 awards to give out. It's going to be New York Rick and I. We're going to be doing that in the back end of the show, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe our best award show yet. I think we've been doing this for three, four years now, so I can't wait to get to that. Uh, In addition to our award show, we're going to be talking to Mark Ramundi of MMAfighting.com. We'll recap UFC 195 at around 2.15. We're going to talk to Holly Holm, the UFC bantamweight champion for the women's division she may have won a couple awards it's kind of funny last year we had the male fighter of the year robbie lawler on is she our female fighter of the year we'll find out uh, around 125 we'll talk to tyron woodley he was a very interesting uh observer i should say interested observer on saturday at the fox studios because he wants to fight the winner of lawler condon and that's robbie lawler does he get that opportunity we'll find out but first let us go to the phone lines and welcome in a man who had a very big 2015. Just a few weeks ago, we were in Las Vegas and saw him rise to the occasion with perhaps his best performance yet, his best victory yet, a knockout win over Chad Mendez. They all said it couldn't be done. He did it. He's Frankie Edgar. He's the number one contender in the UFC's featherweight division. He joins us on the phone right now. Frankie, how are you? I'm good, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Would you say 2015 was your best year yet? Is that is that is that a little too crazy because you've been a champion in other years? What do you what do you think? I don't know. I feel like uh, the cream is rising to the top. You know that's for sure. So uh, you know things are going upwards. That, that, that's all I know, and I'm uh, I'm happy with my my past year for sure. So there's a lot to get to you uh, to talk to you about here. But actually, I, w- I want to start um, a little bit out of left field because your fight, your second fight against Gray Maynard at UFC 125, was five years and one day. Uh, I'm going to botch this, prior to UFC 195. Does that make sense? It was January 1st Died. of uh, 2000 and what was it? Uh, 2011. 11, right? There 11, you go. 10, yeah. 11. 11. 11, yeah. Uh, and and, and yeah. that fight, did you watch the Condit-Lawler fight? I did. I Who'd did. you score it for? You know, I saw it at a bar and people were bothering me. Okay. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the rounds, I, I thought it was close. I really did. I, you know, I, I, w- I, was surpri- I would have been surprised either way. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I thought Robbie definitely, uh, overall, the momentum was with him, I-, I think, just based on how he closes out fights. But, man, it was it was a great fight. It's funny that you say that you were at a bar and people are bothering you. I hate watching sporting events, and in particular MMA events at a bar, and I'm not Frankie Edgar. I'm not this worldwide celebrity. Why in the world <laughs> would you go to a bar to watch a fight? I feel like you couldn't watch uh, a second of it. 
I know. It was at my buddy's place, and I was being cheap. I didn't feel like buying it, but... Uh, what? <laughs> Are they not paying yeah, you no, enough? I, I just wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to get out of the house. I went to my, it's my buddy's bar. I thought, uh, you know, we usually go upstairs, but we ended up watching with the with the masses and... Uh, the common folk? Yeah, it was a good fight, so... Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so why it somewhat reminded me of your fight, it's because, you know, afterwards, there's a lot of controversy about judging and scoring and what's a 10-8 round and who won this and that. What's your take? Because you, you know about this better than most. I mean, your fight against BJ, the first one, 112, there was some controversy there. What's your take on the state of MMA judging, the 10-9 system, all that? Is it time that we really rectify this issue here, or are you okay with it? It is. I think it is. You know, obviously, because just this issue keeps coming up, and it's because the system's flawed. You know, um, I, I don't know if I have the answer. Um, I think, uh, you know, I've seen someone say something about maybe more judges, more eyes looking at it. Yeah. You know, uh, I think even though, you know, I think they should do it overall, like, all right, who overall score of the fight, you know, like the momentum, like pride kind of did a little yes. bit, you know, like I said, Condit may have won one round around, but I just felt like the momentum was with Robbie that fight, you know, that, that's a great point. I actually asked someone that afterwards, uh, if this was pride, who would win? And I think it would be Robbie Lawler. It makes a lot of sense. Although that's subjective as well. I just think my main problem is 10, nine, we don't know. It's, it's so hard to decide what's a 10-8, and you know that better than every, anyone. But then a 10-9, like the fifth round couldn't be the same score as the third round or the second round. It's, it, it just, that's a boxing model. It doesn't work for MMA. And I don't understand right. why there's, more of a, there's not more of a push to fix this because I feel like guys are getting robbed, and you know this. Victories mean a lot. You need a victory if you're trying to get a new contract or advance your career, get a title shot. I think it's high time that we fix this. I agree, man. It's people's lives on the line, you know, literally. I mean, it's how we make our living. And you know, for someone to take a win from you that you know, maybe you, uh, you should have won is definitely a heartbreaking. And you know what's also weird? These judges are making peanuts. They're making nothing, but yet they're deciding fights that, you know, seven figures on the line, if not more. Right. That seems right. a little skewed as well. Your buddy, Ricardo Alameda, is a judge in the state of New Jersey. Does he ever talk to you about, you know, what he thinks... You know, what the issues are, because I know he did a, a show recently where he was in a room all by himself. I think it was CFFC. And that seems like an yeah. interesting concept as well. Yeah, no, Jersey's definitely a pretty progressive, I think, with some of the things. They're trying to, you know, to see what works and see what cool. Ricardo even said it was just a little weird just not watching <laughs> it out there and being okay. on, the, on, the, on the headphones and whatnot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to try something. Good. It is flawed. And, you know, I'm not saying that. I mean, I think Condit, I wouldn't have been upset if either one of them. I mean, we all won an athlete. When you watch a fight like that, do you enjoy it? Like, do you say, because like, as a fan, I think we enjoy it. But as a fighter, are you like, man, that's a lot of punishment? Like, because you're looking at it through different goggles. How do you how do you digest a fight like that? Yeah, it, it's tough. Sometimes you look at it as a, as a fighter, or sometimes you want to look at it as a fan. But I think it's when it's when it's not my weight class, it's definitely easier to look at it as a fan. You know, and especially those two. I mean, they're both really classy guys. They're they're easy to get behind them. Um, I was trying to watch it through a fan's eyes, uh, that's for sure. Do you cringe at all, or do you enjoy the, the brutality? I mean, you, you cringe a little bit, I'll be real. You yeah. know, um, I mean, you enjoy it too, though. It's just like, you know, it's just like anything, man. Like in the, in the Roman days, people, I'm sure, cringe, but they cheer for it too at the same time. Right, and I'm sure, and, uh, I'm sure you, you, you feel for Carlos, right? I mean, getting so close. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, it's a couple times too now, you know. Um, right. You know, uh, against George. I mean, it was when maybe wasn't his close fight, but he's been at, been knocking on that door and has been able to get it done. It's definitely tough. Now you got to think how, how many how many opportunities are you ever going to get again? Right. I don't think we understand that these guys. 
you, you, you put everything into a fight, you climb that ladder, you climb that mountain, and then when you lose, sometimes you have to go to the the bottom of it again, and well, that that in its own right is is a daunting thought. Okay, so let's transition to you here, because you were a big story in December, you're still very much a big story. Where are we at with you? Do you know what's next? Do you know if you're getting that title shot? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm like in limbo here, you know. I was I was promised that I get whatever I want one night, and the <laughs> next night saying, oh, I guess Connor gets whatever he wants." Right. You know. Are you pissed off? For sure, I'm pissed. You know, um, I've been at this for a while now. I've been uh, knocking on the door for this title shot for a while, and you know, I mean, I, it started with Cub. It's, it's Cub was promised a title shot. If he beat me, he's promised a title shot. I beat him. I finished him in pretty, you know, pretty dominating fashion, and. No, I, I'm not even considered for that title shot. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, and I, you know, I take it in stride. I do everything in stride, man. I do think I'm a company man, but uh, it's not really, uh, not really panning out for me being that way. But at, at some point, you can't keep taking it in stride, right? And at some point, you're gonna break. You're gonna, you're gonna lose patience. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm there. I'm there already. <laughs> but you know, I'm not one to sit there and, and cry about. It. I mean, it's funny, you know, people. My whole career is, you know, or as a recent, you're too quiet. You need to say stuff. Da, 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 da. And then, then you say stuff, they're like, oh, you're fucking crying. Blah, blah, blah. You know, come on. You just can't win with these people. That's true. You know, and, uh, and that's why you really can't pay attention to them. I, and the people I need to be talking to is Daniel Lorenzo, and they, they seem like they're not listening either. So when's the last time you talked to them about this? This is the night, the night, the night of, uh, of Connor's fight. Uh, I talked uh, to Dan a little bit, and um, you know, I walked up to go into the cage. I'm someone grabbed me to go into the cage. I mean, one of them was Ali, and the other one was one of Lorenzo's assistants. So I thought they wanted me to go in the cage. And then as I'm about to walk in, Dana's walking out. He's like, you're not going in there. He's like, oh, Connor's going up, blah, blah, blah. We don't know what he's doing. He might give out a rematch. We don't know. Huh. You know, I just kind of, I've never been, I mean, I granted, I guess Connor put himself in that position where he's in charge, but I, I've never been there. So, uh, you know, usually I'm doing what, I, what they ask of me. So you're actually walking into the cage and you get stonewalled. Yeah, yeah. Dana gives me the uh, "you ain't going in there." Is that embarrassing? Uh, I, you know, I don't know, man. I, I don't know who planned, who put, brought me up there anyway. So, okay. uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's seen me embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing that I don't get the damn title shot. <laughs> right, right. It, what, what an amazing 24 hours for you. And, and I couldn't help. I think I even asked you this question in our post-fight interview. You win in emphatic fashion. No one does that to Chad Mendez. And then they say, you're getting the title shot. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, in 24 hours, Connor's fighting Aldo. A whole host of things can happen. They could take this away from you in 24 hours. Like, I can see this happening. And so what's, what's the range of emotions that you're dealing with? You're, you're so excited, yet are you a little bit, like, hesitant to really embrace this moment? And then you see what happens to Aldo, and then it's complete. Like, I felt like you went home to New Jersey a couple days later like with, with more questions and answers when you should have had the answer that you were looking for. No, I agree. You know, I was, I was deflated, man. I, mean, deflated. I, was, on, I was on sky high one, one day and the next day, literally like someone rained on my parade. Um, and it was just, bother, it was eating at me. It's like, fuck man. I just, I fought one of the best fights of my life. I shouldn't be feeling like I should be going home, you know, riding high right now. And, uh, and I just wasn't. So that, uh, that, that's unfortunate. You know, I mean, you don't, you don't only have so many of those moments in this career and for it to kind of, get taken away from me just by uh the next day is tough so if he does go up to 155 what are you going to do i don't know i mean i i, I don't know what they're like it's, like again i i know nothing <laughs> i'll be honest i know nothing and uh are they going to let him keep the belt what I, I i don't know you know i remember when they were trying to get me go down to 45 when i was a 55 pound champion i said they said i have to let go of the belt to do that hmm. 
you know. But well, I don't know if it's going up. I don't know what it is. But here we are. So and I'm not fighting for the title. <laughs> are you sure about that, though? Are you 100 percent sure of that? I, I, like I said, I really don't know. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I think if, if I, I think Connor needs to stay at 45. I mean, he, he hasn't even defended the belt yet. I think he has to stay at 45. That that's what I think. If he moves up to 155 and doesn't drop the title, how would you react to that? I mean, what am I going to do? Scream and shout? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what can I? What can I really do? What can I do? I mean, uh, Dana and Lorenzo, they know what the, they know what I want, man. I mean, they're people like, oh, you need to call them. Well, they fucking know what I want. You know, what am I going to bother them and, and 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 for what? For them to say no mm. or promise me something one day and then say no the next? Come on. If he fights in March, uh, his team has said that they want him to fight in March, and then maybe comes back for UFC 200. Uh, would you be okay with waiting? Because you know things can happen. A guy breaks his foot, breaks his ankle. Who knows what can happen? Would you be okay with waiting, or because you've you've waited before and it hasn't really panned out as well? At the end of the day, you want to make money. You're a prize fighter. You want to be champion too, but you have to provide for your family. So, what would be your mindset then if he fights at 155 in March? What do you do? I, you know, I know some some people tell me I should wait, but what, I'm, I'm going to wait so they can take it away from me again. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. You know, like you said, man, I, I got a family to feed. This window's closing. You know, I mean, we all know this ain't a, a, a long career, and uh, I'm 34. I feel great. I feel young. Everything feels. I feel like I'm getting better. But you know, time wins over everybody eventually. So I feel like I'm just missing opportunities left and right. How many more years do you think you have left in you? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't like to put a number on anything. I feel great. You know, 40's always been a, a, a number in my head, but, uh, you know, I'm 34. We'll see. We'll see. Just wanna, we'll, get, we'll take it one, one fight at a time at this point. What's your stance on, on 135 these days? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I, my, my, my idea is to get that 45-pound belt before I do anything, before I make any decision on whether I want to go 35 or not. Okay. Um, uh, but the, the, the way things are looking, who knows? I, I mean, if I'm ever going to get this friggin' opportunity, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not getting easier to cut weight in the sport, you know, with the, with everything they're doing. So sure. who, who knows if I really want to get down all the way to 35. When, when you did 145, when like now when you're fighting at 145 against Chad, um, obviously you couldn't use an IV in the past. Could you use an IV? Did you use it? Yeah, I used, I used one. I didn't need it. You know, I really didn't need it. I just used it cause everyone did. You know, and uh, this past time I didn't use it, and I probably felt better than I ever have. So, yeah, yeah. for me, I don't think it matters. Well, I mean, you just knocked out Chad Mendes, so clearly. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you really can't say all else because yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying my, the way my body felt after the, the night of Wayne's, the, the day of the fight, I didn't feel bloated at all. I felt pretty good. So, uh, you know, no IV don't matter for me. Most, at least at 45. Right. Who knows uh, what 35 is? Most people, including myself, were were blown away that Connor knocked out. Jose in 13 seconds. What was your reaction to it? Yeah, I was just like you, blown away. I mean, I, I don't think any, anybody expected that. Not that I expect a knockout to happen. I just didn't think it was going to happen in that fashion, 13 seconds. You really can't take anything from it, you know? Did you think that, did you think that okay, like, were you not a believer of Connor and now you are? Or were you a believer beforehand? Like, did that seal it for you? No, I, I, I've always been kind of, you know, talking up Connor. You know, um, you know I, 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 I'm not... Like I think the way the way he talks and carries himself, a lot of people don't want to give him credit because he's kind of a kind of a dick at times, you know. <laughs> certain people in in, in the UFC and in my weight class, 
But, uh, you know, I call spade a spade, man. He definitely uh, shows up, performs, and puts on good shows. Uh, he did that again against Aldo. I mean, did I expect that to happen? No. I don't think anybody did. Do you have the blueprint in your mind how to beat this guy? Do you, do you already see it? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, you know, you've seen shades of it with, with Chad, and I'm definitely a different fighter than Chad, but can do some of the things he can, you know. And, uh, I mean, it's not going to be an easy fight. All fights are hard. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm the worst matchup for, for McGregor. I think he knows it. I think you know it. I think the UFC knows it. And I just need that, need that chance to get my hands on him. So do you feel like that's why you're not getting it? No, nah, nah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, if he goes up, fights for, doesn't fight. If he goes up to 55, doesn't fight for that title, yeah, then I say there, there's a reason he's not fighting me. Mm. If he fights for the title, I can say, all right, you want, you want to fight two, two titles? I mean... You know, what can I say? I still think it's, uh, I still think, you know, if you make everyone else have to let go of belts, he should have to leave that belt behind. But uh, first and foremost, though, I want to fight McGregor for the belt as soon as possible. That's what I want. Am I going to get it? I fucking doubt it. Hmm. Um, what if they say March? Would you be ready to fight in March? Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, I'm, cu- I'm curious. I, I want to ask you the same question I asked your, your manager and friend, uh, Ali Abdelaziz, in, in uh, December after the Dos Anjos win. He's in an awkward spot because you guys go way back. He's your manager. He's also RDA's manager, and he seems to be in the running as well. Is that weird for you that your guy kind of manages both guys that, that's in the, the running for this fight? No, I'm not, not really because obviously it's not, it's not up to us. <laughs> it's not like uh, Ali Paul and I'm saying, all right, we're gonna. He's fighting Frankie. He's fighting those signs. Fight this guy. It's, it's up to them, you know. So it kind of don't matter, you know. Um, so let, let's just clear something up here because a lot of people like to make jokes about. It. You went on kind of this uh, Twitter rant uh, a few days ago, <laughs> and then there was a mix-up where it seemed like Ali was doing some of the tweeting. Are, are you running your Twitter account? Is he? Let's clear it up. Ah, right, okay. It's so funny. When people write stories about this. I guess. <laughs> MMA's hurting. MMA's hurting for stories. You know, they got Sherlock Holmes out there checking Twitter saying, oh, my God, this guy switched names. I, was, I believe it was the day before Christmas Eve. Yep. Ali's like, brother, you need to do Q&A, brother, Q&A. I said, I don't feel like doing it. He's like, do you care if I do it? I said, go ahead. He's like, I'm going to tag Lorenzo, Connor, blah, blah, blah. And, yes, I said, go for it. Now, all the stuff he said, do I believe it? Yes, I believe I fight Connor. I, be- I believe I beat Connor. I believe all the stuff I said. That, that he said, I pretty much do believe everything he said. Would I have worded it the way he did or spelt it the way he did? Maybe not. <laughs> but I got the point across, and I got people talking. So That's true. job well done. So you don't mind if he goes under you and, and tweets and shakes things up a little bit? No, no. usually it's promotional stuff. This time <laughs> he, he said he wanted me to do it. I didn't do it, or I, I, I didn't want to do it. He asked if he could. I said, go ahead, you know, but... He freestyled. They these guys. They're just too, too slick, these little Twitterers. <laughs> <laughs> he freestyled on you a little bit. and uh... He did freestyle, you know. And usually, usually he's got an assistant with him to help him spell. I think his assistant was off for the day or something because it was pretty bad. <laughs> so what's your reaction when you wake up the next day and you see this is an actual story that, you know, he messed up maybe and wrote for- I was, you know, I was like, man what I do now, but, uh, you know, whatever, man, people are talking about it. This, this is what I want. So I said, it. everyone's like, Oh, you don't say nothing. You need to talk more. You need to talk more. All right. I fucking talk more. Now, now people are, are, are dogging that. So you just can't win either way. It's kind of funny. Uh, Ali reminds me, and I say this with the utmost, you know, respect and love. He's like an old school pro wrestling manager. Like one of those guys who, you know, he has some guys that are a little reluctant to really say what's on their mind. So he goes out and does it. I have no problem with that, to be honest. 
It's part of the game. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he, he's he's a, he's a, he's a uh, character in this game of MMA. He is, you know, and uh, it's his heart's in the right place. That's that's all. He just wants that what's best for us, and you know, he sometimes goes on a limb to do it. Man, I got to say though, I, I love the uh, the passion and emo- I, I don't think I've ever heard you swear this many times in an interview. You're pissed. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm letting it all fly. All right, this is this is me too. It's not Ali, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> You're so. What do you ha- like? What's the motivation now? You wake up in the morning. You go to the gym. Are you just pissed off, taking it out on everyone? Are are you, do you not have motivation to train because this is frustrating? How do you go about your day these days? Yeah, I'm training. Man. I'm in the gym already, man. That's uh, there's no 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 lack of motivation. Uh, I just go about doing what I do. I'm not worried about you know. Uh, I'm trying to. You, you can't get upset over things you can't control. And I'm really trying to take that approach with this. You know, it's hard though, because this is my, my life. This is everything I put into. And, uh, it's really hard not to get frustrated, but you know, everyone around me is getting frustrated. I'm trying to keep Zen like, yeah. And so if, if they come out and say he's fighting anyone else, how will you react to that? Do you have any idea? Uh, uh realistically, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, come on, that's what's going to happen. I'm fucking setting myself up for that already. Uh. You know, I'm, I'm not setting myself up for, uh, for anybody. Hope for the best, expect the worst. I'm expecting the worst. Expecting the worst. So I guess if it comes out of left field and, and, and a surprise uh, you know, reaches your doorstep, then it's a good thing, but right now you're not expecting to fight Connor. Yeah, I'm not. And I'm you, not. You know, the only way that I could fight Connor, if Connor says, I want to fight Frankie Edwards, that's it. And I don't think he's going to say that. Why not? Why, why don't you think so? I just think he thinks I'm the most risky fight out there. Why hmm. would he want to risk that? He wants to go make all his money, spend all his money. He doesn't want to, you know, he blames it on the weight cut. If it's, if it's the weight cut, then you can't fight 45 no more. Right. You know? And you don't feel like... Got a, he, he, go ahead. Go, no, please. No, go ahead. You're good. You're good. Uh, and you don't feel go like ahead. if you call Lorenzo, I feel like you've had a really good relationship with him and Dana, you don't feel if you make your case... That they'll see the light here. You think he's calling all the shots? Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I what I think, yeah, he's calling the shots. I don't think it matters with uh, uh, Dan Lorenzo, and, and really, I, I don't think I'm the best fight that they want. They, I, don't, I don't think they right. want him to pick me either. You know, hmm. so I got all three of them against me. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, uh, I do appreciate the emotion, like I said, and uh, I, I said on this show not that long ago. I feel like. And I even said on UFC tonight, if he fights you, and let's say he gets by you, then he has cleaned out the division. But let's just get this one out of the way. This is the guy who deserves it. They said he deserves it. He's the one who... Agreed, agreed. You know, he cuts a boatload of weight, because, you know, he's the baddest guy in the world, but he cuts a boatload of weight to make, to make 45. You know, and he's saying, he, you know, he wants to have two belts, this and that. But if you cut so much weight, it's not going to get easier. Might as well do it now. Get mm. it out of the way. Get it out of the way, yeah. Um... Doesn't look like New York will get done, but wow! Could you imagine Frankie versus Connor in New York, New Jersey guy against Irish guy at MSG? Biggie and Tupac. You come out with Biggie, he comes out with the the notorious song. Wait, you're both coming out with Biggie. That's weird. Biggie, yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of weird. You know, I was there first, man. You were I was there first. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, well, I, I I do appreciate, like I said, and uh, good luck uh, trying to get it, and I hope it all works out. You deserve it, my man. What, what you did to Chad, no one's done, and uh, wow. I mean, what, what what can you say about your year? A very impressive year. Congratulations on that year, and uh, good luck in 2016, Frankie. Always great to talk to you. I hope you get what you deserve, my friend. All right. Thanks so much, man. I'll see you soon. Okay, and be careful on that Twitter, by the way, all right? It could yeah, get dangerous yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah, I'm definitely changing passwords. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> all right. Later, bro. All right, there he is, Frankie Edgar. Wow, never heard that side of Frankie Edgar before. Coming out 
guns blazing, first interview of the year. No better way to start it. Well, well, how about this? I think I think we're going to get some emotion out of our next guest. He's Tyron Woodley. He was working on Saturday for Fox. He was watching with bated breath the main event. He's joining us right now, I think, via the magic of Skype. There he is. Look at Tyron Woodley, the ultimate pro. Where, where are you right now, Tyron? Oh, no audio. Wait, wait. Hold that thought. Can't hear you. We, we got audio. We okay. got audio. Here we, we got are. it. We got it. Yep. I, got, I got the headset on. I got the the blue uh, the broadband. Um, I had them muted because TSA was talking about the airplane and getting everybody ready, first class board and all that crap. I'm at the airport and I am not gonna be quiet. I'm not gonna wait because we don't have that much time. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Frankie. I heard the homie on early. Frankie <laughs> should fight Connor number one. I think Frankie will beat Connor. I think that's part of the reason why Connor is not asking for Frankie because he knows he's gonna be in shape. He's gonna be prepared. They won't be able to spring up a two week. Hey, man, you want to fight Conor? He's going to be ready for it. I think that style is horrible for Conor McGregor. And, um, you know, I'll be excited to watch it. But talking back to myself. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was watching the fights this weekend for yes. sure. Yes. And my damn tie was all messed up on the air because I was excited. You know, I was watching the fight as a friend of Robbie's, as a fan of the sport. You know, it was a crazy pivotal moment for the welterweight division. And as a fighter, you know, I feel like you should honor what you say to a fighter. We are out here putting our life on the line, our health at risk. Why am I going to keep knocking off top 10 guys if I'm not going to fight for the world title? I think it was a close fight. I mean, I don't know how you had it, Ariel. Watching it, you know, we're not watching it as judges. We're emotional. Yeah. So yeah. we're looking at what's going on. I knew for a fact Carlos won the first round, which what I said in my analysis. If he can win that first round, it changes the fight because he usually loses that first round. He comes back and win later rounds. He won that first round. That had us scared. The second round, Robbie won. The third round is the round that everybody's throwing up in the air. I thought Carlos clearly won four. I thought Robbie clearly won fifth, the fifth round and almost finished him. So I thought Carlos won the fight when I watched it. I'll go back and look at it again. Really, I just need to go back and look at the third round. Yep. And then from that point, it really doesn't matter to me. You know, I mentally was prepared to have to face a friend and teammate if I had to and finish up what I started with Carlos Condon so everybody can zip those lips because they figured he was going to miraculously come back and beat me. So I was excited for either way. I love this. I don't even need to ask you any questions. You can just do the whole thing. Hey. <laughs> You're I just want to make sure we got that in because when they start doing that, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get cut off. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And I know that you're uh, you're you're you know um, short for time here, so I'll make it quick. But um, when you're watching that fight and it gets to the fifth round and it turns into one of the greatest fifth rounds of a title fight ever, and they're doing that, what's going through your mind? Like, are you thinking, man, my title shot is slipping away here? They're going to do a rematch again? Like, how are you processing this? You know, even before that last round. Let me let this lady speak real quick. No problem. You could, you, we hear you more than her, so you can go through her. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And I'll talk a little louder. No problem. Even before the fifth round, the way that the fight was going, you know, I already was thinking, God damn it. They're about to do this fight again. We're in the era of the rematch. People want to see a rematch every other weekend. You know, how many rematches have you saw? Think about Kane fall on JDS a couple times. Robbie fall Johnny a couple times. You know, they wanted to see Holly Holmes immediately fight, you know, Ronda Rousey again. I think a rematch is preserved for controversy. If someone, you know, got knocked out real quick and you didn't get the opportunity to see the fight. But when it's a clear, concisive win, I don't believe a rematch should be warranted. I feel like there's guys behind you waiting that are grinding that if you're the top 
guy. You're one of the top guys in the world. You will make your way back up to the top, and then you will win it the next time around. In this situation, unfortunately, a little bit damn controversy. Um, <laughs> you know, but but it's more variables than just that. Carlos Condon's mentioned he he's mentioning retiring. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's two ways that can go. He can retire, and then it's obvious who's fighting next, <laughs> man right here, or he can go up to you know. Dana White and be like, hey, man, if I don't fight my next fight for the title, I'm going to retire. And what do you think they're going to do? They're going to line his pockets and they're going to make it happen. Um, for me, this is my year, man. You can delay, but you cannot deny. I need to make the T-shirt. That is going to be my mantra for the entire year. I will be the world champion. I am the best in the world. Watching those, watching that I was inspired, but I also had the pen and notepad there, and I saw a lot of opportunities where I would have seized the moment or I would have not engaged into that freaking all-out brawl. I know you guys love watching it. But Carlos Conner could have found a way to get to a clinch, drop some elbows and knees, bring Robbie close to him, and avoid letting him win that round. Hmm. Um, let's play devil's advocate. If they go the immediate rematch, what do you do? Should I have to tune somebody up? You know, somebody's going to get whooped bad, that, uh, whooping they don't even deserve. <laughs> and, um, you know... I, I just think that if they do the immediate rematch, they'll preserve that fight for UFC 200. I should quit talking because I'm giving the UFC okay, okay, too okay. many goddamn ideas, <laughs> but, and I need to cut that off. But you know, next Rewind. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm fighting the I'm fighting the next guy. But uh, come February, you have not fought in a year, and and you're you're healthy. Yeah, you're healthy. You know, this is the prime of your life. So I mean, yeah. don't you want to get back to work I'm sooner? I'm super healthy. Healthy. Yeah. I'll never stop working. I mean, just okay. Let's but think about this area. Yep. 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 If you say, hey, you know, I can fight. Did I turn you down? No, no, no. Oh. I hear you. I can, fight, I can fight for a world title, right? Or you take a fight in between, per se, a, a Matt Brown. Beat his little old body up or something like that. <laughs> you know, Matt Brown. And then you fight him. What if, he, what, if you, what if I slip on the banana peel that Carlos Condon slipped on when we fought? And then I'm out the fight. Now, does he jump ahead and fight for a world title? had never defeating a top 10 guy, do I fight Damian Maya? And it's a, it's a wrestling fest that no one enjoys watching. Nobody wants to see me do another Jay Shields fight. That's the risk that I put myself into. I would rather preserve my body, stay in shape, stay mentally sharp, be prepared, and get the world title fight and seize the moment. The money comes in at the champion belt. There's no hidden secret. You know, I'm trying to change my family life. I ain't trying to just keep collecting checks and few months later scrape again i'm trying to secure longevity for my family wealth for my family i'm trying to leave a legacy the goal is to be a champion it's not to be a contender so these are contender fight i feel like i've done enough i feel like i've done enough to already fall for the world title before so why should i have to do more do we have a couple minutes still we still got a couple minutes okay okay this is the guy that you need to call by the way this is the one that you need to worry about in my opinion it's that guy in montreal GSP, because I feel like they're going to try to get him out to fight Robbie. What do you think of that? Even more so than Condit. Well, as I said before, I need not, I need not um, play my cards out on, um, on the MMA hour because I know everyone watches the MMA hour. That's true. But my goal is to become the champion, and I get to fight against GSP. Oh, you can't watch. That'd be fun. He's the actual, he's the actual number one, the number one welterweight. He's a lineal number one guy. You can't watch this guy sitting on the throne that long, defeat three different generations, the up-and-coming guys. He beat the guys that were just jiu-jitsu guys or just strikers. He beat the guys that were mixed martial artists like Carlos, I mean, like Koscheck. Then he beat the generation which I'm in, which is Johnny Hendricks, the heavy-handed wrestler that can stop a shot and also can strike. He's done it. He finished at the top. He retired as champion. If he comes back, 
I want to be in a position that I'm the world champion, that I get the big pay-per-view check, and that I get a chance to at least know for myself where I measure up against a guy that was the best in the world. Okay, so here's the big question. Have you talked to the UFC brass since Saturday night? Do you have any idea where you stand? I'm letting it marinate. I, I, I feel like, man, I, I've done that route before. You know, I'm in a position now where, you know, you remember where I came from. I came off a loss from Strike Force. You know, I came out and let the UFC and let the entire world know what I was made of with that 36 knockout of Jay Heron. Then I went and I annoyed Dana White to oblivion. I blew him up. I told him what I wanted. I took the big fights. I've never asked for a fighter that wasn't either a number one contender or a former title holder or title challenger. Think about my route. Jake Shields fought for the title. He was a strike for a champ. Carlos Conner was an interim champ and fought for the title. Um, Rory McDonald. Um, everyone I've asked for, Johnny Hendricks, it's not by design. People say, Tyron, pick fight. you damn right. I pick fights. The fights I pick are hard. They're harder than the ones people offer me, and they're the people that are either the number one contender or have formerly fought for the title. That's my goal to the top. I want to leave no question. So with that said, I have not talked to them. I think they know the right thing to do. Some things got to sort out. And I'm also... Logical. I know that people want to see Carlos Condon versus Robbie Lawler, too. And, you know, I'm just preparing myself to be heartbroken again. No, but I'm no. telling you, if I get heartbroken, they're going to get somebody hurt. Oh, um, okay. They're going to get somebody hurt real bad. I feel like in the past, you've had success calling out Dana White and bugging him and stuff. So why not do it again? You know what? I'm going to take your advice. I am, I'm going to give him a call <laughs> oh, no. when I get to Pittsburgh. Oh, no. Don't blame I'm me. I'm like, you know what? Ariel Hawani told me <laughs> no, to call no. you. No, no, no. And no. I agree with him, Dana. <laughs> what are we going to do here? I'm always a professional. These dudes freaking coming in way pregnant, yeah. missing weight by 10 pounds. And all of a sudden, I'm the one that's like, what do you need me to do more? I'm the professional. I've been winning fights. I knocked out, you know, top, two top 10 guys. I went to freaking Macau and fought Hector's fight when he was hurt. You know, I've stepped in for you. What do you need me to do? Do I need the break dance? Do I need the, you know, what do I need to do to get the, get the world title shot? So... Yeah, I'll give him a buzz. I'll let him know you sent your love. No, yeah, and then he'll 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 accuse <laughs> you of being a clickbait baiter and full of crap and all this other stuff. So I don't suggest you do that part. <laughs> the other part, do it. Um, how'd you like working for Fox? I know you were looking forward to that. Man, I loved it, man. I loved it, man. I I appreciate you giving me some tips as well and and some good words of wisdom and um some some good nudge. Hey, man, you might want to get this dude in here. <laughs> it was fun. I have to look at the post fight show because. The other parts I was prepared for, man, I got a speech coach. I was really trying to be serious about it. Yeah. And the post-fight show came, man. <laughs> we all were emotional. Like, I was not trying to hide it. I know you don't supposed to cut off the host, but when she started talking about these rematches, I'm like, time out, KB. Time out. I'm tired of these rematches. We got enough of those. We had a rematch last week. Yeah. Go and watch that one again. So um, it was fun, man. I think I'll be back, and I'm only going to get better. Uh, and and so was it hard for you to separate? Because you know when you're up there, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be the unbiased, you know, the unbiased uh, analyst and things like that. But come post fight show, you're saying if anyone missed it, you were just you were you were this Tyron Woodley, right? So it was hard to kind of separate. I was this the Tyron Woodley. I like I was this Tyron, Tyron Woodley, but I was still but I was still the logical one. I was okay. the one that was being respectful because these guys just went out there and they they gave us a definition. Webster's going to change our dictionary. Oh. When someone put, leave it in the octagon, it's going to be a picture of Carlos Condon yeah. and Robbie Lawler hanging their hands on the top of the cage, breathing, because they left everything they body even, stuff their body didn't even have. They grabbed stuff from the atmosphere and put it into their body. They left it in the cage. So I was, a, I was, you know, 
I was opinionated, but I also was respectful of what just happened. You never want to steal a moment for those guys. They made history that night. That fight will go in the record books. But, but I told people that I wanted next for sure. Hey, by the way, if you fight Robbie, would you train in Florida at all? I heard that you were considering training in Florida for that fight, which could make for an awkward situation, no? Hey, I'm, I'm considering training with Robbie. Why are we going to waste all this money getting simulations? Hey, Robbie, me and you can train together for six to eight weeks, beat each other butt, and then spar on Saturday night in Vegas. So, um, Really? You know, man, you got to – no, probably not, but okay. you have to know Robbie, man. I'm more, I'm more bent out of shape about it. I've been calling Robbie. I'm like, man, we're getting closer to fighting each other, man. This sucks. I hate the thought of it. And you know what Robbie's response is? Man, don't worry about that. Go out there and beat Johnny's ass. He's not worried about it. Wow. It doesn't, it's like him fighting me is not like something that makes his heart rate jump up. He will fight anybody. He is literally the only person left in the sport that came in a fighter that's become a, a competitor and a fighter. So he can compete and he can fight as you've seen last night. I mean, not last night, Saturday night. And, and do you have a time frame? Like, you not want to wait until X month? Do you want to get, you know what I mean? No, you know, I don't have a time frame, you know. My spirit is usually right. I usually know people always say, Tyron's not going to get this fight. You're not ranked. You're not going to do that. You know, Aaron, you've seen, man, I've been pretty pinpoint accurate when, when things happen that people didn't think were going to happen. So right now I feel like I need to get ready, whether it's for a title shot, whether it's for another fight in between. My body, my mind, my spirit tells me, Tyron, it's time to get ready. If you were not inspired, I don't care what line of work you're in, if you were not inspired by two people operating in their gift, operating in what God created them to do and leaving it all out there. Like, I don't know if your, your heart works because those guys motivated me to get in the gym, to really put myself in bad situations, fight through them. So when I get into that world title fight, I can match that. I can match that, match that type of performance or even better, take one of those guys out and finish them. Okay, uh, let me let you go because I know you have a, a flight to catch, but uh, give us a couple of plugs. You have a new podcast, and you're going to do something cool in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you want to share that. What, what do you want to plug? Yeah, for sure. Man, I'm always doing stuff. Man, I'm doing commercials, movies. Right now, I'm heading to Pittsburgh. I'm working with um, Dick Sporting Goods. Wow. I'm motivating these guys for 2016 so they can boost their sales. I'm going to put them through a little workout, and I'm going to talk to them about, you know, Pretty much what we saw Saturday, leaving it all on there, going out there and chasing these sales. So, you know, I, I do things of that nature as well. Wow. I have the podcast, The Morning Wood Show with these nuts. The first episode was my man, Ari Hawani. I appreciate you, brother. And it is hard to book guests, man. Oh. Now I see what you go through. It's hard <laughs> to book guests. There you go. You know, and have those technical difficulties. So it's been going great. Myself, um, Dean Thomas, TJ DeSantis produces, produces, excuse me. But it's been a phenomenal show. Make sure you go to SoundCloud and iTunes, The Morning Wood Show with these nuts. It's a great show, man. We get we give guys an opportunity for you to get to know them. Like our, our next episode coming out tomorrow, Al Jermaine Sterling. Man, oh. have you interviewed this kid? Oh, I love this him. kid is the bomb, man. <laughs> I'm a forever fan of him now. So yeah. check that out, and I appreciate the opportunity to blog that. Absolutely, uh, safe travels. You're the man. What an appearance. Great job. I hope you get what you want, my man. And great job uh, at the studio in, in in LA this past week. And I heard you did phenomenal. Thank you, man. You take it easy. All right, there he is, Tyrone Woodley. Wow. If the first two interviews of today's show are any indication, these guys are, are bringing it strong in 2016. Holy moly. This is fun. Now, of course, we have to uh, take a little dip in the, in the intensity department and in the, uh, well, the intensity department because Mark Ramundi is coming up next, and he can be sometimes a little bit of a womp womp. Negative Nancy party pooper, if you know what I'm saying. Da, 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 da. 
We're going to be joined by our own Marco Mundy in a matter of moments. But holy moly, what about Frankie Edgar and then Tyron Woodley, two guys who are in tough spots, who, who feel like they need to speak up? I mean, the facts are the facts. They were sort of, I mean, I even think Frankie more so than Woodley, but to a degree, they were both told that they're next and they could, they could both see those golden opportunities slip away again. So you can understand their frustration. You can understand where they're coming from. You can certainly appreciate the emotion, the passion. Sometimes in the sport, look, squeaky wheel gets the grease. If Nate Diaz never went on Fox, dropped all those F-bombs, said what he said beforehand and, and afterwards, he wouldn't be in that discussion as well. You got to do it. That's the sport we're in. So I'm happy, especially for Frankie, who's, who's, who's recognizing that you need, you need to speak up. You just do. And it has to be authentic. It has to be real. Well, you heard from Frankie Edgar there. I've, I've been interviewing Frankie Edgar since, uh, I think the first time I interviewed him was UFC 98. Maybe a little bit before that. Never heard him swear this much. And that's real. That's, that's the real guy right there. So it's going to be interesting to see what the UFC does with both Connor and Robbie Lawler because they've got options. And as Connor told us, numbers and options that's the fight game all right let's move along let's bring in uh, our own mark ramundi now who has some big shoes to fill he's uh he's coming off two of the best <laughs> guests of the year the best guests of 2016 our first two guests but i gotta say what is going on with the internet connection over there in west hollywood this this is by far the best internet connection of the year look at that it looks like you're yeah. right here I think that it's just my face that brings out the crystal clearness of the connection. No, seriously, what is this? I don't know if people can actually appreciate it. This is unbelievable, right? It looks like you're in 3D. I have to invest in good internet if I have to if I'm going to have a job covering all these uh, these fights. That is true. For a website, that is true. right? We have great internet here. It's fantastic. Well done. Uh, See my little friend uh, here. Yeah, who's that? That's Rubella. This is uh, Esther and Casey's dog. Yeah, yeah. And why do you still have Rubella? Aren't they back? They're, well, I think they got back like late last night or oh, something okay. like that. They're going to come get them today. Okay, let's talk. Enough about dogs and internet connection. Robbie Lawler, Carlos Condit. Yeah. The majority of the public, media, fans, scored it for Condit. You did not, right? Oh, I did not. You scored it for Lawler. Mm-hmm. Tell us. Break it down. Why? Well, I think first of all, I, I I watched it live and I scored it for Waller. Um, the third round is obviously the, is, is the round that everyone's talking about. That's the one that is the most imperative. I think everyone can agree that Carlos Condit won the first, Waller won the second, Condit won the fourth, and then Waller won the fifth. Right? I think that's pretty yes. much unanimous at this point. Yes. Although when so I the, when I interviewed Condit, by the way, my math was completely off. I said he won the fourth. The fifth it was very confusing. But yes, what you just said is accurate. It's fine. Okay. So. The third round is really what it comes down to, and, and live I scored it for Lawler. I went back and I rewatched it again uh, yesterday, and I still scored it for Lawler, but I will, I will concede that I thought it was an extremely, extremely close round. I, I don't have any problem with someone saying that Condit won it. I have no problem with someone saying that Lawler won it. I think it was just a really close round, and it was a close fight, and I don't think, I don't think any score is wrong. I don't, there's no robbery. Yeah. Anyone who's saying it's yeah. a robbery doesn't really understand how to score and, and judge fights. It was a close fight. Close fights like that do not equal robbery. Mm. Robbie Lawler did just, just enough to win, so did Khan did, but that's how this, this game goes. 
that's how that's how this sport goes. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a robbery. I mean, when it comes out to one round and a moment here or there, it, it, this has. It so, I mean, uh, did you, did you watch the round again at all yesterday? Yes, yes, yes. How close was that round? I, I mean, guess. that was like. By the way, the first and second are close as well. It's not like they are close. It's not like there's a clear cut winner in any of these. Maybe the fourth. Um, so this, once again, as as usually is the case, uh, it, it brings mm-hmm. into question, you know, the 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 state of right. MMA judging and what we can do to fix it. You're one of the few guys in the media that's actually taken a course and, and has shadowed judges, and mm-hmm. you really understand what goes into all this. I think one of the biggest issues, by the way, there's two big issues, and I want to get your take. First of all, the judges make nothing. They're, they're literally making peanuts, and they're deciding the fate of these multi-million dollar fights. That, in its own right, is, is bizarre. And the 10-9 right. system, this is not news. It doesn't work. It's wrong. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a boxing model for a 12-round fight back in the day, 15 rounds. This doesn't work for a three- or five-round fight. Well, how do we fix this? What's the problem here? Well, yeah, to so, so your point uh, about judges not making any money, remember uh, it came out before, before the uh, McGregor-Aldo fight that John McCarthy only made $1,900 for that, for that <laughs> event? That was outrageous to me. Yeah, that's outrageous to me, considering how much money yeah. that fight was going to bring in. That the referee, the third man in the octagon for that fight, was making so little. I couldn't believe that. That was crazy. But that just speaks to how little that these guys actually get paid. So it's hard to expect. I mean, yes, that's their job. You expect them to do the best of their abilities and to be very good at their job at that high level. But they're not getting paid very much. As far as the ten nine system, I'm not. I'm not in love with it. But I don't think this event was the one that that demonstrated so much how how bad it is. There's been other cases where, sure. you know, it, sure. I think that the Johnny Hendricks George St. Pierre fight was probably like example A of why that system is a little hinky and and why, and why you know it's not always it, not always the greatest. But in a case like this, it was a close fight, and no matter how you're going to score, and no matter what kind of system you're going to use, whether it's ten nine or or the prize system. It's going to be a close fight, and there are going to be people mad either way. You know, that's just how it goes. I mean, and I think part of me thinks that's kind of the, the cool thing about the sport. This is not baseball. This is not the NBA where, you know, it's, it's, it's clear. Someone scores the most points, they win the game. Someone scores the most runs, they win the game. This is a fight. It's not like that. As much as I love the, of the guys that, you know, at fight metric and, and all the stats, and, and their stats are incredible, stats don't necessarily tell the tale of a fight 100%. Just because Condit outstruck Lawler by that far margin, that's not how you score a fight. You don't score a fight by, by how many strikes. Not, no two strikes are created equal. Mm. It's the mm. harder strikes, the one that do the most damage, the one that's that are the most effective that you score. You, you weight that over the, over the jabs and, and the leg kicks and that sort of thing, which is why I also had Tumanov beating Larkin. Mm, interesting. Um, now, this may surprise some people, but this controversy... What you were just talking about is actually one of the things that I love about MMA, the, what I call the, 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 the barbershop component of MMA, that you can sit around, that we can sit around, go for lunch, uh, get a coffee, something, and actually talk about Lawler Condit for like three hours. And not just the fight itself, where do they go from here, the match. That's what makes the sport fun. That's the difference yeah. between combat sports and in particular our sport as opposed to the major sports, the button-up sports. So I, I, I kind of love this sort of thing. Okay, so, let's just, okay so, so Lawler wins, that's it. What do you think they do now? That's the big question, right? Rematch, going a different direction. Woodley, GSP. What do you do? It, it, it's it's a it's an enigma because who wouldn't want to see that rematch? I mean, who yeah. wouldn't want to see that yeah. rematch? You know, again, Condit. It was so close. Condit could make. You know, you could, how how could can you say Condit doesn't deserve a rematch? You know, how can you say that they shouldn't run that back? But then you have Tyron Woodley. You know, he's been out there for a while now. He's been prom. He's been promised a title shot. 
Supposedly. you know he's been he's been Supposedly. given that he's been given that lip service by the UFC you know there's who knows about GSP you know I don't know if if he comes right into a title fight but again he's one of the greatest of all time he held the bell for what six years you know how, how could he not come back and get a title shot how can he not come back right into that spot so there's really I don't think there's a wrong answer there's going to be some there's going to be some fans and some fighters upset along the way kind of the same way that whoever doesn't get the McGregor fight next is going to be upset and their fans are going to be upset but it's it's almost a nice problem to have for the UFC because you know any way they slice it, people are going to be mad. But there's really nothing. There, there's no wrong way to do it. You know, if they do Lawler Condit again, how could anyone really be that upset about that outside of Tyron Woodley and his, and his fans? I mean, I know that's that sucks, but God, I mean, that fight was that was the best fifth round I've ever seen in my entire life. That was yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah. That was insane. Okay, so if you're, you're Joe Silva, Lorenzo, Dana White, you're sitting there. All the options are available to you. Right? What do you do for for Lawler next? Well, I think I think the first thing you have to do is you need to see where GSP is. At. I, I just I, I just said all the options are available. GSP is ready and willing to fight again. So he's ready and willing to fight again. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I throw him right back into a title fight. And what Rory McDonald said over the summer about GSP maybe only coming back for big fights, you know, maybe some super fights, that kind of thing. Maybe that's the path they take with GSP. Maybe not the title. I think that I think they do it again, man. I think they do wow. it again. I think they do Lawler Condit again. I think Tyron Woodley. It really sucks that Hendricks didn't didn't make that yeah make that fight. You know, it sucks that he got he went to the hospital and it, it really it's it's not fair to Woodley at all. But there's so many things that aren't fair in this sport. It just happens, just the way it happens. And Woodley didn't look all that impressive against Gastelum in in uh, in in his last fight last year, and it was a long time ago. I wouldn't mind seeing him get one more fight in there. Uh, during that title shot, and I mean, again, it, there's no wrong answer, but to me, you know, that fight was so close, there's so much controversy, even though I scored it for Lawler, I understand people scoring it for Condit, why not Why not just run that back? Okay, so then let's go to uh, Mr. McGregor, the man who holds all the cards. So the last time we mm -hmm. spoke on this show, he was coming off the win, but we had yet to obviously watch UFC on Fox in Orlando. Everyone was calling him out. I don't think Charles Oliveira is getting him. I think Nate Diaz has a great chance. I think RDA has a great chance. I think Frankie should have a great chance. But I do agree with him. I think he's uh, out of luck, at least for now. Uh, what, what do you do with Connor? Again, I really, I really think there, there really is no wrong answer here mm. for, for that one. And I feel, I feel for Frankie, man, because it really has been his title shot for like over a year. You know? <laughs> this is it's horrible. He should have been playing for the title like a year ago. And, and just the way that things have, have fallen into place, it hasn't worked out for him. That's just, that's just the nature of the business. And I'm glad that he came on today and he really wow. uh, spoke his mind. Did you hear that? Fired up, man. I love Fired it. Up. You know, I love it from him. I know that he has that in him, you know, but he's, you know, Frankie Edgar is one of the true, true nice guys in the sport. And, he, and he's always been a class act. But good for him for, for, for taking, you know, going on the attack today. I, you know, I, I think that if, if, if Connor truly is going to go to 155 and he's going to fight for the title there and also keep the featherweight belt. I think that still leaves open a Frankie Edgar fight for this year. So maybe Connor goes up early first half of the year or so. Oh, she's she's awake now. Hello. Uh, she, she, said, she's a McGregor fan. You said Connor, and he's like, oh. <laughs> oh. So uh, I, maybe maybe he goes up. He fights RDA for the tie for the lightweight title early in the year, March, April, something like that. And maybe if he's not hurt, win or lose, yeah. he's still the featherweight champion. He can go back and fight Frankie. Uh, you know, at UFC 200. My my thing, and I don't know if I, I still I'm very. Uh, 
I don't know if MSG is going to go down, you know, yeah. and, and I, I'm still, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't really have a good feeling about that, but man, Conor McGregor versus Frankie Edgar at Madison Square Garden. Oh. And I, and, and an Italian guy from, from New Jersey, from the shore yeah. against an Irish guy in, in New York would be, I mean, I grew up in New York. You, li- you, you lived in New York. Uh, that those are two like, huge populations in New York. That would be insane in, in that city. Oh, okay, it would, it would be nuts. Let, let me ask you this: a question I've been asking a lot of people: if Conor McGregor and Frankie Edgar fight at MSG, and by the way, I sit here today, January fourth. I don't think it's happening. I think I think we're too close to the date, yeah. April twenty third. But let's just say, perfect world. Wow, we get the gift we've all been asking for, especially East Coast guys. If that fight is happening at MSG and Jones Cormier is also on the table, what's the main event? I think it's McGregor against Edgar. Wow. Honestly. Tell that to John Jones. Well, I mean, okay, so John John Jones is is from New York, but he's from upstate New York. You yeah. know, all due respect, but people <laughs> people living in the city don't really consider people who live upstate New Yorkers. I know that's that sucks to say, but you know that we don't consider them New Yorkers. You know, we're from we're from the city. So uh, McGregor Aldo I bigger fight. McGregor, there's a huge huge Irish population in yeah. New York, man. Yeah. And same, you know, Boston is probably a little bit. I think there's probably more Irish people in New York, but there's a gr- there's a greater percentage of Irish people in Boston. It's a huge percentage, and and Ita- Italians and, and Irish, Italian Americans and Irish Americans oh. in New York. Oh. That's the two largest ethnicities, probably as far as like you know like white dudes from Europe. So I think that would just be just be off the wall at, at MSG. I think that's a big fight. That card would sell out in seconds. I wonder what the gate would be. I mean, they could just put on those two fights. They could just put on those two fights and people would be happy. Um, they put on both of them? Forget it. I mean, that's just that's, that's madness. Complete yeah. madness. It is very interesting when you start to consider UFC 200 and the options and, and, and the slots they need to fill up beforehand. Like, will the stars align for UFC 200? We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about that at a later date. I want to ask you about Stipe Miocic. So he made, yeah. a, he, made a, you know, he made a big statement. He came out there and he knocked out Andrzej Arlovski. He was tremendous. And then he made an even, much like Frankie, a guy who's been reluctant to speak, he spoke. And he got mm-hmm. in Dana's face, Lorenzo's face, and said all he had to do. And, and they even, you know, they even shook hands afterwards. You like this call? Does he deserve the next shot at the title? I mean, does he deserve? Deserve is a, is a funny sure, word in, sure. in MMA. I, I don't know if deserve really means anything. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you can certainly make a case for him. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this guy to knock out Arlovsky in, in under a minute like that is super impressive. Uh, but then you got to look at Overeem. You know, Overeem just knocked out Junior Dos Santos, the guy that beat Stipe yeah. last yeah. year. You know, so how how do you weigh that? It's there's no there's no you know exact way to weigh it. I think what what will be most interesting moving forward is is what happens with Overeem's contract. Yep, he's a free agent yep. now. You know, will the UFC you know ante up and give him what he wants? Is someone else going to make an offer? Do they have to match? And one of the things that he may negotiate in this deal, which I believe Gilbert Melendez did as well, was you know uh, a title shot. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't mind that. You know what? I, I mean, if you're a free agent and you have that leverage, go for it, man. You know, I think I don't see anything wrong with negotiating a title shot if that's what you want. You know, I'm all about fighters trying to get as much as possible from from promotions, and that's what Overeem wants to do. And if that's what you know the UFC agrees to. I'm, I'm all for that happening next. I have no problem with uh, with Overeem fighting for the title next. I think we have to wait and see what happens with Verdum against against Velasquez. If Verdum wins, how can you not say Overeem should be there? He's already beaten Verdum. Mm. You know, he he mm. he's, he was the Strikeforce champion. Verdum was was the uh, you know the challenger, and he beat Verdum. How can you not say Overeem deserves that shot? If Kane wins, we don't know. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing either one of those guys against Kane. But it's really up to Overeem if, if that's what he wants. If the UFC, you know. Uh, Gives him the contract, matches the deal, whatever. 
it's it's gonna be it's gonna be that's gonna be what the, what decides it probably. And also, don't forget, January thirtieth, across the river in Newark. What if Ben Rothwell, who has a win over Overeem, comes out and oh. annihilates Josh Barnett? He he has a strong case as well. He does, and and I don't I don't see that happening. I think that's <laughs> I, I actually I actually love that fight. I think yeah. it's, I don't I don't think he's gonna destroy him. I think it's gonna be an awesome fight. Yeah, yeah. But I think that even though Ben Rothwell has has beaten Overeem. I, I don't know if, if his stock is, is that high right now. But again, we don't know. If he does destroy, let's say he does destroy Josh Barnett. We don't know. You know then you have three guys who could vie for the title. And, and there's no wrong answer. I think Overeem, as far as like a draw, is probably a little bit better than those other two guys. I think yeah. that he's a more yeah. well-known guy. He's been around for a long time. He's, he, he has like a cult following Overeem. I think a lot of people like him. And uh, I think if you want to do the best draw and the, and the, and the, and the best possible, the biggest fight probably Overeem, but you can make a case for any one of those guys, and I don't think, you know, you shouldn't be upset if any one of those guys gets it if, if Rothwell does destroy Barnett. Speaking of cult followings, uh, no one in MMA, maybe in the history of MMA, has a, a greater cult following than Fedor Emelianenko, and he returned uh, late last week, Ryzen, new promotion, headed up by former boss of one Pride FC Nobuyuki Sakakibara. Wow, what a what a, what a show this was. Yes, um, yeah. and it was uh, it was there were there, there was there was pomp, there was circumstance, there was the freak show aspect. It was it was everything you love out of Japanese MMA New Year's Eve. I believe you watched most of it, if not all of it, oh, all, of yeah, it all of it. Which uh, yeah. I mean, being on the West Coast kind of helps a little bit. But what what did you make? What what kind of grade would you give Ryzen for their first couple events? Maybe like a C plus, a B minus, somewhere in that in that range. I thought the fanboy you know, in you would have given it uh, an A at least, maybe an A minus. I mean, look, look, look. I mean, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I, had a, I really had a good time, uh, you know, watching it. Especially, I, I think people said that the better fights were on the first day. I actually really enjoyed that that last day a lot, and uh, and it felt like it flew by to me. It was like, oh, it's only it's three a.m. already. I can't believe it. Like, I really I enjoyed it. There was some. There was some terrible stuff. The Bob Sapp Akimono fight. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't even know what that was. That was my favorite fight. Uh, coincidentally, that was that was that was interesting. That was very interesting. Crying, the upset win. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was unique. But overall, I I really enjoyed it. But if I'm being objective, you know, there wasn't you know was there a lot of high quality. You know, the thing about Pride is that they mixed the the weird freak show stuff with some really really good fights the best guys in the world at that point you know there was there was so much talent on that roster it was crazy so it didn't have it didn't quite have that but it had it had the the entertainment aspect there was plenty of entertainment there's no doubt about that i think that if you can't if you can't sit and and enjoy that at least just to let yourself go and enjoy that i am not really sure i mean it's 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 a it's prize fighting at the end of the day you know this is i know i know people like to paint it a sport and everything and yeah it's a sport but oh, are, entertainment. You, are you doing this again are you not calling mma a sport again it's sport, but it's supposed to be fun. It's 2016. You know, it, it, I'm trying to give you a new persona, a new gimmick, and then here you go back no, to being the heel, no, hating on the sport. Be, 2016 is going to be even worse. But <laughs> At least you didn't call it beautiful violence. It was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that if you can't sit and enjoy some just the weird stuff, it's, it's, you know, it's fun. What, what's, what's the point? Yeah, the fights don't mean anything. Yes, there's no, you know, there's no one's ranked. Who sure, cares? sure, sure. Just, I agree. I can enjoy it. Although, although I, I must say, like uh, what King Mo did, there's something about King Mo wearing shoes in Japan that equals magic. <laughs> and and quick side note, to to walk down 
to the lobby of our hotel on uh, Saturday morning and to see King Mo rocking the Bellator sweatshirt, sitting in the lobby, came all the way from Japan to corner his guy, Robbie Lawler. And what's funny about that is on Friday, a lot of the ATT coaches made a point to tell me that he might be the greatest teammate in the history of ATT. Like this guy goes out of his way, he's unselfish, and then I see him just chilling there. Wow, what can you say about King Mo, who won that tournament, who seems to have reinvigorated his career as of late? I thought that was the performance of the whole thing of, of you know, like like his, he was kind of the breakout star. Um, there was other stuff that, you know, was fun. I thought, I thought Gabby Garcia was fun as well. I just, I want to see, look, King Mo versus Fedor, I feel like that's the fight to make for them, right? Isn't that, isn't I mean, that it, especially for Japan. Be, but does Fedor actually want to fight legitimate opponents? That's the question. I mean that's that's really the big question. If he if he's just if he's just back to to make some money and fight some guys yeah. who you know who are who are borderline and, and maybe there'll be somewhat exciting fights. That's fine. Are you or, okay you with know, that? Are you okay with that? Fashion. I'm I'm fine with that, man. Like I, I you're look. fine. I don't know. You're fine with that. Like the, the 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 supposed greatest of all time. If you want to call him that, that's fine. Don't forget, I was on TV arguing with Dana White about whether or not he was the best. So, 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 don't come at me with like I'm a hater or whatever. But no, no, I understand. This is like this is this is this is akin to Michael Jordan coming back and playing in the D League, or or the CBA if it existed. Like I, I kind of want what? No, you can't compare this to other sports, man. I know. Look, I know. from the perspective of of a fighter, from you know. Get 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 your money, man. You know, get that paper. I don't care. You know, if that's what it comes down to, yes. that's what you got to. That's what I said. But the promoters should be doing more, no? But yeah, but you know, you work in conjunction with the fighter. You mm-hmm. know, Fedor is not going to come back and and fight someone who doesn't want to fight. That's just not the way it works. You know, he has he has a lot of leverage in the situation. He's headlining these events. They, they're build they're building everything around him. Listen, if that's what he wants to do, I'm cool with it. Would I like to still see him against some of the top guys in the world? Do I think he can still compete at that level? I don't see why not, honestly. I mean, there are guys – how many guys in that UFC heavyweight division did we say were washed up five, sure. six years ago? That's a lot fun. of them. That's why I want to see. Okay, let me ask you this. King Mo fights Fedor in April, June, July, whatever. Who wins? I think King Mo wins, honestly. Whoa. I think King Mo – I'm, I'm, I'm on the King Mo bandwagon right now. With I think shoes. I'm, 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 yes. It's all about the shoes. It's, it's all, all about, about the shoes. The shoes. <laughs> I think um, I think King Mo, man, like he he had a lot of injuries and, and issues early in his career. Guy's got a got a complete game, got a great training camp, well coached. I think the guy's uh, he could be a top two oh fiver. I don't I don't see any reason why not. Okay, a couple more things I want to talk to you about before we have to let you go. Holly Holm will be joining us in a matter of moments. Uh, talk about going from the outhouse to the penthouse there on that one. As far as back to back guests, um, do you share? I, I I don't. This is kind of like McGregor Aldo to me. For different reasons, but Cruz Dillashaw happening in less than two weeks, I still can't really wrap my head around that. And then they dropped this, this uh, I don't know what it was called, this back and forth with John Anik. I had some people text me that they hated that because it made Dillashaw kind of look weak. Uh, it did in a sense that, you know, Cruz was, was winning that exchange, but I can't even fully verbalize how I feel about this fight, like how much I love this fight. The feelings I have towards this fight. I, I can't even believe it's happening so soon. It crept up on us, and I'm happy with that. I'm okay with that because I don't want anything to happen. C- can you share? Do you share my excitement here with this fight? I feel like this is my fight for 2016. I, c- I can't think of anything better than Cruz Dillashaw. It's unbelievable. I love it so much. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be the, the sheer violence that Lawler against Condit provided, but as far as technical, you know, acumen, these guys are incredible. I mean, 
I, I, I can't wait to see that fight. That's that I agree. I'm I'm right with you there. And and that uh that little snippet they showed on, on Saturday night from Ultimate Insider with John Anik, man, I would I would rather fight Dominic Cruz than get into an argument with that guy. Man, he just he just beats you down. Yeah, he just it's just mauling when he I mean that dude is just a verbal like savage. He doesn't he gives zero Fs Dominic Cruz when when in front of the cameras. He'll just smash people. Verbally, I think it's phenomenal. I love I, when that guy is in front of a mic. I want, I want to watch it. So I underrated was, talker, underrated absolutely. talker, and great yeah. analyst as well. It was a shame that we only got him for like sixty six seconds when uh, smart. when Cerrone fought RDA. So I was arguing with uh, our pal Casey uh, about this. Um, <laughs> so so Delisha tweets a picture of Lance Palmer and Joseph Benavidez in Denver helping him train for this fight, and, and that's cool. But when you consider the fact that Uriah Faber is next. And at least, you know, unless we, we, we are in the dark here, they're still members of Team Alpha Male. How do you feel if you're Uriah and you see that? Is that cool as long as they don't help? Because at some point, these guys are going to have to decide, right? If, if Dillashaw wins, you're, you're going to have to choose if you're on Team Faber or Team Dillashaw. Well, I think, didn't Lance Palmer say, I think, um, a few weeks ago, that he isn't sure who would corner? Yeah, I'm um, on this he, show. Right, yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Thanks. But, uh, he said he isn't sure who would corner Faber against Dillashaw. I mean, look, that's a, that's a really awkward situation, and, and unless you're actually there and you're actually, like, involved and, and, and in it with those guys, you don't really know exactly what's going on, but it's got to be a little weird for sure. I, you know, I, I don't know what exactly is going to happen, but there's got to be some some weird, strange, awkward feelings on, on both sides, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, I... I... I'm very curious to see if they bring Faber to Boston. I know there's been some talks of that. That will be because I mean you can't you can't lose if you're Faber in this situation. You fight Cruz again, third time you get Dillashaw. I mean it's it's amazing that the guy continues he, to be a he's part the of guy the next. I mean, yeah. sorry, you know, Rafael Asunso and, and guys <laughs> like that. Faber's Faber's next, no matter who wins that fight, no doubt. By the way, where are we at with the whole weight cutting issue in MMA? You went to that seminar. Um, yeah, a lot of big wigs were there. Is anything going to change? You know, one one FC is making some radical changes. Anything going to change this year? Honestly, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not confident that anything's going to change. I think. I think that they'll take. Everyone's going to take a long look at what one FC does, and I, you know, I think. I mean, more, I like it. I like it. But you know, anytime you make these sweeping changes and you don't really like consider the fighters, and they, the fighters don't really have any kind of collective bargaining in that, it's it's tough. But it seems like an, it seems like a plan that that is would be hard to game, you know, because you have to you have to almost be at weight eight weeks out, and, and they're going to be doing like you know, hydration tests and whatever. As far as the states, it's so much harder to get things changed. One of C can snap their fingers and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it now. In in the U.S. with all the commissions, every state has to agree to it. The UFC has to agree to it. You know, it's like you know the Association of Boxing Commissions has to you know send it through. It's hard to do. If the UFC said tomorrow, hey, we're going to do this. I think everyone else would probably fall in line, but I don't know if that if that's going to happen. It's 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 a it's a huge it's a huge change. It's a big big change. A lot of fighters will not be happy. It's interesting. <laughs> Biggest year in the history of the UFC last year. They they said they made around six hundred million, um, but yet we are often reminded just how young this sport is with the judging, refereeing, weight cutting, drug testing. Uh, the IV, all this. I mean, it's just amazing. Even in the sponsorship and, and Reebok, I mean, the sport is still so young and, and fresh and has yet to truly evolve. Like, we're in the 1930s of, of, of pro baseball. Um, okay, I we have a- Like, uh, five years from now, we're going to look back and say, like, wait, 
wait, guys really cut like 25 pounds the week of the fight yeah, and thought they, were be, thought they were actually going to be more effective in the fight. It doesn't make any sense. And no one is more um, more, more uh, subjected to this than me, I have to say, because I'm back there for those weigh-in shows for Fox, and I got to interview these guys. It's so awkward. They're, they can hardly speak. Their faces, I mean, it's not good. And uh, the, only reason, the only reason why fighters cut is to be bigger than their opponents. But if there's a system in place where everyone is actually fighting at the, their true natural weight, there would be no reason to cut weight, right? You would think? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, okay, what is this? Uh Yes, New York Rick, we are. Uh, okay, we have four minutes left. I want to play a little game with you, all right? Man. It's called okay. Fact or Fiction. Have you heard of it? It's very, it's, it's very original. I just came up with it myself. I'm stealing <laughs> it from sure. John Pollock. John Pollock likes to have me on his show, The MMA Report. We play Likely Unlikely. So I'm just going to mm. switch it and do Fact or Fiction. I'm going to run down a few things. You tell me Fact or Fiction, these things will happen in 2016, okay? Yeah, let's do it. Joe Rogan leaves the UFC. Fiction. Zufa sells. The UFC. Fiction. Bjorn Rebney returns to MMA. Fiction. Non-compete, son. UFC 200 breaks the UFC 100 pay-per-view record. Fact. Cyborg fights in the UFC. Fiction. GSP fights in the UFC. Fiction. Jesus. You're, you're a boatload of fun. <laughs> uh, Gina Carano <laughs> fights again. Fiction. Conor McGregor <laughs> becomes a two-way class world champion. Fact. Anderson Silva fights for a UFC title. Fiction. Carlos Condit fights in 2016 again. Fact. Dallas Cowboys Stadium, whatever it's called, AT&T Stadium, will host an MMA event. Fiction, but we'll get seven more questions about it on conference call. World Series of Fighting ceases to exist. Fiction. Ben Askren fights in the UFC. Fiction. Have you said any facts? Uh, Nick Diaz fights in oh. 2016. Nick Diaz? Yes, Nick. Facts. Fact? Facts. Holly Holm fights someone not named Ronda Rousey before fighting Ronda Rousey. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I'll say fiction. Ronda Rousey fights at all. Uh, she'll fight, yeah. Fact. Stick, stick to the script here. They, <laughs> you say fact. Um, Fedor Emelianenko <laughs> fights inside the UFC octagon. Fiction. Someone not named Ariel Hawani will host the MMA Hour. Fact. This guy. That, right here. <laughs> that wasn't a question. That man will be a guy named New York Rick. Fact. That's definitely wrong. Um, <laughs> Frank Yeager will fight for a UFC title. It doesn't matter the weight class, UFC title. Fact. Jose Aldo will fight for a UFC title. Fiction. Sage Northcutt will remain undefeated. Huh. Fiction. Herschel Walker will fight in MMA. Uh, fiction. Two more. Khabib Nurmagomedov will fight for the UFC title. Fiction. Luke Rockhold will be UFC middleweight champion this time next year. Fact. There you go. Was that fun or what? That was fantastic. Did you enjoy <laughs> it? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take the, the this clip and we'll play it next year and see how wrong you were. I think you had like three oh. facts in there. Yeah. Well, you know, keeping it real. 
keeping it real. When keeping it real goes wrong, you get Mark (laughs) Ramundi. There you have it. Mark, great job, my friend. Uh, That was good insight. Enjoy your work. Appreciate your work. Keep it up in 2016. And uh, try not to get us in too much trouble, all right? I'm going to hang up on you now. Sounds good. Thanks, (laughs) man. There he is. Our own Mark Ramundi. Great stuff from him, as always. A little fact or fiction here on the MMA Hour. All right, let's move along now. And uh, what a pleasure it is to kick off our first show of the year, our award show with someone who made perhaps the biggest impact of them all in 2015, the one and only Holly Holm, the UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion. She joins us on the phone. Holly, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing so great. I'm so happy that you're back. You, you spoke to every single media outlet. You went around the world, but you're back where you belong right here on the MMA Hour. I'm so happy you guys have the time from I'm back. Yes. I've been traveling, but it feels good to be back in the gym. Uh, sorry, it's kind of loud. I'm actually walking out of the gym right now. Oh. Had some good training this morning. Is this your first time at the gym since winning the, the belt? Not, not to visit the gym, but to actual train? Um, no, I've come in a couple times just when I've been home for a couple days. You know, I always said this is the one place where I can feel the most normal, you know, kind of get out of the, all the busyness of everything and just kind of get into the gym. And, and that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. This, all this media has been around the win, you know, and the win is the victory because of something I'm passionate about, you know, it's all about the training and, and what's kind of in my heart and that's just loving the sport. So so good to just get in the gym and just train. You've won titles before, but that first day back at the gym to try to, you know, rev it up again and, and, and sort of outdo what you did in Melbourne, was that kind of tough? Like, is it hard? I know you're motivated always, you want to defend all that, but is it hard to like get going again after you go on this victory tour? You know, I think the biggest thing is just, um, I mean, I don't want people to think that this is like some kind of a one hit wonder type thing. Mm. And so I have the motivation to get into the gym and just be better every day. You know, I, I don't want to stop here. I don't want to feel like I've made it somewhere. I want to feel like I'm still climbing the ladder. I want to still feel like I'm going somewhere. I'm shooting for something big. I have some guesses, but I want to hear from you. What was the coolest thing? to happen to you as a result of winning the belt? Something someone said, someone that you met, uh, a, a moment. So is there something that comes to mind, the coolest part of this whole, I mean, it's been an unbelievable whirlwind, less than two months for you. Is there something that sticks out? You know, every time somebody asks me that, the number one thing I think of is, oh, the win is just so exciting, nothing beats that. But yeah, I did just, just I mean, there's a lot of people I got to meet, my gosh. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of celebrities and everything, but... I mean, getting to meet John Elway was, yes. he's a legend, you know, and that's just something, who gets to say that? And that is definitely um, something that I'll always remember. And not only that it's him, it's that, you know, sometimes you, you have this, like, idea in your head and you, like, admire someone and think how awesome they are, and then you meet them and you're like, well, I don't know, they're not that cool, like, <laughs> you know? But with him, it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I don't even know if it's possible to be more of a fan of John Elway, but... He was so awesome, um, just so down to earth and, and so, um, you know, kind of patient with, I mean, how many people do probably ask to meet him, you know, at every game? And I just told him, I said, you know, that's only if he's not busy doing stuff. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be that fan. So, because they asked if I wanted to meet him. And I said, only if it's 
you know, not an inconvenience because they got business to do today, you know. And so, like, no, we wouldn't say it if he, if he wouldn't be happy to meet you, too. So, I mean, just one of the coolest guys ever. I'm just really impressed. And, and he knew who you were. Yeah, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe huh. he knew exactly who I was, and maybe they prepped him. Hey, this is Holly. She just fought for the title. He <laughs> you knows know, who you are. You never know. I'll take it either way. <laughs> the picture that you post on your Instagram, uh, it's, it's, it's your wonderful husband, Jeff, one of my favorite people in the world. What a guy. You are a lucky woman. He's just such a sweet man. And, and then you, and then, and then John Elway. But the look on your face, you are glowing in that picture. Like You could just see the happiness oozing out of your face. It's a beautiful picture. Oh, thank you. It was, it was, uh, I'm so glad that, you know, I can have my husband there to, I mean, some of the stuff's no fun to experience if you don't have the people with you to experience it with, you know, so, um, and, and he's always so supportive in, in some of the things that I want to do, you know, even outside of fighting, so uh, it was just, it was a really good day. It was a really fun time. I asked you on the Thursday before the fight in Melbourne, have you envisioned what it would be like to win and how your life will change? Did you think it would happen like this? Like, did you think it would be this crazy? Um, I guess, you know, I just thought, I don't want to think too much of how it will be. I want to visualize just to have that in my head, but I also just want to focus on, you know, the task at hand and then kind of just go from there. And I didn't think that it would be this much this fast, you know, it was like immediate. Um, But I guess I didn't really think about it. I mean... Um, it was a big victory, and, of course, that's because Ronda's been so dominant. Um, I give her credit because there's no way that this win could be that big. Mm-hmm. If she wouldn't have been that dominant. Um, you know, it kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. So um, I don't think it would be this big, but it's been definitely just an awesome experience. I had the pleasure of being in Albuquerque just a few days after the win, and it, it was like an emotional experience for me just to be there and not only talk to your teammates, which we put this video together, and I have to say, it was so cool of you to give it a shout-out on, uh, yeah. on the Huffington Post. That, that blew me away and says a lot about who you are as a person, but getting a chance when I went with John Jones to these, these schools, and he would go to kids and say, do you guys know who I am? Some people would raise their hands. Then he would say, do you know who Holly Holm is? This is after the win, and everyone raised their hands, started cheering, started clapping. It was just amazing to see, and it was such a, it was such a, a pleasure to see just how big of a star you I didn't really quite understand it. And then we see the, the parade that you get. Did you, did you recognize, did you know how big of a deal you were before all of this? You know, Albuquerque's always been so supportive, and that is one thing. I'm not going to say that I um, wasn't surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed and honored that that many people were that happy, but Albuquerque's always been that supportive that I, I've seen them be that great, you know, and that supportive. So it's not like out of character for Albuquerque to support, I guess is what it is. Mm. Um, it's not like this is the first time that they've come together and supported me. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Um, it was that big of a deal right now, so I don't want to take away from that. Um, when I talk about them, but I want to say that it, it, it didn't surprise me that much because their character has always been supportive. Um, and a lot of people were, you know, some people have asked me like, oh my gosh, is it nice to get back home and get back to the peace and quiet? Aren't you so glad you don't live like in a big city? And I'm like, oh, you guys understand. Albuquerque's <laughs> like crazy. You know, like they love it. They are the biggest fight town ever. And it's big enough that you have a support <clears throat> and small enough that everybody knows you, you know? 
so um, it's kind of a next door neighbor type deal, mm. um, and everybody's really loving and supporting here. I'm, it's uh, definitely I'm very blessed. What was it like to, to see the emotion on your teammates' face, faces in that video, but also when you got back to the gym and you see just how much... It's, it's rare in life that we get to see how, how much respect that our peers have for us, our friends have for us, how much they love us. I mean, you sometimes hear this when someone dies, but you're, you're, getting, you're getting this amazing coronation and shower with love in, in the prime of your life after the greatest moment of your life. And mm-hmm. these people are just talking about you. Like, you could tell no one is lying. They truly love you and think the world of you. Like, when John Dotson said that if they could send someone to space just to show the greatest, you know, of humanity, they, they should send you, 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 mm-hmm. you feel that, they, that he actually means that. What's that like for you to hear all of this? Well, that video, probably the best video. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it just, uh, when people ask about our team, and I tell them it's like family, I think a lot of people say that, but they don't really realize our team really is like family, you know? And I think that finally got displayed publicly. What was it like when you got back to the gym? What kind of reception did you get? <laughs> oh, it was awesome. I came in the middle of training and, uh, you know, people just in the middle of flying just kind of ran over and gave me a hug like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy for you. And, you know, just kind of, um, I know I had told my husband, I said, I'm going to go to practice today. Or I said, I'm going to go down to the gym today. He's like, oh, are you going to go practice? I was like, no. I'm <laughs> just going to say hi. Hmm. <laughs> like, I uh, I literally had like 72 hours to be home before I was gone again, and I just thought, you know, I'm just going to go in, and I just want to go see the team. I just want to go uh, say thank you, because this victory is not possible without them, and uh, that's all I wanted to do, is just go go see the team. And I could see, you know, you speak of that family atmosphere. Uh, I can kind of, I saw you backstage after um, the Condit fight. And you could see, you know, mm-hmm. how upset everyone was. I don't know if I've ever seen Greg Jackson that upset before. Uh, what, what was that like for you to see a, a fellow Albuquerque native, but more so a friend and teammate, come so close yet again and now talk about retirement? Yeah. How, how much pain do you have for your friend now? You know, um, I truly, truly feel like Carlos won that fight. And... It's disheartening. And a lot of people say, well, in your heart, you know you won. You know, that's at least you know. And it's like, well, that doesn't really do it. Mm. I mean, um, and this is not to take nothing away from Robbie Lawler. I really like Robbie Lawler. I think he's a great champion. He's always shown a lot of uh, potential, never been over, you know, cocky, nothing like that. Uh, but in the simple fact, I really feel like, you know, I really feel like, Carlos won the fight, and you can't go back and change any of that, and I just feel like, especially for a title, um, I think a lot of people just, you know, you put so much time and effort and energy into a training camp, and then to not, you know, come out with the win, and don't get me wrong, Robbie had some awesome moments in the fight, uh, I just really felt like Carlos won, and it's just, um, it's disheartening when you see how much work, um, your teammate goes through and then to have it come out like that just kind of 
that kind of is a sour feeling, you know. Did you say anything to him afterwards? And if so, what? I, I can't imagine going up to a friend after a moment like that. You know, I just saw him for a second um, in the back. He was walking up. I just gave him a hug, and I said, that was you, you know. And you did what it took. Um, and that was kind of it. It was just in the middle of a walk. You know, I didn't really talk to him too much, and that was about it. You're actually the best person to ask this question to. 10-point must system. It's a boxing system. Does that work for MMA, or do you think MMA should have its own system for scoring? You know, I mean, I think it works. Because um, the only thing really different in boxing is standing eight counts, and you don't even have that in MMA. Mm. You know, if, if the fight stopped, it's just stopped. Um, I'm sorry. Well, you don't have standing eight counts in boxing, but you... And I don't know if you know what that means. So, like, if they're, if you're standing up and a ref has to stop you, that means the fight's over. If you get dropped to a knee and you get back up, then you get an eight count. Um, and that, none of that, obviously, is an MMA. If, if you stop it, it's done at any point. Whether If the ref comes in, you're just stopping it at any point. Um, that means somebody's about to go out, you know. Um, but, I don't know, it's kind of a hard one to tell. Um, I think the, I don't know, and there's a little difference in MMA too, you know, because if, if in boxing, if you get dropped on an E and you get back up and they have a standing eight count, that's an automatic point deduction. When in MMA, that's not necessarily the case. If you get dropped from a punch and get back up and keep fighting, you know, and so I actually think that it is more catered to MMA. It's not the exact scoring as boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look at the fight, you know, um, I think that Carlos had three rounds, and even the rounds that, I mean, the last round, Robbie really had him hurt, you know, so you can't take that away from Robbie. Um, Carlos still was doing a lot of scoring beforehand, but um, Robbie really had him, I mean, he almost had him out in the last round, you know, but it's still just a round out of five, you know. Round two, he, he clipped uh, Carlos, so... You know, if I would have been judging the fight, I probably would have done three rounds to two. And I think that that's still, you know, as far as the scoring system, I think that it's fine. I mean, I guess it just depends on who's actually scoring it and how they're how they're looking at the fight. Okay, let's transition to your present because I know your time is limited. And again, thank you so much for coming on. You have been very oh, much in you. demand, so I really appreciate it. Um, ESPN.com reported late last night that you've signed a new contract with the UFC. Is that accurate? It's accurate. Can you tell us about it? Well, if I uh, if I fight sooner than later, it'll be uh, it won't be a rematch, but they're still possible for a rematch. They haven't really announced anything, you know, exact yet. So um, I guess we'll just kind of wait and see how the cards unfold. Um, but I'm not going anywhere. I'll be fighting. Um, hopefully sooner than later, hmm. and um, just get back in there and do what I love to do. So so that is your preference. You don't want to wait July or after. You, you, you want to get in there sooner rather than later. When you say that, is there a month that is perfect for you, an ideal situation? You know, I don't really think of an exact time. Um, I just don't want to wait around for things if they're not set in stone. A lot of people have been talking about the rematch, but... 
nobody's really even knows for sure um, if Rhonda. Yeah, I haven't really even heard if she if she really wants it yet or not, or if you know she's occupied with some other things right now. So I think that's the hardest part for me is that if I knew something was going to be for sure set in stone, maybe I would think about it a little more. Um, but I don't know. I just I don't want to wait around for something that may may not happen. You right. know, um, I, I want to be able to to fight soon. Um, I like being active because I love the sport and I want to keep that true uh, to me. I don't want to get so involved with all this traveling around that. You know, I lose sight of what I don't think I will because I just love to fight. But um, I think that's why I like to fight sooner than later. It's like this is this is now, this is the time, this is what I love to do, and I want to keep doing what I love to do. Is it fair to guess that if if Ronda is in next, it will be Misha Tate? That's a fair that's a fair uh, a fair guess. Um, I think that, that that fight makes a lot of sense to people. Um, you know, she was kind of the one that was in line for the the title before they gave the fight to me. And um, I think people are curious to see how it will go because this is a whole different title fight now, you know. It was this big talk about is there going to be a third, you know, Ronda-Misha fight. And um, here we are with a whole new situation now. So um, I think that a lot of people want to see it. And uh, I think it would be awesome to challenge myself with another fighter. Um, if the, if the rematch comes, then great. Um, you know, but I definitely want to keep fighting whoever's in front of me. And are you happy with, with the new deal? Like, did they, did they up things cause you're the champ now and you're this mega celebrity and all that? Did they, did they do right by you? I'm happy with it. Um, but I'm always happy with it because I just see it as a opportunity, you know? Um, I mean, I never felt like I would actually, I, I always thought and thought, you know what, I think I can support myself with fighting. I think this can be my career, but I never really felt like, wow, I'm actually going to be able to like put some money aside and have money for the future. And, you know, so I'm, I'm very happy with it. Um, I'm happy for the opportunities and I want to make sure and make that all worth something, you know, and I want to have this new contract and then be a letdown. I want, I want to show them that I'm worth, uh, something and I want to show them that I'm going to be a good champion and that's my motivation to just keep getting better. By the way, uh, an, inter- an interview just came through um, on foxsports.com by Damon Martin with your longtime manager and promoter, agent and promoter, I should say, Lenny Frescas, and he said, quote, the UFC will be having an announcement this week and they'll be announcing it regarding your next yeah. fight. Yeah, they'll be announcing it. Oh, um, you can do it here if you want. <laughs> no, I can't, because I know he's so mad. <laughs> um, you know, I'll let, I'll let them announce it, and, um, we'll, you know, I'm pretty sure it'll be within the next... It'll be soon. It'll be soon. <laughs> um, by the way, side note, that, uh, that serenading that you got from the Irish fans, <laughs> that one guy in particular, did you enjoy that? Was that awkward for you? I thought it was, it was unbelievably... Uh, endearing, and it was, it just was oh, everything, it. you liked it, okay, okay, I wasn't sure. No, I loved it, um, I, I love when people are just loving life, having a good time, and, you know, a lot of, uh, actually some of the Irish fans came up to me, and they were like, oh man, like, you know, 
we're kind of sorry about the, the Q&A. Like, uh, some of the people were kind of being, like, you know, a little crazy. And I'm like, you guys, I would much rather have a Q&A like that with, like, fun and personality and having a good time than, like, you can hear crickets in the background in between each question, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I like to have fun with people. I'm serious all the time in the gym. Um, I'm serious, you know, in training. And I just, um, I thought it was awesome. And, uh... I think that I don't think that's ever happened before in a Q and A, so I'll take it. You know, yes. I got I got the first serenade. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fun. If you were Ronda Rousey's coach manager, do you think it's in her best interest not to fight you in her first fight back? From a fighter's perspective, does that make sense to come back against a person who just you know took you out in spectacular fashion? Should you build yourself back up? Well, I have two two thoughts about that. Um, so I I got knocked out by Anne Sophie Matisse in the seventh round of a boxing match in the very end of 2011, in December 2011. I had no fight in between. I rematched her in June of 2012, six months later. And I came back and I avenged my loss. So I think it would, I would be foolish to think somebody else couldn't do the same. I've done it before. Um, on the other note, the flip side of that, in that fight when I got knocked out, I actually was doing very well for the first four rounds. Round five, she kind of clipped me with a shot. Uh, round six, she dropped me. Round seven, she knocked me out. So I think it's just, you know, but I knew that I was technically doing well. I knew that I was competitive. So in my mind, I knew that I could do it. And I think that, you know, um, was maybe something that I took so in a positive way to be ready for that rematch. Um, so I guess it just depends on where her mental game is, but I will never underestimate her. You know, I she's done well and had a lot of victories. So if she comes back, I will expect the very best Rhonda. Um, I've done it before, so I'd be, I'd be dumb to think that somebody else couldn't. By the way, how do you feel about Ronda Rousey right now? Because on the one hand, I can see there being some animosity. I mean, she went in front of the world and said you're fake, and that that, that attack yeah. seemed a little bit, I mean, and especially after talking to everyone that knows you and doesn't know you, I mean, no one says anything remotely close to that. And you fought her, and you took her title, all that. But on the other hand, her whole life has changed, and people came out of the woodwork and danced on her grave, mm-hmm. and just, you know, so how do you feel about it? Like, what are your thoughts towards her as just a human being? I don't think anybody deserves that. I do think that she put herself in that position just kind of, you know, she, I mean, she's even said herself that, you know, if people don't like her style, then she doesn't care. You know, this is who she is, and she's not going to tend to be anybody else. And uh, I don't have any animosity towards her. I mean, I just, I don't know. A lot of people feel like maybe I should, but I just don't. I don't waste energy with stuff like that. You know, I think she's been a champion for a reason. She's been confident in herself, and she's done well with a lot of things like that. Um, so I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't have any animosity towards her. I don't think that some of the negativity that she's received is necessarily, I mean, that's not, some of it's not necessary. You know, people get pretty brutal about stuff, but um I think I think she's tough enough she can handle it. I think I don't think she's ever felt like something like this before. 
Um, I think she is going through a really rough time. I'd be dumb if I said, said anything different. But, Does that make you feel uh, bad? Mm, not bad enough that I would change the decision. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I always sympathize with my opponents no matter what. Um, if you win, they're going home with a bad day. That doesn't mean that I, I want to give them the victory, but I do I do sympathize with, with it, and I have compassion towards it. Um, you know, I don't ever want... You, you feel sadness when you lose. <laughs> like... I don't want anybody to really feel sadness. You know, I think that if any, the things that can make me feel the most sad for other people is if they feel lonely or, or kind of by themselves in this world. And I I think right now she might be doing some soul searching, um, and kind of just keeping to herself a little bit. Um, you know, I hope she can bounce right back from it because, she has been a good champion, you know. I, I do have some sympathy for it, but like I said, not enough to change it. Uh, two last quick things. Um, were you disappointed? You know, she came out with a small statement on Instagram, did one interview since. You know, she, she didn't say congratulations or anything like that. I don't know if she did it in person. Were you disappointed about that? No. I, I just like to know that. For me, I, I want to carry myself a certain way, and I don't really mind how other people do it because that's their deal. As long as as long as I carry myself how I feel is is respectful, um, I'm only in charge of myself. Mm. And um, she has to be kind of bitter right now, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just uh, I'm really I really just want to do my thing and represent myself well and i'll give her the respect along the way um and however she handles it is her own deal you know i don't want to lose sleep over it yep very well said and this is the big one that we've been debating and i even asked coach wink about this did holly home kind of play possum in her first two ufc fights were you holding back a little bit to shock everyone when you fought ronda is is that is, did that really happen because if so you deserve all the awards in the world for that. I mean, that's been thrown out there. Is that true? You know, I think I could have done more in those fights, but I was being a little cautious, maybe learning along the way. But um, there was nothing intentional. Like, I was never thinking, oh, I'm not going to show anybody until, you know, the big fight. I mean, that never crossed my mind. Um I do feel, you know, I kept telling people I know that I have better potential than what I've shown. And I, I did feel true with that. I knew I was capable of more, and but I knew I had to perform it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I never sat aside and thought I'm going to just play possum. You know, I, I wanted the victories in those. And there was a few things going, going on for those fights. You know, my first UFC fight, I was coming off really big injuries, you know, and I've never been injured um, like that in a fight before I've never had to pull out of a fight from an injury I've never had to you know kind of go through a lot of that and so a lot of it was kind of those nerves um and but I, I didn't play possum though okay I just knew I was capable of more you could have said yes, and it would have made you even cooler, but I appreciate the I honesty. Know. <laughs> I didn't want to lie, though. <laughs> I appreciate that. 
Uh, that okay. sums you up very nicely. Uh, okay, so this is our award show, and uh, what an honor and treat this is. So before I let you go, how about I give you the awards that you won um, from this show? And I know you've won the title, and you've met everyone, Floyd Mayweather and all these, uh, Beyonce, all these people, but I have a feeling that the, the honors that I'm about to bestow upon you, greater than all of those combined. And, and, well, and, let me hear it. Okay, so both my producer and I in New York, Rick, we have given you the Female Fighter of the Year. So congratulations. Oh, okay. You uh there you go some applause. Female easy. That that was the, that was an easy one. I have given you the oh. knockout of the year. Easy. Oh my god. <laughs> easy. No no applause for knockout. Okay, fine. there we go. There's applause. Uh I have given you the upset of the year even though I know you oh, didn't yeah. believe it was the upset, but that was the upset of the year and New York Rick has given you the moment of the year. You had the moment of the year when oh. the world stopped. So how about that? Five awards. Holy cow. I don't even know what to say. Life just gets better. I'm so honored. You guys are so great. And I'll keep trying my best to not let this be the only time that there's something exciting like that. You know, I want to keep keep showing you guys and hopefully I'll get another award because that means I'm keeping getting better. Well, you uh, you deserve it all. Again, congratulations. Really appreciate the time, and it couldn't have happened to a better person. Uh, enjoy, oh, keep enjoying so the much. victory, but can't wait for the next one. Even though you didn't announce the news here, uh, I'll, I'll let it slide. We're cool. I understand. All right. <laughs> and we'll talk to you I soon. I trouble. I understand. I don't want to get you. That's the last thing I want. Uh, so <laughs> I- enjoy it. Again, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Really happy for you, thank Holly. You so happy New Year. Thank you, and thank you for my awards. I'm so honored. Have a happy New Year. All right. There she is, Holly Holm. What can you say about Holly Holm, the preacher's daughter? What a joy. That was fun. Last year, remember, we had Robbie Lawler on to give him the, uh, the fight of the year. Now we just gave her almost all the awards, but that's not true because we have 22 awards to give out. So let's do it. You guys ready? We're ready. We've got the whole crew back here. Nice applause, by the way. Yeah. We're stepping it up. So what do you think, by the way? Uh, do you think that uh, it's Misha Tate? Kind yeah, of it seems like that it. way, right? Yeah. Are you okay with that? Love that fight. No, but do you think it's smart to do? Because, you know, it was, it was sort of debated. Do you, do you risk it? It's a big money fight. From, UFC from 200. whose perspective? Um, from the UFC's perspective, from a business perspective. I think it is a risk, uh, but they're banking on Holly Holm. And uh, I think it's a reasonable thing to do. And you have to wonder, can she turn around? And you, you also have to wonder, I'm starting to hear, I don't know if Ronda Rousey is going to be available in july i mean it's already january multiple injuries like physical injuries well emotional injuries i mean there's the movie stuff so i feel like you kind of have to you can't revolve your whole year around ufc 200 right i have a feeling that that's part of the decision right that makes it so it makes it a lot easier if if ronda can't be ready by then then you have to you have to keep holly active she wants to be active and misha i mean you can't go amanda it's got to be misha right it's got to be misha who's your pick uh, that's a that's a tough fight. Uh, I would go Holly. Um, it's hard to get over what we just saw. Um, I'm not about to use MMA math and say that Holly beat Ronda, who beat Misha. Um, but I think the performance that we just saw from Holly is 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 pretty good, and uh, I'm I'd be confident picking Holly. Will Holly be the betting favorite in your opinion? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I wonder what they do, but it sounds like we're going to get an announcement soon. Remember. I'll tell you this, she won't be as big a betting favorite as Ronda was over her. Of course, yeah. Uh, UFC 197 is looking for a fight or two, as far as headline, co-headline, looking for a venue. 
Uh, I knew this drew the ire of some, but uh, it does not appear to be in Rio anymore. March 5th, I would expect an announcement. I, I, from what I heard, they wanted to announce this weekend. It didn't happen. Let's see what they come up with. But, you know, read between the lines. Let's get to the awards, shall we? Here we go. One of my favorite episodes of the year. It's award season. Did you bring your tux? No. Uh, what do you got? What do you got? Okay, so we got 22 categories. 21. 22. Did I count one twice? I think you counted one okay, twice. Okay, whatever. Yeah. 21. Um, we added one or two new ones. Uh, and, and, and I don't think we did this last year, but this year we're actually going to tell you who we picked last year just to see you know, if there are any changes, maybe repeat winners. I think that's a fun little wrinkle. Correct. We did not do that last year, but I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to look back because we did those at the end of the year, um, and, and some of it's you know, indicative of what happened in 2015. Now, those are the people who were at the top yes, at, 2015, yes. at the end of 2014. So, and How do you feel about the award show taking place in 2016? Like, are we ready to move to, on from 2015, or is this the right way to go about it? You have to do it properly. Yeah. You have to get all of them in. Ryzen had an event. Um, the UFC mm. had another event mm-hmm. uh, since our last show. So you have to do it properly. Okay, let's do it. First category, male fighter of the year. Easiest one on the docket. Where's my, where's my, where's my lower third? Alex sleeping back there. I need, I need the lower third. It has to be right. Don't worry. It's there. Okay. First category, male fight of the year. Last year, you picked? I picked uh, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, so I don't have your picks. So you got to tell me who your pick is, all right? I picked Robbie Lawler. I picked Robbie Lawler as well. This year, your pick is? Conor McGregor. Why? No doubt about it. Uh, just if you take the three wins, Dennis Seaver, Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, that's an impressive list on its own. Those are three... High-level high, uh, guys, um, Chad Mendes, a perennial contender, Dennis Seaver, no you know, slouch himself, and then Jose Aldo, m- what we considered one of the pound-for-pound pound best ever. Uh, but then you take into account the fact that he was likely injured in the fight with Chad Mendes. You know, the reports are whatever they are. Oh, he was injured. Um, and we don't know. You know they want to downplay the extent of the injury because they don't want to, you know, make it into a story. But there, he was injured. Uh, when you consider all the stakes that he was continuing to raise the bar and continuing to up the stakes himself in 2015, when you consider all the media obligations that he never missed any, that he continued to be the poster boy for the UFC, when you consider that after all that he coached tough, um, you know, whether what you thought of him as a coach or how, in, you know, directly involved he was uh, aside, he took on the responsibility of coaching tough. And when you consider all that and that none of the fighters that I mentioned in those three fights lasted more than two rounds, including Jose Aldo only lasting 13 seconds, uh, nobody had a better fifth 2015 than Conor McGregor. And I'm not even going to mention the numbers, Ariel. I'm not even going to huh. mention those. Which numbers? Like the actual All the gate- pay-per-views, oh, yeah. the gates, everything off well, the charts. Conor McGregor... I'd say the best year anybody's ever had in MMA history. Yeah, because let's not forget, well-deserved for Conor McGregor, uh, let's not forget, broke the record for FS1 in January, and then what he did at 189 as far as the gate was concerned, then he broke that record at 194. Obviously, my, my choice for male fighter of the year, no surprise, I have to agree with you on that one. It's Conor McGregor. This was a very easy decision. Won three fights, was active, beat a guy that everyone thought would be his kryptonite while injured, um, beat the greatest of all time in that division up until this point in 13 seconds. Quick, I mean, I can just repeat everything you just said. It's Conor McGregor. What a year, and I can't wait for you know the, 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 the what's, it, what's it called? The encore. I mean, what does he get? How, 
he can actually top it because he likes to be active. He wants to go up to a new weight class. If he does everything that he sets out to do this year, he could very well be the fighter of the year next year. And we'll get to that category later, a little later on. But it's just been such a joy to watch this guy call his shots. We put out that best of the MMA hour with Conor McGregor. What did it get? Like 150,000 views on YouTube? Yep. People just, they, 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 they eat up everything that he does and says, calls his shots. He's captivating in and out of the cage. I want to see more of him. I, like, I feel that's the beauty. Even with the ultimate fighter, you, you, you want more. I want to see what he does next. I want to see what he says next. I want to see more press conferences. It's just like you, you can't get enough of the guy. Um, wow. Uh, honorable mentions. Rafael Dos Anjos deserves an honorable mention. Uh, I don't think a lot of people were picking him against Anthony Pettis. He annihilated Pettis. Then he followed that up with a different kind of annihilation. This one, a very quick one of Donald Cerrone in a... Uh, in a rematch just a couple of weeks ago in Orlando, Dos Anjos is a dominant champion and he could be next for Conor McGregor. So I think he deserves an honorable mention. Demetrius Johnson deserves an honorable mention. He does it sort of under the radar with uh, very little fanfare, but what he did to Horiguchi getting the finish in the end with the second left in Montreal, what he did to John Dotson, who everyone thought would be the, uh, the toughest opponent of his as, as champion. I mean, what more can you say about Demetrius? He is uh, without any peers, at least right now, at 125 pounds. The Cejudo fight will be interesting, but DJ is the most active and most reliable champion in the UFC and also the longest reigning one as well. And then another honorable mention for me, Luke Rockhold, uh, finishing off the year very strong against Chris Weidman. Uh, great performance, and he was battling some stuff as well. Tremendous win over Lyoto Machida in April. Luke Rockhold deserves a lot of credit and could be up for other awards as well. So that's Male Fighter of the Year 2015. Bef uh, before we move on from that one, did you mention Donald Cerrone in, in yours? Because I think if he had won, yeah. there's a very, very good case. He could have almost pushed McGregor, which is incredible considering the year McGregor had. If he had won uh, the title against uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, that would have been one of the, the best years ever also. That would have been a, a really, really impressive year. And, you know, even though he did lose, he had, he had a great year as well. Yeah, that, that is a good point. And I didn't mention uh, my fight, uh, fighter of the year of 2014 was also Robbie Lawler. Uh, so we agreed on all of those, right? We did. Okay, now let's move along to female fighter of the year. The suspense. Yes, I gave mine away. Uh, last year, by the way, you chose... I chose Joanna Janjacek. Oh, that's right. And we had a whole big argument about it. Correct. And you're still wrong about it. Now, what she <laughs> did this year, by the way, what she did this year has nothing to do with how ludicrous that yes. pick was last year. No, it was not ludicrous. That, right? It was not ludicrous. She had a very solid year. And remember, what I said was the wins on tough did not count. I would have likely given it to like a Carla Esparza, but the wins on tough did not count. The best year in the books last year was Joanna Yenjay. She was coming off a super close decision win over Claudia Gadelia. That she won. Yeah, I know. Anyway, you picked Jan uh, Jacek. I picked Ronda Rousey. That was the right choice. This year, <laughs> this year, who'd you pick? This year, I picked Holly Holm. Okay. There it is. Well-deserved guest of the show just moments ago. I mean, what a guest, right? Getting all emotional uh, yeah. almost made me cry as well. It's, it's impossible not to like her. It's impossible. Okay, so why is she? Is this, is this an easy one? I already gave my uh, it's, choice. It's so. not easy because Joanna had a great year again. Joanna Janjacek had a great year again. Um, 
And I also think that uh, Ronda Rousey, we can't. Uh, uh, this is what I was talking about with Donald Cerrone. Even though she lost this fight, we can't downplay the year that Ronda Rousey had. She became uh, a megastar, um, picked up you know, uh, two big wins. She, she submitted Kat Zingano in 14 seconds. She uh, knocked out Bech Kohea in 34 seconds. So, you know, typically in any other year, that'd be enough. Um, but this year, it was Holly Holmes' year. She picked up three wins. She beat uh, what was considered the best female fighter on the planet. And uh, she's undefeated still. And it, it was historic. It was unprecedented. Everything that you want to say, huge upset. Um, it was Holly Holmes' year. By the way, when you tweet these, uh, these selections out, I'm not usually a huge fan of this, but throw in the, the person's Twitter handle so they can get some love here. You see how emotional she was getting our award? This means a lot yeah, to these fighters. Yeah, but then we're running into characters and all this stuff. No, no, stuff. no. You got to do it. You got to do it. We need to show the people. Take away some hashtags. You figure it out. <laughs> I trust you. Okay? Now, uh, my pick, Holly Holm. I just gave it to her. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it, you know, actually, Joanna this year has a very strong case. I mean, she had a fantastic year. She became champion. And then she successfully defended it against Jessica Panay and Valerie Latourneau. Um, her name will come up later. Have no fear. But Holly Holm, to do what she did to Ronda Rousey, to rise the to the occasion the way she did in front of the biggest crowd in UFC history, one of the most watched shows as far as pay-per-views are concerned in UFC history, against the behemoth that is Ronda Rousey, against the, the media darling... The, the locomotive, everything you want to say. I mean, Ronda Rousey was that. She was a beast. And then to do what she did and to execute that game plan was just, it was a thing of beauty. It was one of the best performances in a title fight I've ever seen. And uh, she deserves it. And to see what's happened to her, it's kind of funny. As I noted on Twitter, that fight was actually supposed to take place this past weekend before the Robbie Lawler injury. Just think about how different the last couple months would have been if we had not seen that fight yet. And who knows, you know, different you know more time to prepare less time you know who knows how it all plays out i have a feeling though they fight 10 times home wins the majority of those fights it's going to be interesting to see what happens to her against misha tate and how she responds to this fanfare and this whirlwind and all that she deserves that new contract as well holly home without a doubt female fighter of the year honorable mention goes to yuanio jacek as i mentioned misha tate had a solid year you know she had a big win over jessica i she has done everything that the UFC has asked her to do. And uh, she also had a big win over Sarah McMahon. Misha Tate had a solid year as well. Amanda Nunes had a good year. And she's kind of been forgotten. I hope she gets back in there sooner rather than later. But like I said, without a doubt, Holly Holm, female fighter of the year. Congratulations to her on an unbelievable year, a historic year. What she's done is nothing short of amazing. Okay, let's move along now to fight of the year. Fight of the year last year. I had a controversial one. People, not a lot of people agreed with me. I had TJ Dillashaw versus Henan Barrett. Oh yeah, that was another dumb one. No, you were really dumb last year. It was not. It's not about being competitive. It's about the the fight that was the best of that year. It, it everybody was captured by it, and that was that fight last year. But why? I mean, when I think of a great fight, the first thing that comes to mind, the very first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is how competitive was it. Like, that's what makes it a great, a great game, right? A great basketball game. It's not a blowout. It's an overtime thriller. If it's, if it's special, if... So a great game can't be uh, some, you know, a great basketball team blowing out no. the, the most... So if, if, the, if the New Jersey Nets beat the uh, Golden State Warriors by 30 points this year, which game will be more talked about that or a mid-season game between the Phoenix Suns and the San Antonio Spurs that's a shootout? 
By the way, the New Jersey Nets don't even exist. What world are we living uh, in? Sorry, here? Brooklyn I mean, Nets. Come on. Shout out to Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, which game will be more memorable? Which game every moment will you remember every second of that game? Okay, okay. If if the Brooklyn Nets blow out the Golden State Warriors in thirty uh, with uh, in thirty uh, by thirty points, right? I can guarantee. And let's say this happens in February. Yep. Okay. I can guarantee you the double overtime thriller between the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors from December will be more remembered at the end of the at the end of the year. Completely disagree. It's crazy. You Completely are disagree. Crazy. Crazy. A blowout. A blowout. A blowout. A blowout is not going to be a greater display. The worst team of basketball versus the best team. Theater. The, the, no. Disagree. Okay. Uh, hopefully you've you've uh, you've righted this wrong this year. What's your okay? Let me well, tell you what my was pick. Your pick? My, my pick was the easy one. Hendrix Lawler, number one, <laughs> UFC one seventy one. Uh, that was amazing. That fight, come on, that fight was decided in the final minute of the final round of a championship fight. The entire fight was played out in a phone booth. Back and forth they went. It was it was incredible. And you could have made a case that Lawler deserved to win that fight. He ended up winning in December against Hendrix. Uh, that is. That fight's the best of MMA. This year's fight, also, you could say the same. Not taking anything away from TJ. That was a great performance. That was a breakthrough performance. That was amazing. But Lawler Hendricks won was the United. I think it won MMA. Not that that, you know, that's just, that's more, you know, fans voting and things of that nature. But Lawler Hendricks won. Anyway, let's not argue about last year. What's your pick for this year? My pick for this year is another uh, Lawler fight. It's Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald from USC 189. Yes. Competitive but also delivered on every moment um, and, and was the most memorable fight uh, of the year. Um, the stakes were at its highest. It was a championship fight. Uh, it was back and forth. They gave it to each other for, for nearly five rounds. Uh, and, you know, it, we had that moment in the fourth round where uh, after the bell, Robbie Lawler spits out the blood and then they're staring at each other in the middle of the ring with Big John between them. Uh, it was incredible. It delivered everything that we could have hoped for, and uh, it's becoming a, a thing with Robbie Lawler. His yes. was the fight of the year with Isn't Rory that McDonald. amazing? Did he win the fight of the year the year before that too? Or am I crazy? Before the one with Hendricks? Yeah. I can't imagine. Last year he won fight of the year for me and also fight of the year. Oh, okay, this is what I'm thinking. And this year he won fight of the year. I agree with you. It's Rory McDonald, Robbie Lawler, number two, UFC 189. And then he may win fight of the year this year. For 2016, correct. After what just happened, and round of the year, um, that fight was was great for a lot of reasons. The first that comes to mind is it was flying under the radar, and they were okay with that. It was the McGregor show, and then they end up stealing the show. It was amazing theater because Rory was so close to realizing his dream of becoming champion. And somehow, Robbie digs deep as he continues to do in the fifth round, and you know it's. That punch was was so painful to watch because you could tell Roy McDonald wanted to continue. It was like he, he, it was like that R. Kelly song. My mind's telling me no, my body's telling me yes. Well, this was the opposite. His mind was saying keep going, but his body just you know it just crumbled. And there's that gif of him sitting up and then falling back down. It was it was heartbreaking to watch, but it was also I mean, how do you not commend and respect what Robbie Lawler did in that fight with that huge gash on his lip? And then what he said afterwards, the emotion, showed up the next day to the tough finale. His face was all messed up. That picture afterwards of both of them, even Rory saying that that was the greatest moment of his life. 
it was just an amazing fight. It was it was so much fun to watch because there were highs and lows. One guy was winning. The other guy started to take a bigger lead. Then the other guy comes back and finishes him off. And the there was no controversy, nothing. It was a clean victory. Uh, what what a great fight on, on the biggest stage of them all. So, yeah, that's my pick. Lawler, McDonald, 2, UFC 189. Honorable mention, Daniel Cormier versus Alexander Gustafson at UFC 192. Justin Gaethje versus Luis Palomino, the first one. Uh, Benson Henderson versus Brandon Thatch, Jeremy Stevens versus Dennis Bermudez, Andre Arlovsky versus Travis Brown, Elsie Davis versus uh, Hideo Tokoro, Chad Mendez versus Conor McGregor also was a great fight. Those are some that come to mind. Any others for you? Uh, did you mention Gustafson Cormier? I did. Can you Ortega, pay attention? Ortega, uh, Tiago Tavares. I did not mention that one. Um, another great comeback, and Ortega seems to be doing that yes. again. Um, Almeida Pickett. Um, yep. Grasso and Mizuki Inoue from Invicta. Oh, yes. Really fun fight. That was a lot of fun, yes. Um, it was early in the year, so, you know, a lot of people, it slipped off the radar, but that was really fun. Ferguson and Barboza. Um, yeah, we, I think we hit a lot. But, there, there, you know, this was a, a great year. Fight, fight of the year was difficult for me um, for the second place. The first place was Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald. Just knew from the moment that that happened that that was going to be it. But the second place, there were so many honorable mentions. It's really tough. Um, okay. It was such a good year. Round of the year. Last year, you chose? I chose Varner and Trujillo. Uh, round two at UFC 169. Incredible. That was a great fight. Incredible. And I think that was, uh, oh, yeah, that was here in Newark. But wait, who won that fight? Now I'm blanking. Uh, Abel. <laughs> Abel won, yeah. Um, I can't, that, that was a brain fart. Uh, my, my pick was Matt Brown versus Eric Silva in Cincinnati. That first round was Bananas. So that was, uh, I mean, I think you, you, you gave respect to that one as well. Oh, but f for sure. It was debatable. Uh, this year, I'm curious to hear. And by the way, I just want to make uh, mention of this. Uh, we haven't shared our picks. Last year, we did. But this year, I didn't want to tell you my picks because I was afraid, A, you were going to steal them. And I want, you know, I want them some authenticity here. I want us to have natural reactions. And I know sometimes you like to go off the grid just to be a contrarian. So I really want to react to the... <laughs> The craziness of some of your picks. So, so I think you'll agree with this one. Okay, go ahead. 2015 round of the year, John Lineker versus Francisco Rivera. Wow. The first round. I disagree, but go ahead. It was only two minutes and eight seconds, so you can barely even call it a round. Um, but the way they were just exchanging, you know, throwing those like, uh, you know, shots that would topple over buildings um, with, with the kind of power that you don't really see in that weight class. Um, was incredible. They threw, according to Fight Metric, thanks to Michael Carroll on Twitter, I saw this, they threw uh, 100 strikes in those two minutes between them. Wow. And not only that, the best part of this, my favorite part of this, is that it actually ended in a submission. Even though they were throwing all that leather um, and they have so much power, it actually ended in a submission after all. Um, best two minutes, it was, it was amazing. I was losing my mind. Lineker versus Rivera. That's interesting. Great fight. Uh, but to me, this was maybe one of the one of the easiest ones to pick. One of the I'm not going to say it was easier than Holly and Connor, but how you do not pick Andre Arlovsky versus Travis Brown that first round at UFC 187 is beyond me. This might be your biggest blunder yet. How do you top that? It's an honorable mention. What? Um, that was crazy. Come on. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't quite have the. <laughs> it didn't quite have the horsepower. What? It I, had all the horsepower. No, in the, world. The, the the it was it was not as action packed for that amount what? of time. What? <laughs> I'm not arguing that there weren't. It had it had greater momentum swings. No doubt about it. That round, 
was bonkers from the fact that it seemed like each guy was going up and down and up and down and up and down. Whereas this one was th- them exchanging at the same time. Rivera and Lineker were exchanging at the same time, and it felt like either guy could drop at any moment. Uh, this was more each guy took his turn uh, rocking each other. Great round. Ugh. Honorable mention. That was a video Lineker game. versus Rivera. Fair enough. Uh, that was a video game. That, that, that was the equivalent of like some Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat type of game. At one moment, you thought Arlovsky with the weak chin and all was going to like an accordion. Didn't happen. Comes back. And then the, the embrace afterward. I mean, it was just. And also, it was a little longer. That was the round of the year. Round one, UFC 187 Memorial Day weekend. Arlovsky Brown. You're crazy. Uh, other rounds. Daniel Cormier against Alexander Gustafson, round three. Tony Ferguson, Edson Barbosa, round one. Uh, Justin Gaethje, Luis Palomino, one, round one. And uh, how about that fifth round of Robbie Lawler with Roy McDonald? That was an amazing round when he finished him off. Any others that come to mind for you? Let's see what else I had an honorable mention. No, those were the ones. I mean, clearly uh, Lineker, Rivera, and Brown uh, Arlovsky for me were the ones that stood. Is uh, it weird that Lineker, Rivera didn't even make my honorable mentions? I have nothing to say about that. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, okay, you know what you need to do there. Okay, uh, event. No, no, no. My bad. Uh, because my things aren't in order. Uh, knockout of the year. Last year, I went with Dong Young Kim versus John Hathaway and Macau. Remember that spinning back elbow? What'd you go with? I went with Joe Schilling uh, knocked out Melvin Manhoff. Joe Schilling. At Bellator yes, that was tremendous. That was tremendous. Yes. Okay, so what's your pick? My pick this year. I think many people are going to disagree with this, but it was my favorite. Frank Muir knocking out Todd Duffy at uh, Ultimate Fight Night 71. Oh. Yeah, what happened to the applause for the last one? Did yeah, I, I mean, well, round of the year gets no love. Who's sleeping behind the wheel there? <laughs> um, I loved this knockout. It wasn't the, it, the, the stakes weren't the highest. There was no, it wasn't the most meaningful fight in the world. But when Duffy uh, face-planted into the canvas... That was crazy. It was insane because typically you see you guys bounce. You see you know, them kind of wake up when they hit the mat. He went straight down, laid there flat, and Frank Mir went, went off and celebrated. It was, it was bonkers. Um, but like uh, Fight of the Year, there, there's a lot of uh, really, really good contenders here for Knockout of the Year. I imagine mine is not going to be one that many people have picked in the past, but this, is, this was my favorite. Yeah, it's a good choice. Very good choice. Great win. Um, and, and it was part of a great story for Frank Mir, the sort of comeback that he was on. But as you heard earlier, my Knockout of the Year was, was Holly Holm over Ronda Rousey. And not only because of the magnitude, not only because it was Holly Holm defeating Ronda Rousey, it was an amazing knockout. Like, I can watch that sequence over and over again, how she decides to go with the kick to finish her off. That was video game-esque. Like, that was her saying, okay, these are the weapons that I have in my back pocket. I'm just going to finish you off with the most spectacular kick anyone's ever seen to finish off a title fight. I mean, that was just amazing. Um, It was flush. Uh, Our own Esther Lynn got an amazing shot of it, an iconic photo how how is that how is that, explain to me how is that not the knockout of the year when you when you add you know the stage magnitude the stakes plus the actual execution it all equals out to knockout of the year and that's what Holly Holm did to Ronda Rousey in Melbourne to me another no brainer it was it was it, I didn't want to forget anyone in the honorable mentions but the actual winner boom easy. Holly Holm, Ronda Rossi. Now, you can make a strong case for Conor McGregor over Jose Aldo because all those other things I just mentioned, stakes, magnitude, rivalry, all that, boom. 
uh, history, 13 seconds, it all equals up to McGregor and Aldo as well. I, c I can live with that one. And this was, that was tough. It was kind of a two-horse race for me, but nothing else. Nothing else. Why didn't you pick Holly? Why didn't it, you pick Connor? It, the aesthetic was, was, was the big factor for me. This one, uh, many of the what people are calling the knockout of the year weren't one-hitter quitters. They were follow-ups, TKOs. This one was a one-hitter quitter, uh, as was uh, some of the other honorable mentions like um, uh, Thomas Almeida's flying knee on Brad Pickett, one-hitter quitter. Um, and that matters to me. Now, on the opposite end of that spectrum, the Tekken combo that Uriah Hall unleashed on Gegard Musasi, yes, that could have been up there, um, even though it wasn't a one-hitter quitter. And then Joe Schilling on the other end uh, of Hisaki Kato's uh, Superman punch was another beautiful one. Yes, um, There were a ton this year. Uh, but for me, I don't know. There was something about this one, and, and I went back and forth. I had a million different thoughts, uh, but this was the one I, I ultimately chose. Okay, so like I said, it was uh, it was tough to include all the great ones. You mentioned a couple. As far as honorable mention, Aldo Connor is almost to me is almost like one B here. But I got to pick one, so I'll pick Home over Rousey, Aldo McGregor because it was also it was just a great knockout. It wasn't a fluke or anything like that, and it, and it was clean. It was just amazing. Uh, Musasi Hall, the David Loazzo, as I like to call it. You mentioned that one. You also mentioned uh, Kato Schilling. A couple others. Santos Bosse. That was amazing. I mean, Bosse's body. I don't know if I'll ever see Steve Bosse again. After that, that head kick, uh, he he turned into a, a stiff board. Uh, Thomas Almeida, Brad Pickett. That was brutal. Paul Felder against Danny Castillo. Um, man, uh, Rumble Johnson against Alexander Gustafsson. That was whew, in, in Sweden, no less, in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., almost you know early morning. Uh, that was uh, that was a tough one to watch. Wonderboy Thompson against Jake Ellenberger, incredible. I mean, any other year, these are all winners. It, it was nuts. Uh, Tiago Alves liver kick to Jordan Meehan. Oh, that's really, there. really nice. That's one. there. Uh, a couple others. Frank Mir against Bigfoot Silva. <laughs> Frank Mir again. Remember that? Yep. Uh, Andre Arlovsky against Travis Brown. That could certainly deserve it as well. Uh, how about this one? It will fly under the radar a little bit. But it was equally impressive. Ioanni on Jacek against Carlos Sparza, the standing TKO. Very rare. Is very, very impressive. That barrage, that beatdown was, ooh. I mean, again. And, 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 and I feel like people have forgotten it now because she was on the receiving end of the knockout of the year. But Ronda Rousey's one-punch knockout of Bech Cohea would win in many other years as well. The, Don't it, cry. For oh boy, for <laughs> fight of the year and knockout of the year, this was really stiff competition this year. Okay, let's move along. Yes. Great ones. What a year for knockouts. And I feel like I forgot a ton. Uh, okay, let's move along. Uh, the next one is submission of the year. Last year, I had Ben Saunders, Chris Heatherly, Oma Plata. A lot of fun. I think most people gave it to. Ben Saunders. Did you as I, well? I also gave it to Ben Saunders. Yeah. Okay, this year... History. history. It was historic. Yes, it was historic. Sort of like Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor. But <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, go ahead. Uh, my pick this year is... Now, you were talking about the context. Last time, I disregarded it. This time, I'm including Oh, it. so you're picking and choosing. Okay, that's interesting. The, hey, this is my award. Not very consistent. This is my award. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Benson Henderson submitting oh. Brandon Thatch okay. via rear naked choke. Okay. Now, I, second place for me 
was Ronda Rousey in the 14-second armbar over Cat uh, Zingano. Mm-hmm. Really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. But for me, the the circumstance of Benson Hender- Henderson coming in, moving into the welterweight division, slaying a giant, um, and getting it done after you know absorbing uh, you know a, a, a reasonable amount of punishment in the first couple of rounds, uh, weathering the storm, getting it done, taking it to the mat, and, and choking Brandon Thatch out. Um, incredible, inspiring. Shades of of the great BJ Penn, uh, and you know the he was on a losing streak. He stepped up at welterweight, took it out. It's you know took Thatch out, and now welterweight Benson Henderson, the money weight, was born. Um, I thought it was an incredible moment. That's my submission of the year. So the way you set that up makes me think that you think I'm going with Rousey Zingano, but I'm actually going to agree with you on this one. And I'm, I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised, that you picked Benson Henderson over Brandon Thatch. UFC Fight Night 60 in uh, Broomfield, Colorado, because if you go back to that show, it was mid-February, I believe it was right after my son's birthday, I was incredibly emotional after that fight. Remember I started the show, I I tried so hard to get Benson Henderson on that Monday following that fight. That show could only start with one guy. And you remember I was showering with praise and I was equating it to the old days of UFC when the, the smaller guy slayed the giant. And he was very reluctant. And if you recall, he was coming off a loss to Donald Cerrone, a controversial loss. He takes this fight on two weeks' notice, fights the bigger guy. And remember the, 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 the weigh-in? And, and Brandon Thatch was towering over him. And people are like, what is Benson Henderson doing? This is a huge mistake. And remember, it started a little slow. And then it starts to pick up. And remember that takedown in the final round when he just changed levels and took the wind out of him, took him down, and eventually got the submission, the rear naked choke. That, to me, was what I, I literally... I remember sitting, and this happens a lot when I'm home, and I'm watching these fight night shows, which tend to drag, and it's 1 a.m., and I'm starting to fall asleep, and I perked up for that. And I saw. I was like, wow. what? what I, I, I couldn't even... Because ver- I was starting to... I remember there was like a really bad co-main event that night, Remember in, in, in Colorado, I forget who I forget was what it was. I think it was, yeah, let's I th- look it up. I think it was the, maybe there was an Australian fighter involved. Anyway, I don't want to pin it on someone who doesn't deserve it, but there 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 was <laughs> it, it was like a bit of a lull, and I was like, man, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed. This this event is dragging way too long. And then they get to the main event, and everyone thinks it's going to be the destruction of the former champion. And he rises to the occasion. He does it in his reaction afterwards when he's like putting back his hair and looking through the crowd. It was just, I get emotional thinking about it because it showed the best, uh, the best of an athlete, an athlete rising to the occasion, an athlete just kind of going above himself. And everyone's counting him out. He was the underdog, the betting underdog going into that fight. Benson Henderson's submission over Brandon Thatcher, the thing of beauty. It was one of my favorite moments. Of, of 2015, one of my favorite moments in UFC history, honestly, and I'm not overplaying it. Months later now, I can truly say that. Honestly, sincerely, I loved it. Uh, and what a year it was for Benson. We'll get to comeback fighter of the year and all that, but he turned things around, and now he's a free agent, and he's about to, you know, hopefully cash in, and he deserves it. Did we just get a preview there? Maybe, maybe not. But again, I can't say enough about that fight. Uh, I actually just rewatched it. I loved that last round. That takedown, you know the one I'm talking about? Sure. I, you could feel it when you're the, watching it. Like you could feel the I, wind getting knocked out. Of I you. had a very similar reaction to that fight that that you did. 
Um, it wasn't it, it just was, a it was submission. special. It was a very special fight. Yeah, it wasn't just a submission. It was it was a guy, you know, everyone counting him out and and, and the size difference and and the state of his career. Uh, it was it was everything that I love about this sport. Just a thing of beauty. It was it was watching someone who will on on a, on, on a stage athletically do more than you can ever imagine. Like I can never pull off something like that. I, I that's that's we're just you know we're just regular Joes compared to someone like him. So that, I mean. I could talk about that fight all day. Loved it. Uh, okay, so that was our pick for submission of the year. Honorable mentions, uh, obviously, as as a lot of people would would pick, and it certainly is deserving. Ronda Rousey against Katzengano back in February, uh, up until the knockout by Conor McGregor over Jose Aldo, that was the quickest finish in UFC history, 14 seconds, and really ignited her um, into the superstar that she became. Uh, how about Fabricio Verdum with a huge win over Cain Velasquez? Who saw that coming in Mexico? In that fashion, that was a lot of fun. Demetrius Johnson, the final second against Kyoji Horiguchi in Montreal, four minutes and 59 seconds of the fifth round. Talos Leitis, Tim Boach, Jake Ellenberger, Josh Koscheck, Pipple Strauss, Aljamain Sterling against Takea Mizugaki in Newark, and Luke Rockhold, Leona Machida, another great submission as well. A lot two, of great ones this year. Two more for style points. Godofredo Pepe yes. uh, submitted Andre Feely via Flying Triangle. Um, at Ultimate Fight Night 62. That was fun. And Angela Lee submitted uh, Natalie Hills uh, via Twister mm-hmm. in 1FC. Yep. Um, we don't often see those. I think we saw two this year, um, but that was one of them, and uh, that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, you nailed all the all the honorable mentions. A lot of important and really good submissions this year. Okay, so last year we had Prospect of the Year, and we changed that. Last year, remember, I gave it to Will Brooks. Who would you give it to? I give it to Will Brooks as well. Yeah, and you remember it caused some controversy. Like he oh, was yeah. a little bit insulted by it, and it was just all weird. And maybe we didn't word it right, so I changed it to Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. Yep. Uh, it, this is kind of the evolution of prospects. So it's important to know. Last year was Will Brooks, who had another good year. He's still the champion. Kudos to him. Uh, a very entertaining follow on Twitter as well. Um, so this year it's Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. Who's your pick? My pick is Max Holloway. Interesting. That's a great pick. Um, now. My pick was actually the same when we had prospect of the year Um, because originally, as you said, we started with prospect of the year. I had Max Holloway. And then when I thought about it, he's also the breakthrough fighter of the year for me. Um, At the start of 2015, Max Holloway, he was riding a three-fight win streak, but it wasn't, you know, the most recent was a knockout of of Akira Khorasani at the time. It wasn't like people were were proclaiming that he's the next big thing. Uh, Fun fighter, always good to see scrap. But slowly but surely over the course of 2015 he proved that not only is he you know a fun fighter who's really you know uh technical on his feet but he proved that he's worthy of of being in the talks for title contention at 24 years old which is you know incredible and a a huge jump uh to make in 2015 um he, he outstruck Cole Miller, had a really good uh, performance there. Best performance to date, in my opinion, against Cub Swanson. Quick work against Charles Oliveira. Um, another one over Jeremy Stevens. He was active. He was impressive. Uh, it was his year, 2015, breakthrough fighter of the year, Max Holloway. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great choice. Uh, also, to do what he did on Fox, too, that was a big opportunity for him. And uh, against a veteran like Cub Swanson, Great choice. My pick for a breakthrough fighter of the year is Joanna Jacek because even when she won on the prelims of a Fox show in Phoenix, as I mentioned earlier, it was a close win uh, against Claudia Gadelia. 
she was still this unknown fighter and we couldn't even pronounce her name. But then she gets put in a title fight. And remember, it kind of came out of the blue. We didn't expect Carla Esparza to return that quickly. It was just sort of announced when they had to change that card around. We still didn't know a lot about her. And then she gets to fight week and she starts to steal the show with her face-offs, with her trash talk, with her attire. Remember the overalls and all that? And then her perform- the cookie and then the performance in the cage. The standing KO, I was blown away. And then she comes back, you know, against Jessica Panay. She headlines the first title fight on Fight Pass, which is a sign of things to come, and gives her the necklace. And again, what she does, you know, dismantles her face. Panay gets, you know, uh, nose surgery afterwards. And then plays second fiddle to a degree with, with, with Ronda Rousey on The Biggest Show Ever. This time last year, we weren't talking about Ioana Jacek like we do today. Oh, and by the way, on top of all that, she has legitimately turned into one of my favorite guests on this show. Name that poll in studio. Um, she got the Reebok deal. She's been on a few times. Incredibly entertaining. A lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to talk to outside of the, you know, the fights and all that. Ioana Jacek is someone who this time last year I wasn't thinking about on these terms and has become champion. So to me, that defines breakthrough fighter of the year what a year for her and has really carried that division on her back in the sense that she wasn't a part of the ultimate fighter and we were kind of wondering like will that division have a face will it have its own dominant you know leader to give it some credibility and and there are some candidates but she has really in my opinion taken that division and given it credibility and 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 told the world that like more so in in many respects than the flyweights for some weird reason. Like I I think that she has really stamped it and people get excited for strawweight fights because she's a part of it and she's the face of the strawweight division. Congratulations to her on a fantastic year. Other uh, breakthrough fighter of the years, uh, breakthrough breakthrough fighters of the year, uh, Holly Holm. You know, this time last year she had not fought in the UFC yet. She's a UFC rookie. Yep. Uh, we don't have Rookie of the Year, but she would certainly be in contention for that. Liam McGeary, what a year for him. Uh, the Bellator light heavyweight champion. Sage Northcutt. Now, I know it's just two mm. wins, but we were not talking about Sage Northcutt. Uh, Makwan Amir Khani, great year for him. Burst onto the scene around a year ago in Sweden. Joseph Duffy, now I know he came off a loss, but we're talking about 2015. He had a great year as well. Uh, Tumanov, who just won this past weekend, Sterling, Aljamain Sterling, and Thomas Almeida are others that come to mind. Uh, I had all those as well. Yair Rodriguez. Yo, uh, great Somebody one. we weren't really talking about at all, and all of a sudden, he's everybody's favorite fighter. Um, That's a good one. But I think, uh, did you mention Henry Cejudo? I did not. Uh, he's, you know, even though he debuted, I believe, in 2014, um, he had three wins in 2015, looked good, on his way to a title shot uh, pretty soon. And uh, Tom Brees from uh, TriStar. Yep. yep. Um, but I think, you know, we, we hit a pretty uh, comprehensive list there. Okay. A lot of good young talent coming up. Now, the next award is Most Improved Fighter of the Year. Last year, you chose... I chose TJ Dillashaw. Interesting. Uh, and that's a great choice. I chose Donald Cerrone. This year, you chose... This year, I chose Ryan Bader. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that one. Uh, this was one of the tougher categories for me, but when I really th- sat down and thought about it, I didn't think anybody made the leaps and bounds this year, um, not in the end of 2014 or any year prior, but this year specifically that we saw from Ryan Bader. Um, really, really tightened up his boxing. Um, 
you know, toned down his aggressive style, made made a workable style that I think is going to keep him in title contention for a while. Um, looked really good, picked up some big wins, uh, and and I like the way um, he looked in 2015, heading into 2016, possible title contender. Um, I liked Ryan Bader's improvements this year. He was my pick. Yeah, and he has a big fight January 30th in Newark. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he wins that fight. I mean, there's where else does he go? If he beats Rumble Johnson, where else does he go? Uh, the, the, the timing of Jones leaving and then coming back, eh, screwed with him. But if he beats Rumble Johnson, hard to deny him. That's a great pick. I went with Rafael Dos Anjos because, again, this time last year, I did not think that Rafael Dos Anjos would be the UFC champion and, 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 and turn in the kind of performances that he has turned in. This is a guy who started his UFC career 0-2. Uh, he was a 500 fighter. He was just kind of there. He was like a, you know, not to disrespect these guys, but he was like a Glyson Tebow, Tiago Tavares, like one of these lightweights that would just kind of be there and be around for a long time and have a solid career, but just never kind of break through. Uh, and he has turned into this. He has turned into, A, one of the best fighters in the UFC, but not only that, like he is a killer. I mean, what he did to Donald Cerrone just doesn't happen. Now, I agree with you on all, everything you just said, Yeah, but I feel like we saw this already at the end of 2014. Man, to do what he did to Anthony Pettis in a title fight and then to do what he did on Fox to Donald Cerrone is a different level than what he was doing in 2014. Possibly at, at a higher level, coming. but, but the, the, the style, the, the, the hard work that was put in was already there. Cordero got him set for that at the end of 2014. I, I can't disagree with you because that was one of the, the selections I considered, um, but I just thought... If we're encapsulating 2015, I feel like the jump in that year was bigger for Ryan Bader, whereas sure. whereas uh, Dos Anjos, as you know, absolutely incredible, all the credit in the world is deserved. Um, but I feel like he laid this down in, at the end of 2014. It was pretty clear that we were looking at something uh, completely different. Fair, although in 2014 he lost to Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now he he rebounded with wins over Jason High, the Benson Henderson win. Yep. Was a little controversial, but still, I think in hindsight, everyone gives him a lot of credit for that. And then the Nate Diaz win. But then to go from those guys to a title fight and to do what he did to Anthony Pettis, I mean, that was like the TJ Dillashaw win sure. over Brow. That was just a five-round beatdown. And then to come on Fox in a, in a rematch against a blazing hot fighter and to beat him in 66 seconds, to me, he, he took a step. And... Even after the Diaz fight, I think a lot of people thought, like, okay, he's not going to beat Pettis. He's still going to be, you know, in the top five. Now he's number one. And he's number one by far right now until Nurmagomedov comes back. I mean, wow. So to me, he, he's, he's the most improved fighter of the year, and he continues to improve. And that's kind of the scary part. Uh, other, uh, other honorable mentions, Bader is there, 100%. I agree with that. Dave Branch. How about Dave Branch, what he's done? Hmm. Uh, I think he was one of my honorable mentions for last year. I mean, the guy just continues to get it done. Yeah, Dave Branch deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Max Holloway, you know, for sure. to a degree, the, the breakthrough and like some of these, you can make a case um, for a guy in multiple categories. Max Holloway, Tony Ferguson has had a great year, and I'm curious to see what happens to him. He could get a title shot very soon as well. Robert Whitaker and Amanda Nunes. I think Amanda Nunes uh, has, has really turned the corner. Remember when Amanda Nunes came on the scene in Strikeforce? She was fighting in the wrong weight class, and she wasn't as in shape. And we, we thought that she might be the one to challenge Cyborg, and she stumbled a little bit. But I think she has really put it all together. And credit to our team at ATT for that. I also put Verdum on this list at the very end because an, another guy like RDA from the same gym, coached by the same guy, 
who continues to put it all together. What's that music? Is that a phone? Yeah. Uh, you know, he just, every time I feel like I'm sort of doubting him and he continues to get better. And what he did against Kane, altitude or not, was outstanding. So I think when you talk about a guy who has improved, and maybe this is a lifetime achievement award for him, Verdum, in my opinion, needs to be mentioned. All right. Uh, any others you want to mention there, by the way? No, that was it. I mean, for me, it was kind of tough because of the reasons mentioned. I feel like Verdum and, and Dos Anjos were kind of looking in that direction already. Um, but certainly, this was their big year. Uh, Holloway, you mentioned, uh, but Bader was my pick. That was it. Okay. Let's move along. Comeback fighter of the year. By the way, what happened to the applause? Yeah, I know, right? Jeez. Oh, well, we didn't, give, we didn't give out the award yet. Like We're a, getting applause for remembering to applaud. Yes. Uh, comeback fighter of the year. Last year, I had Dominic Cruz. Who'd you have? I had Dominic Cruz returning okay. to action. Yeah, that was great. Great win. And now comeback, I mean, I have not put any limitations here. You can, you can say, okay, comeback is uh, you know, a great comeback in a fight or a career comeback, whatever you want. So last year, we were on the same page, Dominic Cruz. This year, you chose? This year, I chose uh, Patricio Pitbull. Uh, knocking out Daniel Weichel at Bellator 138. Okay, explain. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's almost no explanation necessary. Pitbull was saved by the bell at the end of round one. Looked like he couldn't even stand. Looked like he couldn't get to his uh, stool. Completely, it, he was shot. It looked like it was over. You know, they went to the commercial, I believe, and everybody was wondering what the hell is about to happen. Round two starts. He's still on shaky legs. Daniel Weichel's pouring it on. Gets a little too aggressive. Uh, gets clipped. And goes down. One, one hitter, quitter, uh, Patricio Pitbull. Craziest turn of momentum I've ever seen um, in terms of one guy looked like he was on his way to a win and it, it didn't even look close. And then uh, backing up against the cage, he hit that left hook and, and completely dropped him. Crazy comeback, especially with the way... It, it, the, the idea of the way round one ended and us going into the break completely contributed to the story here um and and when it looked like he still wasn't even recovered in round two and still pulled off that win um nuts just bananas bonkers so it's interesting that last year you gave the award to Cruz for a career comeback but this year you went with an actual fight the it was it was too overwhelming of a, of a comeback fight interesting uh i went with juliana pena who not that long ago suffered well thank you very much there you go juliana uh not that long ago, suffered a devastating knee injury, multiple places. Uh, there was a lot of controversy surrounding it, and we thought she would be gone for around two years. She came back a little over a year later, and apparently, according to her coach, Rick Little, wanted to come back sooner. And she won, and then she won again in, in, uh, in Houston. To me, this, this was, a, this was a, a fairly simple one. I mean, this was a pretty clear-cut winner. Did Juliana Pena come to mind at all, or were you thinking fight the whole time? Because of the way this fight played out, I was thinking fight the whole time. Because this is kind of Cruz-esque in the sense... Mm, I, disagree. Cruz was three years, yes. But the injury was incredibly devastating, and then she wins twice. Uh, there was not the same level of attention and doubt placed on Juliana Pena Oof. that you remember that? Cruz. You remember that? She was mauled. She was attacked. Dana White started campaigning for her to leave the gym. Yes, but... we And that no was a year. For ACL, Juliana Pena MCL? hadn't established herself in the way that uh, Dominic Fair. Cruz had. I... I, I I think, you know, Juliana Pena coming back is an incredible story, um, a great comeback, and I'm, and I'm happy to see her back. Um, but this fight was just insane. It's, it, it's, it's indescribable. If you haven't seen it, do it's yourself a, a favor. Bellator 138. It's a great fight, but Juliana Pena, in my opinion, deserves it. And, uh, you know, she's, she's arguably one fight away at this point. And that's, that's maybe, you know, 
more of a indictment on the state of that division and perhaps how shallow it is. But to come back from that in its own right is is tremendous. And uh, I know she's uh, she was involved in some little controversy recently and uh, had some uh, <laughs> run-ins with the law. A very I had some I had some time to uh, spend with her. Remember that my interview with her in uh, in Houston for a fight. She's wearing the sunglasses. She's a very interesting character, but a very uh, she's a complex character, I should say. But uh, I, I'm very curious to see how she puts it all together. And she's not even 100%. Her coach told me she's like at 70, 80% at this point. And that's, that's again, commendable that she came back and, and won twice in 2015. So honorable mention, uh, a couple other ones. I know he lost. I thought he won the fight, Frank Mir. That would have put him at 3-0 in 2015. Now, uh, did you have any fights or did you only have? I, I thought, this, I'd even think it. I, I thought, I thought career. And, um, and, and, I, and you could go either way. I was the opposite. I only had. That's funny. I only okay, so had let me fights. tell you, let me tell you my fighters: Frank Mir, Damian Maya, uh, Evan Dunham, Benson Henderson, Rose Namajunas, Tam Dan McCrory, Nate Diaz, Alistair Overeem. I I forgot that I did men- I did think of Evan Dunham. I didn't mention him, but I did think of Evan Dunham. He was on a losing streak, and 2015 was a winning streak over some really tough guys. So I did think of Evan Dunham actually. But other comeback fights. Brian Foster coming back into the WSOF tournament after yeah. losing yes. and then winning twice to win the whole thing. Great call. Um, and Gilbert Burns uh, dropping two rounds to Alex Oliveira before he pulled off the submission in there. And that one um, was a great comeback. Uh, uh, akin to you know what we just saw from uh, T-City over the, over the mm-hmm. weekend. Um, very similar. He was, he was dropping two rounds. It looked like it was over. And he came back and, and stayed undefeated. It, it was really impressive. Um, but, man, for me, uh, Pitbull uh, knocking out Vaishal was was bonkers so i like the fact that you thought of it from the fight perspective and that's I went, what we do here we've that's got, what we've we got do the mix up that's what we do okay let's move along let's go to upset of the year last year it was tj dillashaw for me over hen and burrell ufc 173 who was your pick uh my pick was tj dillashaw over hen and burrell okay which is also a little bit oh well, no no we get the you know we don't get a applause for Not last, for last year's year. pick jesus although i you know what i'll take it uh, i'll take applause for last year's pick again it feels contradictory to your whole fight of the year thing but anyway let's uh, how how does whatever. it feel contradictory who's the your fight pick this of year? the year can't be an upset fine 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 who's how your pick dare this you, year sir? uh my pick this year i forgot to mention was holly Holm. oh <laughs> when we were talking about it uh i skipped over that but holly Holm. so she could have won Ronda six Rousey. awards she could have won six jesus we, we we robbed her of one yeah we we're did have to get her back on um there's no, there's no other one now. There there actually were. This will be an interesting tidbit. There actually were bigger underdogs betting wise statistically. Oh, tell us. Frankie Signs was a bigger underdog to uh, Yuri Alcantara at U, at Ultimate Fight Night 61. He walked away with a unanimous decision. Uh, Frankie Signs that is. Rafael Carvalho mm. was a plus 900 dog before closing at around plus 700 when he defeated uh, Brandon Halsey at Bellator 144. So actually. Home uh, defeating Rousey was not even the biggest upset betting-wise of the year. Not even the second biggest. Wow. Um, which is very interesting. But in terms of the circumstance, um, it, it was clear that that this was the biggest upset of the year. It, it, because the, the people that were tuning in, um, the millions, were not ready for, for what was about to happen. And uh, Holly Holm uh, shook up the world. By the way, how do you find that? Like, how do you find... Well, the, the, uh, the betting site uh, Best Fight Odds has a tracker that um, uh. keeps track of all the odds as they've come out and how the lines move. Um, so I think that was as uh, as of the lines at five dimes. Um, but again, this is not like an exact 
science because um, different books have different lines or anything like that, but you can roughly keep track of how much that was. And um, by no by no book was she the biggest underdog uh, of this year, though. Still, my pick is Holly Holm over Ronda Rousey. I told that to her earlier in the show. Uh, it, it, I, I don't care about a little... There we go. Very nice. I don't care about a little, you know, a couple odds here, there, whatever, points, whatever you want to call it. The magnitude of the moment, it was... It, no one was giving her a chance. And I can't even put Holly Holm over Ronda Rousey in the same discussion as some of those other fights because, like, those were just fights. Well, At the end of the day, they were just fights. That, that's fair, but the, the Bellator one was a title fight. Let's sure. not diminish that, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Hey, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to give you know credit where credit's due. It was a title fight. Yeah. Um, by the way, Tyron Woodley needs to stop responding to everyone on Twitter because he's just making it worse for himself. Like he's responding to Damian Miley. You can't do that, man. You're gonna you're gonna fall into a fight. I, I, I'm sorry, I just noticed that right now. Um, that was just such a big deal. Again, big stage. I, I've said it all about the fight. That's the pick, without a doubt, in my opinion. Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, another pretty easy one as well. Now, as far as honorable mentions are concerned, I, I don't recall if you said these, but uh, RDA over Pettis, to me, was an upset because I felt like everyone was picking Pettis, like everyone was picking Ronda. No one was picking Holly over Ronda. Uh, Uriah Hall over Musasi. Rumble against Gustafsson to go into Sweden. It kind of felt like this was fait accompli. It was, it was the Gustafsson show. He was going to get a title shot afterwards. Goes in there, does his thing. It's just so much fun to see someone rise to the occasion and defy the odds. And uh, Teddy Holder over Tiago Silva, much lesser scale, but another one where everyone was like, this is, a, this is an easy cakewalk, and the guy flips the script. So those are honorable mentions for me, but upset of the year, there's only one. Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey. We'll be talking about that one forever. Forever. One honorable mention for me, uh, Uriah Hall knocking out Gegard Musasi. Also yeah. an honorable mention in knockout of the year. Just out of nowhere, a lot of people you know, get up and down on Uriah Hall. Um, really pulled off a nice upset there. Yeah, he lost, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, but that doesn't take anything away from the the Loazo finish, as I like to call it. Okay, so that's upset of the year. Congratulations to Holly Holm. Who'd you pick again? I forget now. I picked Holly Holm. Oh, you did. Oh, that's right. Um, okay, let's go to coach of the year. Last year, I picked Rafael Cordero. Who did you pick? Last year, I picked Rafael Cordero. This year, who did you pick? This year, I picked Rafael Cordero. <laughs> so did I. Now, is okay, so last year we obviously picked him because Verdum won the interim title and Dos Anjos was doing his thing and Kings MMA was rolling. Why'd you pick him this year? Uh, for the same reason. He, <laughs> he, he picked up two champions um, this year. And, uh, and uh, I felt that there were other contenders. Um, Obviously, uh, American Kickboxing Academy had a, had a good year. But um, if you look at a head-to-head right there, um, you had uh, Fabricio Verdum, Verdum beating Cain Velasquez. Um, so that you know, was, was one in his favor. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think that he's one of those guys that gets clo- very closely associated with his two champions in terms of you know, being directly hands-on and being their coach. Um, and I think that was a difference. But... but for me, and I said this last year, the gym of the year and the coach of the year are very like similar. It's kind yeah. of like a flowing thing. Fair. Um, but for me, coach of the year this year was uh, Rafael Cordero again. So, so I agree. Um, obviously, Dos Anjos for Doom. We've talked about them. As someone was telling me this, uh, I won't say who, but they were talking to me about just how good of a coach Cordero is. And of course, he's a legendary coach, been doing this for a long time, shoot box. People are starting to flock to him, and he's really established fucked him again, I should say, and really established that gym as one of the best in the world. And it's a smaller gym, 
with a smaller team. Uh, but they were talking about what he was saying going into the Cerrone fight. And they were saying that his line of thinking was, okay, what does Donald Cerrone do a lot? He drinks. Let's attack his liver. What did Dos Anjos do in that fight? I mean, that's just brilliance, right? No one really talked about that. That's pretty amazing. Uh, so just a, a little snapshot of, of who Rafael Cordero is and how smart he is. I agree. He was my pick last year. He's my pick again. He deserves it. And I think there were other... T- this was a tougher one for me than it was last year. Um, others that definitely deserve a mention. Javier Mendez, a.k.a. had a great year. Somewhat marred by the fact that he lost to... Uh, you know, Kane lost to uh, Verdum. So that was kind of a.k.a. versus Kings. Mike Winklejohn deserves a lot of credit, in particular because of what he did with Holly Holm. And I just love I just love watching him in the corner. He whispers. He shouts out Travis Brown. I mean, that's a brilliant mind as well. And Greg Jackson, obviously his partner in crime. Uh, Dean Thomas deserves a lot of credit. He's become one of a, you know, one of those great minds in MMA. And he's doing that MMA analyst thing, or I think it's called a scouting report, whatever it's called. We had him on the show. I think it was last year at this point. But uh, he's become a great mind. And the guys at ATT think very highly of him. Speaking of which, Mike Brown has become a great coach as well. Uh, I'd love to see Mike Brown's record when he's cornering someone because I feel like he's always in the in the winner circle. Again, this week, this weekend with Dustin Poirier, uh, a couple others. John Cavanaugh, I think, deserves credit. Now, you know, Connor is Connor. He's the fighter of the year, so you can get credit just for that. But even, and, and I know that they stumbled a little bit, uh, Patty Houlihan. And, and, and Gunnar Nelson, Gunnar had a, a, a big win earlier in the year, but what he's done with Ashley Daly and really just taking that gym that's just sort of this, this, this Irish gym and become worldwide. And now you got guys like Makwan Amerikani and others that want to train there. Kavanaugh is a brilliant mind. I, one of my favorite guests on the show, one of my favorite people in MMA. He's very smart. And I, I also, this has nothing to do with coach of the year, but I love the fact that never goes to the press conference or anything like just is, is off doing his own thing, doesn't want limelight, doesn't want the spotlight, doesn't want acceptance, is just happy doing his own thing. A very, very unique guy. And I know Weidman faltered, but Longo, I think, deserves credit for what he did uh, up until that point with Weidman. Sterling's year, Ally Quinta's year, Longo, one of the best in the business as well. So those are some that come to mind. Uh, Just wanted to mention, you know, it goes beyond Dos Anjos and Verdum. Benil Dariush had a, had a good year. Shogun was one for one for the year. We forget about that, but he's he's a King's MMA guy. Um, Gabby Garcia, you know, won her MMA debut. Um, you have to give some credit there. Um, and, and there were a lot of guys uh, out of that gym. So I think, you know, as I said, it's it's tough to separate Coach of the Year and Gym of the Year, but Rafael Cordero uh, was, was clearly if not coach of the year, you know, one of the, in the conversation. Okay. So this is tied, as you mentioned, uh, gym of the year. Last year, I chose ATT American top team, coconut Creek. As did I, you did. Okay. This year you chose Jackson wink MMA. Oh, interesting. So, so you just said moments ago that coach that's, this is why I, well, I'll give my reasoning. Uh, in addition to the idea that I wanted to split them up and I did that last year. Um, as, as did you. You picked Cordero and American mm-hmm. Top Team. But I split them up uh, to, to give awards to, to two different uh, gyms and coaches and things like that. But I think that Jackson Wink uh, MMA is, a, a lot of it is, is, you know, when we think of that gym, we think of a lot of coaches. It's not just one coach. Whereas for Kings MMA, 
everybody instantly thinks of Rafael Cordero. He, he seems like the, the easier fit for coach of the year. When you think of the gym, you think of Jackson, you think of Winklejohn, you think of Brandon Gibson, you think of all, uh, Izzy Martinez, all those guys that are in there um, as, as a unit. So I think that that's why um, their success as a gym um, is easier to outline, and that's why I split it up the way I did. This year, um, they had John Jones. We forget John Jones at the beginning of the year beat Daniel Cormier. Uh, Holly Holm, nothing left to be said. We've showered her with accolades this year. Alistair Overeem, Andre Arlovsky, they turned back the clock this year, or rather last year in 2015. Carlos Condit was getting himself ready for a title fight which many people thought he won in 2016. Uh, John Dotson beat Zach Makovsky and fought Mighty Mice for the title. He didn't win that one, uh, but he was in the title picture. Michelle Waterson made a successful UFC debut. Um, they had, you know, highs and lows. John Jones's uh, personal issues were, were some of the lows. Holly Holmes, um, you know, triumph and victory were some of the highs. But I thought overall it was an incredible year for them uh, as a gym. So Jackson Wink MMA is my gym of the year. Very strong candidate. Certainly deserving of your award, but I got to go back to Kings just for Dos Anjos and, and, and Verdum doing what they did. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, some other fighters coming and going there. Um, to, to have two champions is very hard coming out of the same gym. Uh, we got that now with, uh, with, with, with AKA, who is certainly deserving as well. Jackson Wink could have had three at this point in the span of a month. But unfortunately, Carlos Condit and Donald Cerrone stumbled as of late but kings to to get two undisputed champions in one year that's got to be the gym of the year in my opinion other i mean it's the it's the uh the usual suspects american top team american kickboxing academy had another great year and they can have an even bigger 2016 jackson wink always has a big year it seems tristar had a very good year and i feel like tristar is starting to get back on track to a degree even though, you know, Duffy lost recently and Rory it, and maybe George potentially coming back could lift everything. And, and SBG, I think, deserves uh, mention because when the best fighter in the world, as, as far as 2015 is concerned, uh, comes out of there, you deserve to be mentioned as well. Okay, uh, several more awards to go, but let's take a quick break for Inside the Vault. How about that? Let's go to UFC 143. Let's go to Carlos Condit in a role reversal from this past weekend. He beat Nick Diaz in a controversial one, uh, and he became public enemy number one. And I had a lot of people say to me, oh, uh, you're, 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 you're forgetting. He w it wasn't that bad. Yes, it was bad. People hated Carlos Condit after that fight. He was vilified, unfairly so. People had high expectations. They said he was running and all this stuff. The Diaz fans came out of the woodwork. Uh, Carlos Condit walked away as interim champion. You know, it was close, just like it was this past weekend. He was on the receiving end. Of, uh, of the judges' scorecards and walked away with the belt and ended up staying interim champion until he fought GSP at UFC 154. But it's kind of funny to look back now because this past weekend he was everyone's darling, came up short, but still kind of considered the king without a crown, the uncrowned champion. Everyone's sharing with praise and love. And then back in February of 2012, everyone hated him because they thought he was walking away with the belt when he shouldn't have walked away with the belt. So here it is, Inside the Vault, my post-fight interview with Carlos Condit at UFC 143. Post-fight at UFC 143 alongside Carlos Condit. And Carlos, congratulations on winning the big fight. How does it feel to be holding that belt? Uh, it's pretty crazy, man. You know, honestly, uh, you know, I need a little bit of time to process it and let it, let it sink in. But, uh, you know, I'm a happy man tonight. Why do you think you deserve to win this fight? It's a little controversial, of course. I punched Nick Diaz in the face and hit him with harder shots. And, you know, I was able to, you know, 
take him out of his game, I, I won the fight. Were you 100% confident that they would score it for you when the fight was uh, completed? Yes. Yeah. No doubts? No. Nope. Which fights, oh, excuse me, which rounds do you think you won decisively? I felt I won the first four decisively. Um, you know, if I lost, if I lost that last one, it was because you know, it took me down and had my back for you know for a little while towards the end. It seemed like your confidence grew as the fight went on. Was that the case? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of laid the groundwork in, in those those first rounds, um, uh, hitting him with leg kicks. Um, you know, s slowing him down, taking his mobility away from him, which you know is a huge part of Diaz's game. Uh, walking guys down. Um, and, uh, and, and, and trapping him up against the cage. Um, so by, basically by taking, taking that aspect of his game away, um, you know, he, I, I was able to open up a lot more. What was he saying to you during the fight? Uh, you know, he, he, he was telling me to fight a couple times. Um, he, uh, you know, told me my nose was bleeding, asked me why my nose was bleeding. And, you know, I don't know, my nose was bleeding before I even went out there. I had a, you know, I don't know. Picking it too much, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I've had a, I actually had a cold. That was, there was some talk that you were actually sick this week. Is that true? Yeah, I, I've been under the weather for the last two weeks. Um, the week before I came out to Vegas, I, I was pretty sick. I've had a, like a chest cold. Um, and all this week I've been hacking stuff up. And, uh, um, you know, but I've been sick. Sick, you know. I, I had a cold. You know, I'm not going to let that deter me from, from doing what I came out here to do. Okay, two last quick questions. One, did he hurt you seriously at any point in the fight? No. And number two, if George does come back in November or maybe even later, would you like to fight between now and then, get another fight in? Um, probably not. You know, that's something I would have to discuss with my coaches and my, my management team, but uh, most likely we, we, would, we would wait for George. All right. Thank you very much, Carlos. I'm sure you're going to uh, hide from the cameras now, right? Enough of these cameras. All right, Ariel, take it easy. Man. All right. Congrats. The, the, the parallels there to Saturday night, interesting. Um, you know, obviously one time he's wearing the belt, the other time he doesn't have the belt. But even the George question is kind of interesting as well. Back then, coming back from injury, now feels like he's looming in uh, in the wings. So that's Carlos Condit, February 4th, 2012, interim champion. Will that be the only time he wears UFC gold? It remains to be seen. Could be on Saturday night. Could have been his last fight ever. It's going to be interesting. Okay, let's continue with the awards. Now it's time for event of the year. Last year, I chose UFC Dublin. Magical event in July. It was Conor McGregor versus Diego Brandao. The passion, the emotion, it all came together. I mean, one of the best events. Biased. No, biased to what? I'm not Irish. What am I biased? You were, you were there. So you what? Were... Of course. That's, that's part of the game. I, I have the, the privilege of attending many events. Um, that bias... They, remark they, they maybe your dumbest you remark. What do you mean they the sauced Irish me up? The Irish crowd sauced you up. It was amazing. You, it was amazing. Got you all liquored up before you got Anyway, out there. what was your pick? Last year, um, it was the Australian event, the Rockhold versus Bisbing one, where oh, yeah, it was yeah. all finishes. Sure, Every sure. single fight was a finish. Solid, but didn't have the same motion. Anyway, uh, let's go to this year. Your pick? UFC 189. Oh. There it is. Okay, why? I mean, the, the entire main card was just... Incredible. Thomas Almeida and Brad Pickett went to battle for three rounds, ended with a flying knee. Gunnar Nelson knocking out uh, Brandon Thatch. Or maybe he might have ended in a submission, but I know he knocked him down, showed off his hands a little bit. Um, Jeremy Stevens and Dennis Bermudez also ended with a flying knee. And then fight of the year came from this card, Robbie Lawler and mm -hmm. 
Rory McDonald. And, oh, yeah, some guy named Colin McGoober uh, <laughs> won a belt. Colin McGillicuddy. Um, so, you know, 189, the, the main card of 189 should just be put in a time capsule and show, shown to uh, future humans because it was amazing. I, don't, I, I think it will be very hard to ever top that main card. And also, what made it special was they introduced the new graphics. They had those intros on the, on the cage, the walkouts. Like, it, it made it feel as great as 194 was. And that was a little different. And even 193, they were kind of the same. This one felt fresh. It felt new. It felt different. It felt unique. Um, so I agree. UFC 189. It didn't end up being the main event that we were hoping for. It all ended up you know, working out in the end. But uh, it, it was an amazing main. It was a great fight. Uh, the McGregor show was a lot of fun to, to be a part of and, and, and follow. The co-main event ended up being the fight of the year. The other fights, as you mentioned, uh, the undercard was great. It was middle of July. It was International Fight Week. The, the, the weigh-ins were the best, better than 194. More people were there. It just had it all. It had everything that you want out of an MMA event and more. It was, it was magical. It, it was, uh, it was, remember afterwards how we felt? Like I felt, I felt exhausted emotionally. It was a roller coaster. And, even, and we'll get to this a little later, but to cap it off, you know, this guy who had been so brash and cocky and all, everything you want to say about him, but to see that side of Connor where he got super emotional with his family and almost was at a loss for words, he was bloodied. Amazing event. And credit to the UFC for pulling it off. You know, the, the, the main event we all wanted fell through. And major credit to Chad Mendez for taking that baton and not missing a beat. And it was the right call then. And he was the right guy for that situation. Fortunately for him, he came, came up short. But that was, I mean, I think that's another one that was pretty easy. Uh, others that come to mind, UFC on Fox in Sweden. Fun event. Obviously very unique in the big stadium and all. Uh, the main event was very memorable. Some great finishes. Remember Makwan's finish. Remember the uh, the uh, the the Sicilia Karakorasani fight. Hendo Musasi was a little uh, disappointing. Um, the main event finish. I mean that that it was just that was just a cool, unique scene to be a part of. And it was in the middle of the night. It was so it was so strange being there in Sweden, by the way, because I never got used to Swedish time because the event was on, um, you know, American time. So it was on, at, I think, 4 a.m. The, the main event happened at like 4 a.m. So what I did was I just stayed on New York time. So I would wake up, I would go to bed at like 6, 7 a.m. Swedish time, which was like 12 or something back here. And then by the time I woke up at like 2 or 3, it was dark already. The, the, the days are so short there in Stockholm in the wintertime that it was dark. But it was very cool to walk around. It was an amazing city. So that was a great event. Uh, UFC 183 happened a long time ago. But that was Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz. Run through the rest of the card. That was a great one as well. Uh, UFC on Fox in Newark. Machida Rockhold. Some amazing performances that night. And that kind of felt like a changing of the guard where a lot of the younger fighters stepped up. Remember Max Holloway, Paige Van Zandt, Luke Rockhold. Uh, that, was, that was a great card as well. And... Um, Two others, UFC New Orleans. I think that had like eight or so finishes on it. Something like that. I remember that one headline. That was supposed to be DC and Bader. Ended up being Hendo and Tim Boach and his great finish. And then the, uh, the Scotland debut event was very memorable as well. Kind of like Dublin. Lesser degree, but a lot of emotion. Local fighters doing well. The main event was a lot of fun. Bisping, Toss Ladies. So Scotland deserves a mention as well. Any Set others? 
said no, it all. You, you said it all. Okay. Uh, let's go now to walkout of the year. Last year, I had Noad Lahat in San Jose. This is more of a biased pick. I'll give you that. That was, uh, you know, a, a Facebook fight pass. I don't even know if fight pass was around. Maybe it was. That was the uh, the curtain jerker, but he came out to Matisyahu in the midst of the conflict between Palestine and Israel, and uh, he was about to go to war. He was about to go back to Israel. It was a very emotional one for me. I made a point to be in the arena. I got emotional. It was it was something, you know, it was very memorable, and it was touching and, and, and personal. So that was my pick. I know everyone disagreed with me, but whatever. What was your pick again? That's fair enough, because I was also biased. My pick was BJ Penn's last walk to the That's octagon right. at the Tough 19 finale. Which was a horrible pick. Oh, my God. Because Go it was a Continue. remix. It was a remix. Like, I wanted, that was a sign of what was to come. I wanted. How dare you? Do not agree. Do not. It, it do not, was a bad. It was a bad choice. Do not it question. Was a remix. Do not question God. the greatest of all time, and and his choice of walkouts. I have uh, erased that entire fight from my memory. Perfect. That was just so I love that. Okay, so I've that erased was your pick. Like, the second half of his career from. <laughs> what do you got for this year? Uh, walkout of the year was Ashling Daly uh, walking out to Zombie by the Cranberries at Ultimate Fight Night uh, seventy six in Dublin. Yes. It wasn't you know the biggest stage. Um, it wasn't the debut in Dublin. They had already done that. But the entire crowd um, singing along with her yeah. uh, just made it feel special. And now, you know, it, it's hard to stand out in terms of walkouts. You know, we see so many and there's a lot and you tend to forget them. Obviously, the the Sinead O'Connor at UFC 189 and, and um, Chad Mendes also having, you know, live music um, was something new and fresh. But even with that, I still think uh, Ashling Daly's walkout was was more um, genuine, and it felt very sentimental, and and it was it, it was a really touching moment. Yeah, I actually uh, I didn't really know about the connection between that song, the Cranberries, and and I, I didn't even know that they were from there. So uh, that's a great choice. It didn't come across as well over Fight Pass. I don't know why. Like I, I've seen some videos afterwards from some you know in the crowd videos, YouTube, and all that, and. I got a better sense for how special it was. I wasn't there, so maybe if I was there, it would have meant more. To me, my pick is UFC 189. Again, Conor McGregor, Sinead O'Connor. I have a unique perspective on this one because we were doing, thank you, thank you, uh, we were doing the uh, we were doing the, the uh, weigh-in show. Remember, back in July, the tough finale was on Sunday, so it was the day after, and we were doing the weigh-in show in an empty arena. The weigh-ins were taking place at the Sands, at the uh, the convention center there, at International Fight Week. So it was DC, I believe Brian Stan and I doing the weigh-in show for FS1. I think that was FS2, whatever. Uh, and she was rehearsing. And it was, you know, there were rumors of her being there uh, that she was going to perform. And then there she was rehearsing. And I got to hear it over and over again. And I actually think she did better in the rehearsal than she did live. Um, it seemed like something was wrong, you know, bothering her with the, the reverb. I don't know. But it seemed like she was a little off. Nevertheless, the moment when he walked out, and he, he turned around to her, and just seeing her come up like that, and what made it special was the UFC has never done anything like that before, so it felt different, it felt bigger, it felt unique, and the connection there, singing that song, Foggy Dew, uh, it's unfortunate that they couldn't get Rihanna for Jose Aldo, that would have been, that might have topped that one, um, but the connection to Ireland and who she is, she's a megastar from way back in the day, and the way he embraced her was just a super... A super cool moment. So that's my pick. Uh, do I have any honorable mentions? No. I only had one. Mine was yours. Okay. There's others as well. I mean, every time, every time Ronda comes out, every time Chris yeah. Weidman comes out, a lot of great ones. Uh, uh, Robbie, by the way, 
has has vaulted up my rankings for for walkout of the year and even the ones at at, at ryzen were great as well but this this was the culmination of it all and i hope that they don't do it too often i mean it's cool the way they did it i don't mind doing it sometimes uh like joan jett with with ronda would be super cool but the way that they executed that and the way it played off on on television in the crowd was was very special let us debut one let us debut what a category. Oh, yes. Um, crowd of the year. So last year, we didn't do this, but I thought it would be good to give the fans a nod. I wanted to give Absolutely. the fans who go to the events and, and, and make the events. A crowd can make or break an event. Uh, l- look, at, look at UFC 186. Maybe the most depressing event that I've ever attended because the Montreal crowd just wasn't there. And I think in lo- it's not their fault. It just wasn't the right card for them. And it was a card that was kind of decimated and it was supposed to be Dilshab Rao, which wasn't the right fight either, but Rory was supposed to be on the card against Lombard. didn't happen. Anyway, that made the card very depressing for me. Uh, Strike Force in Cincinnati back in the day, tremendous card, but no one was there. So it, was, it, it kind of ruined it for me. Uh, so a crowd can make or break a card. This year, your choice for crowd of the year is? Easiest one of the whole bunch. Wow. Fight Night 63 crowd in Fairfax, Virginia. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a that's a tongue in cheek award. That no? is the best crowd of the year because it produced one of the best moments of 2015. It's yes. a good call. Which was raging out Ayakinta, yeah, uh, asking if the crowd was booing him, and it turns out they were, and they were also giving him the middle finger, and he gave it right back to them. Um, incredible moment. I mean, this 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 award goes to the crowd and Al. Uh, it's a it's a joint award. But the crowd at, at Fairfax, Virginia, for having the, the gall to boo uh, Al, uh, they get the crowd of the year from me. Okay, so if, if Al doesn't respond the way he responds, and, and that might be the post-fight interview of the year if you want to do that. We don't have that category. Are they still the crowd of the year? No, it's, it's, a, it's a give and take. Oh, okay. It's a give and take. And they gave, this and was, then they took. And by the way, this was a Saturday afternoon show in early April First day of Passover, if I if my memory serves me correct, this was not exactly like. I mean, I, I you're taking liberties, and I'll accept it. Excuse me. I'll accept it because of what they produced. They they were a part of the show in that sense. But let's be honest, not exactly what I think of when I think of the crowd of the year. But I'll take it. My pick is Scotland because they had been banging the door. They had been berating the UFC and in particular Dana White. They have been asking for a debut event. They've been asking for the UFC to come there. They got this new arena. It's all good. And, and, and they showed up and it came across on television. They were boisterous. There's moments where fighters are jumping into the stands and, and, and all their, 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 their heroes won. Uh, Joanne Calderwood won and Robert Whitaker and Stevie Ray and Michael Bisping. UK fighter wins. Very big and important fight for him. So Scotland, to me, was, uh, was a great crowd. I mean, I could have gone to Dublin again. I could have gone to UFC 189 here. Uh, there were a couple that came to mind. Sweden was a solid crowd, but Scotland, to me, was uh, far and away. This was the easiest. This, 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 I mean, I keep saying that about a few, but this was a, a pretty easy one for me. Others, uh, Manila was a great crowd. Uh, Seoul was a great crowd. Uh, Mexico, UFC 188, another great crowd. Interesting that it's a lot of the, uh, the international ones. Um, Boston was actually, remember Boston in January? Uh, th- they showed up when the Patriots were playing in the conference championship. So that was a great crowd. Uh, actually, surprising to me, UFC 184, a great crowd. Uh, Wyman Belfort fell off, but man, they, the way they reacted to Ronda, 
It was a packed crowd, a lot of celebrities there. It felt like a big deal. Uh, so LA UFC 184 deserves a mention as well. Any for you? anymore no i mean it's tough i i don't get to go to all the shows so it's right. tough for me to kind of really gauge that um but i thought this was i'm surprised the, you're not picking a, a glory in oklahoma or something some how dare casino. you that was not this year <laughs> and also uh it's not mma but fair enough the amsterdam show would damn sure be up there yes uh okay let's uh, move along to feel good story of the year one of my favorite categories Last year, I picked uh, young Jake Stone King, who attended UFC 171. Beautiful story. I won't go uh, over it again, but uh, if you want to learn more about him and his story, just Google Jake Stone King. So that was my pick for a feel-good story of the year. What was yours? Uh, my feel-good moment was uh, it was a tie, actually. I had two. I cheated, but it was a tie because I couldn't pick between Justin Wren coming back to MMA. Wait, wait. You, 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 last year. I'm asking, we didn't do this last year. Yeah, yeah, we had feel good story last no, year. No, we didn't do it. I, I just told you what my pick was. Yeah, you might have written it down, but we didn't do it on air. Strange. Okay. Um, my pick was uh, this year. Sorry. Um, this year was Justin Wren coming back, mm -hmm. and tied with uh, Mark Munoz leaving. Mm. So it was one guy coming in and one guy coming out. You can't pick two. It was a tie. I couldn't. No, I had I a lot of. It. I had a lot of tough decisions to make, and you got to pick one. No. Nope. Who's your tie. pick? No, ties. Tie. BS. That's a cop-out. Tie. Especially for this award. Um, okay. My feel-good moment of the year, Cody Garbrandt walking out with young Maddox Maple at UFC 189. Uh, we, we've talked to Cody about this on the show. Young man, they both made a deal. You beat cancer. I'll make it to the UFC, and when I get there, you're coming out with me. So that's just beautiful stuff. And then I got to interview them afterwards together for, uh, for FS1. Cody walking out with Maddox Maple was just... Amazing. UFC 189 against Enrique Briones. Honorable mention, Mark Munoz. As, uh, yours yours are, are good as well, but you got to pick one. Tied. Feel-good moment of the year. Cody Garbrandt, Maddox Maple. All right. Uh, let's move along to story of the year. Now, remember how I kept saying that there were easy ones, easy ones? This might have been my toughest one. Story of the year. Last year, I picked the UFC's expanded schedule plus the rash of injuries that they had to deal with made for a very bad year for the UFC. What was your pick? My pick last year was the rise of Conor McGregor. Mm, interesting. What's your pick this year? My pick this year is the fall of UFC champions. Interesting. Uh, because I feel like it'd be, it'd be disingenuous to kind of pick one. I feel like this encapsulates it very nicely. Um, it, you know, one of the, the big story of 2015, John Jones was stripped of his belt. Cain Velasquez dropped his belt. Chris Weidman dropped his belt. Anthony Pettis dropped his belt. Jose Aldo dropped his belt. And Ronda Rousey dropped their belt. Um, all in one year's time. So at this time, now, having said all that, at this time last year, I said Conor McGregor's rise uh, was the story of the year. Um, and in, the, in this year, that rise continued, as did uh, Ronda Rousey's. Um, so we saw you know, two champions at, at about the highest you can get. Potentially, uh, Conor McGregor could continue to ascend. Um, and at the same time, we saw all these champions fall. So I thought it was just an interesting year, and especially when we come to feel that a lot of the champions in the UFC are invincible. People talk about how long they're going to reign and how they'll mm -hmm. never be beaten. Um, in 2015 alone, we saw a, a litany of champions dethroned. Um, so I think that overall en encapsulates a lot of stories, but that was the, the singular story for this year, the fall of, of UFC champions. So that, that's a good one. Actually, didn't even make my honorable mentions. There was so much here. 
And this is what made 2015 one of the most interesting years to cover the sport and the best years. And it was just, it was just unbelievable when you think about every month something massive. And that's what made the MMA beat in particular a lot of fun to do as well. These are my honorable mentions first. Reebok, I mean, you could spend a whole show just on their year and uh, their inclusion in the sport and their involvement in the sport. But just the, the, the beginning of the Reebok era, gigantic. The beginning of the USADA era. I mean, these are things that we're going to be talking about for years and years to come. Uh, these, you know, these two stories in particular changed the face of the UFC, the shape of the UFC, the future of the UFC, changed the sport, changes the way fighters decide where they want to fight. I mean, just gigantic. Um, others, the rise and fall of Ronda Rousey, which kind of goes under your umbrella, the rise of Conor McGregor and the world tour playing off of that world tour was just an amazing execution by the UFC and putting it all together and how it culminated in, in, in Dublin was stealing the belt. That was amazing. And playing off my pick last year, the UFC rebounding from maybe their worst year to having their best year, incredible turnaround for the UFC. That was a huge story. The return of Kimbo slice in Bellator, their best ratings. And, and finally doing that Ken Shamrock fight, the, potential breakup of Team Alpha Male and the definite breakup of TJ Dillashaw and Team Alpha Male was a very big deal. So those are all big stories. But to me, oh, and, and one more. This one was kind of tied to my, my, my final pick, but it's not. Uh, the, the fall of John Jones and then his, his comeback, which will actually play out this year. That was, I mean, that could be the winner right there, the fall of John Jones. Sure. Huge. And what, what happened and, and him getting arrested and, and going to jail briefly, it was just mind numbing. It was surreal. But, and, and, and I hate to do this, but there was one story that kept coming up throughout the year. And they're even tied to some of these. And it's, it's the madness that is the Nevada Athletic Commission. If, if, if they, don't deserve, they don't deserve that applause. Take that applause away. But I hate to say it. When you go back to January, right, and you see John Jones, it comes out that he got busted for cocaine when he shouldn't have been tested. And then he has to go and do these interviews and stuff like that. Who, who, was, who was to blame there? The Nevada Athletic Commission. And then Anderson Silva gets popped. And, of course, later on, we have months later, his hearing. That was under the Nevada Athletic Commission. Nick Diaz. What more can you say? That could be the winner. But that was because of the Nevada Athletic Commission and what they did done to him. And hopefully they will fix this sooner rather than later. I hear that business is picking up there, by the way. Again, Nevada Athletic Commission. Nevada coming out with their, their new you know, um, guidelines, punishments, and not even adhering to them with the Nick Diaz situation and, and completely ignoring the USADA stuff. Uh, uh, Husimar Palharis being completely inconsistent there. Time and then and then refereeing and judging. It always seems to come back to the Nevada Athletic Commission. So to me, the story of the year and it's cheating a little bit. But when I started to think about what happened to Jones initially, um, what happened to Nick Diaz, what happened to Anderson Silva, Hector Lombard, and that and that was a good thing. But it just kept feeling like the Nevada Athletic Commission was a part of the biggest stories of the year. So story of the year, Nevada Athletic Commission, and how they became these figures on Fight Pass and. It's just, and, and I hate to do it, but I got it. It just, it just kept coming back to Nevada, the fight capital of the world. Kept coming back to them. Do you feel me? 
I feel you. You mentioned a, a ton of, of storylines that are going to play out um, it, that played out last year and will continue to play out. Um, yeah, I, I actually hate this one um, because I feel like Reebok and USADA and Diaz on his own and Jones on his own, his two stories, um, Anderson, I mean, those can all win. But it just felt like the Nevada Athletic Commission kept coming back and rearing its ugly head. Sure. And by the way, by the way, funny thing, I see them from time to time at the events. None of them say hello to me anymore. Well, you've been, uh, you've been hard at work. Yeah, hard at work. Um, okay, let's move along. That's the story of the year. What a year it has been. What a year. It's just been an amazing year to cover uh, MMA. Can't imagine how they top it in 2016 as a sport. I mean, we are so lucky. I know you're not a journalist, but you do a show. I am. Um, and I know some people don't like to believe that, but I, you know, I have a piece of paper that says I'm actually a journalist from Syracuse University. I'd uh, like to see it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's. Uh, I'll print it for you. <laughs> uh, the 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 amount of stories that come out, like big, earth-shattering stories, just amazing. I feel like we are we're very lucky uh, to be covering this sport. Okay, let's move along to moment of the year. What was the moment that defined 2015? You you gave it up earlier. Um, when you when you talk to Holly, for me, it was the moment Holly Holm knocked out Ronda Rousey. Mm. Um, I feel like there's almost no, really no other choice for this. It was it was one of the easier ones, just because yeah. simply the world was one way. Then she knocked out Ronda Rousey, and the world was a completely different way. In fact, an opposite way, where Ronda Rousey was, uh, you know, uh, uh, a punching bag, and she was at the bottom. Uh, when she was formerly at the top, and people couldn't wait for that opportunity. And Holly Holm was the plucky underdog and then became uh, the invincible champion. Um, no, no swing um, of momentum happened in a, in a greater uh, way in 2015 uh, than Holly Holm uh, knocking out Ronda Rousey. It was the moment of the year. By the way, uh, Ally Quinta chiming in on Twitter. You see that? Yep, Jabroni. Jabroni crowd of the year. year. What a guy, Ally Quinta. Gotta love him. Um, a, a great pick. And uh, honestly, did I say this already? Uh, much like story of the year, moment of the year is very, very hard because Connor winning is a very big deal. And uh, DC winning the belt, what a moment that was. And the post-fight interview was fantastic. Holly's knockout is a moment in its own right. Holly's reaction to the knockout and, and, and the win and the way she was like, look at me, world. You know that moment? And she's crying. That was a great moment. Uh, UFC 189 and Connor's reaction to winning. And in particular, I'm thinking of snapshots here. Like if I could tell someone this is 2015, um, jumping on the cage and embracing John Kavanaugh and then embracing his family and how emotional he was backstage. Uh, even, even remember that moment with Cormier going backstage after he lost to Jones and, yeah. and, and crying and even him at the press conference? That was a year ago. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what an, that, that was an amazing moment. Uh, Nick Diaz lying down in the middle of the cage. I mean, uh, what, a, what a moment. That, what a year it was. Uh, the UFC 189 wins, and in particular that picture of, of Connor going like this, uh, you know, flexing from his back and, and looking out on the people. But in the end, I picked one moment, and, and I'm thinking of a snapshot here. I'm thinking of a moment where I was just like, holy shit. These people are on a completely different level than me. I will never be able to top this. I will never be able to be like this. They have something in them that I don't have. This is, if I could show someone why I love this sport, this, this, this is a surreal moment. This is a moment that I feel like I'll remember forever. It was the moment right at the end of the fourth round, Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald, when they just stood there. Sure. And looked at each other. 
and they were and no one was going to move and they had just been beating each other and they were going to the final round and Rory was on the cusp of maybe becoming a champion it didn't end up but like that moment and John McCarthy has to get between them like these two guys wanted to keep going and they were literally going to go until they could not go anymore and that's what happened to Rory McDonald so I could have picked any of those other moments I, I, I just mentioned I went with that one because it's my fight of the year and it just it, it's just one like there are great fights and, you, and, and, and like what happened with, with, with uh, Robbie and, and Carlos where they held hands that picture is iconic and that might be my moment of the year for next year but those two guys staring at each other was just like, what in the world? These guys are, are, are zombies. They're literally zombies. They're inhuman. Unbelievable. So that's my moment of the year. Great moment. Okay. Um, now let's look ahead to 2016. Three more to go. And they're not so much awards, but it's fun to look ahead. Last year, we said our story to watch in 2015 was, can the UFC rebound? And hey, they rebounded. So I was sort of right there. I mean, that was a story, and they, they rebounded more so than ever before. They had their greatest year ever. What was your story to watch? My story was the MMA careers of Brock Lesnar and CM Punk. What's, what's the status? What are we going to see in 2015? Hmm. Um, and not Nothing. much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Brock <laughs> not Lesnar. the story of the year for 2015. Wow. Okay. Uh, that, was, that was a swing and a miss. Uh, story to watch in 2016. What is it? The, the greatest of all time is back. GSP. Incorrect. Oh. Jonathan Jones. Oh. The greatest of all time is back. And in any other sport, this would be celebrated in a remarkable way. Um, and now John Jones, having taken some time off, uh, is coming back. And I think uh, the, people, the people who he's going up against are in, are in big trouble. Uh, and I think call. he's going to, uh, to have a big year in 2016. And I think this is, this is the biggest story of 2016. Um, the moment he you know, steps into that octagon, uh, all hell is going to break loose. <laughs> and this coming from an unabashed Cormier lover. I love Daniel Cormier. Um, but make no mistake about it, John Jones is the best light heavyweight um, right now. He's the light, best light heavyweight ever, and I think he's the best fighter ever. Um, and him returning in his prime to this yeah. sport should, is the story of 2016. All the other stuff is, is uh, window dressing for, for him returning. So others, are, that's a great one. Uh, New York is obviously one, uh, the return, potential return of GSP, CM Punk's eventual debut. Uh, these are all great ones. But to me, the, the, the story to watch in 2016 is free agency in MMA because this has become a growing trend, especially as of late, tail end of the year. Benson Henderson, Aljamain Sterling, Alistair Overeem in particular, uh, fighters are, are going to fight out their contract. And this is good. This is healthy. This is a good part. This is evolution. This is how sports should be. This is not, you know, a fighter turning their back on the UFC or being ungrateful. This is what they should do. And sometimes you gamble and it works. Sometimes you gamble and it doesn't work. And then you kind of have to come back and take a little less than you wanted. But to me, I'm curious... Who else is going to do this and who else is going to talk about it? You know, some people like Alistair Overeem didn't want to talk about it. Others like Aljamain wanted to talk about it. Benson didn't really want to talk about it. Uh, there was another one that I think I'm forgetting. Um, that was a high-profile one. But I know of others that are about to come up. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Does one of them go sign with Bellator? And does that start the Dan Henderson trend? The snowball effect? You know, will, will someone will someone go off the grid and go to one FC or a World Series of Fighting? What happens? 
Um, so I, I think that's a really interesting new story to watch this year. There are a couple here and there, Gilbert Melendez and Dan Henderson, as I mentioned, but never quite like this. And I feel like a lot of guys are trying to talk about playing out their contract and just doing what other athletes do. Fight out your deal, become a free agent, test the market, see how much you're truly worth. It's going to be really interesting to watch. So that's my story to watch in 2016. My fighter of the year for 2015, boy, did I... Boy, did I screw up on this one. I said it was going to be Anthony Pettis. Uh, that did not, of course, <laughs> come true. He ended up losing his title in March. Who saw that coming and didn't fight again? He was supposed to fight in July, got injured, is going to be fighting in uh, a matter of days now in Boston, hopefully against Eddie Alvarez. That was my fighter of the year for 2015. I picked that last year. Who was your pick? One Daniel Cormier, who oh. I picked for uh, two years before that as well. Uh, I think, yeah, two years before that as well. Daniel Cormier has been a running tradition for my fighter of the year uh, looking ahead. Okay. So, I mean, you could, you could have made a case that, that he was, I mean, I know he lost early, but he rebounded with big wins over Rumble Johnson, became champion, and then the Gustafson fight. So that actually, that actually is a solid pick. Who's your pick for this, for, for this coming year? I mean, after what I just said, it could be nobody else other than John Jones. Yeah. Um, he's coming back. And if, you know, if we thought he was good before, Imagine he just took a year off to rest himself, not due to injuries, um, cleaned up his life. I, I can't imagine um, how good he's going to be. And I'll say this. I think he's got a better chance this year of being a two-division champion than Conor McGregor does. Um, and that's hmm. scary. That's hmm. a scary thought. And, uh, man, John, John Jones is, is going to come back uh, with a vengeance this year. He's my, he's my pick for fighter of the year. Now, Obviously, this is a tough one because it all depends on activity. Some guys are exactly. not going to be as active as others. Exactly. Um, Donald Cerrone is always a perennial contender. Guys like that. Robbie Lawler, he just started off the year with a huge win. Um, so it's tough. But I think uh, even if John picks up two wins, uh, he's going to be that guy be just because we've, we've missed him. It's a great point. Um, the main thing I was looking for was activity on a big stage. So you got to look at who's fighting you know, at least three times, um, who's going to be active, who's going to win. So, look, I know he wants to do this. I know he wants to be active, and he's going to be fighting in big fights. So I had to go with Connor again. Um, I, d I just feel like he's going to be really active. Can we get active. some applause, please? Yes. There it is. Uh, I, I just feel like he's going to be very active this year. Um, and so it, it might be uh, an easy one, but I, I, I got to keep riding that train. My, my pick for 2016 Fighter of the Year is Connor McGregor. Okay, last... Last category, and it's a personal one for us. It's who's the guest that you want to hear from the most in 2015? My pick last year? No, Lorenzo in 2016. Oh, yes. Well, yes, 2016. Uh, my pick for last year was Lorenzo Fertitta. And I struck out on that one. I tried to get him episode 300, wanted nothing to do with it. So I didn't get him. Still the one guest that is eluding us. Who was your pick? My pick was one Bjorn Rebney. Oh, interesting. Okay. We didn't get him either. <laughs> so we struck out on both. Who's your pick for this year? My pick is one Bjorn Rebney. Wow. Me too. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't even remember. I did not you didn't even, even remember, remember that you're stealing my pick right now. No, I didn't remember that you were actually, uh, you were actually on that bandwagon since last year. Yes, I was. And the Ioana champion bandwagon as well. Um, so obviously, Mexico, I mean, the Mexico tweet, <laughs> we need to know what's going on. And, um, I have some other ones, or do you want to weigh in on Bjorn first? No, go ahead. Um, some other ones that 
I broke them into a few categories. One, you know, ones that we've seen many times, but are some of my personal favorites: um, Ally Aquinta, uh, Will Brooks, Tyron yeah, Woodley. We got those. Dominic Cruz. Yeah, but I'd like to see them more. I'd like to see okay, them. Okay, fair enough. Throughout 2015, Conor McGregor. Now, some that we haven't seen um, in in a while. Here, here's a list. Yeah. Jose Aldo, Josh Koscheck, Vanderlei Silva, King Mo. You, did you know that we didn't have King Mo on in 2015? You're kidding. King Mo was actually supposed to be on this week. We'd love to. I'd love to have King Mo back. We didn't Fe- have him on once. Yeah, was, I, wow. I checked into it. Fedor Emelianenko. Yes. Gina Carano. Yes. Jonathan Brooking. Brookins. I'm sorry. Yes. I want to see. Uh, I want to see what the hell is going on with that guy. Yes. Um, uh, Andre Drummond, proven proven himself to be an MMA fan. We've oh, had yes. NBA players before. Yes, good one. Let's get Andre Drummond. Um, the Rock. I yes. think that'd be an interesting one. Almost Mo- had him. Moro Ronaldo and Boss yes. Rutten. Yes. Uh, and then Prebeck, who disappeared. Yes. That's a great one. Wow. You killed it on this one. That's the list. Way to end strong. I got nothing to add to that. Uh, I-, I did pick Bjorn just because I just I-, I-, I find it fascinating that not a single person has talked to him. He hasn't done any interviews. And, you know, I mean, just wow. What a, what a story to be told there. But I agree with every single other uh, choice that you just mentioned. Wow. That was a great list. Mexico. Mexico. And you know he was saying that because of the World Cup, but it's still just funny. One of these days, if we ever go back to Mexico, I have to do a video of just asking the locals there if they've seen or heard of him. So there it is. Our awards, 2015. That was a lot of fun. There we go. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for following along. Do we have any questions? We have three minutes left. Should we address anything else? Yeah, let's, let's do some questions. Let's do some questions. Quick. Just tweet out our final award. Okay. Do you think that Bjorn Rebney is actually still on Twitter and will see us talk about him? Oh, of course. He's he's down there in Mexico looking at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, should Conda get an immediate rematch? Ooh, Plain a, and simple. If all options are on the table? All options are on the table. Woodley, no. Hendricks, do they get a title shot? GSP. It has to wow. be GSP. Wow. Well, because here's the thing. Let's not forget about one thing. As great as that fight was, as amazing as that fight was, as much as I think Condit won the fight, and you think so as well, right? I do. Uh, third round you give to him. I do. He did skip over a few people, right? In particular, Tyron Woodley. So, okay, he had his chance, and, and he, he, the, the, the Nevada Athletic Commission doesn't put the right people in. Again, rearing its ugly head. But if GSP is available, GSP versus Robbie Lawler is a gigantic fight. And I actually disagree with Rory. GSP is coming back for a belt. He's not coming back to just be, you know, some guy fighting in quote-unquote super fights. Now, do you think the timeline for that makes sense, though? Is it not possible for Condit to get that rematch and then GSP fight the winner of that? Well, first of all, I mean, that was quite the beating. So when does he come back? And I, I, think, I think they need something big for UFC 200. If you look at the way things are going, I don't know if the stars are aligning just yet. So who's there, ready, willing, not going to fight before then? The return of GSP is UFC 200 worthy. Wow. So that's, if, that, if all options are available, then I go with GSP. We had some controversial decisions uh, on Saturday. Soto versus Tanaka. Ansaroff versus Kish. Nevada Nok Athletic versus Morono. Larkin versus Tumanov. And, of course, Lawler versus Condit. Um, what did you think of the judging this weekend? Oh, can, can I just add something? Uh, it, have you noticed that the judging really hasn't been a big issue as of late? Florida, this, you know what I mean? Sure. It really, but when we come back to Nevada, look what happens. 
because they keep putting these dinosaurs who know nothing about MMA or these unqualified people. It's just amazing. So, yeah. What do you expect? Nevada Athletic Commission. Stipe's performance. Is he next in line for the title shot? What, what do you think of that? Man. Should he leap over um, an overeem? What's, what's the I couldn't help but that? think of Frankie Edgar during that whole exchange because I could see, as Mark mentioned, I could see them being like, look, Overeem, we want to resign you. What do we got to do? I want a title shot. Okay. You know, I could see it. And he certainly is deserving of it given, you know, a win over JDS. Uh, so, man, believe it when I see it. That's what I'll say. Dustin Poirier and Joe Duffy, the, the yes. incredible performance by him, did great on Fight Pass. He, I think Dana said that it was uh, the, the most watched fight yep. ever on Fight Pass. Uh, a, what do, you, what do you do with Dustin? And B, um, do you think they'll do more fights like this on Fight Pass? Okay, so to answer the second part first, yes. I mean, just look at Anderson Silva fighting Michael Bispin. We haven't had a chance to talk about that. That was announced over the, the break. Um, that's on Fight Pass. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. And just look at, you know, Paige and Sage and, and that event. So I actually think it makes a lot of sense. And if you're already subscribing to Fight Pass, I don't understand why you don't like it, especially if you're a European fan. Like if you're a fan of Joseph Duffy, the, the fight is happening earlier. You don't have to stay up till 4 a.m. to watch it. I had a couple opportunities this past weekend to speak to Eric Winter, who's a guy I'd love to have on this show, who's the new head of Fight Pass. They hired him from Yahoo. And he is a brilliant mind, and this guy gets it. I mean, the stuff that he was telling me, I was just blown away, and, and his, his, his goals and his aspirations for 2015. Uh, Ant Evans, another guy who I love, who works over there as part of that team, and they are doing, they have some big things. I mean, this looking for a fight show that is actually coming out today on Fight Pass, this episode, without giving away too much, you get a glimpse of potentially the man who will be the first to face uh, CM Punk in his UFC debut, and Another potential sign. I mean, it's just the way they're doing it is great. My man Rory Karpf is producing that for First Row Films. Uh, they're, what they're doing with Fight Pass is ahead of the game. It's smart. It's uh, it's everything that you should be doing with a platform like this. It's not putting you know these these lower tier events. So you take some gambles here and there. You ruffle some feathers here and there with your partners. But to me, it's 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 very smart what they're doing. So I I, I do see this becoming a trend, and I also see bigger fights being put there like. Fight Pass prelim headliner, that, that's going to become a thing. Um, so it's going to be real. That's another story to watch that we didn't mention. The rise of Fight Pass and how much stock they put in it because I think they're going to put a lot. What about what's next for Dustin? Oh, Dustin. Well, oh, he, yeah, that guy. he's got a shattered nose. Credit to him for continuing to fight and sticking around to do interviews. Mazel tov to him and his wife on the, uh, the, the news that they're going to be parents. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, he looks great at 155. Clearly, that was great. the right move for Love him. Love the confidence. So young, too. Let me look at the rankings here very quickly. Man, Iquinta's got some time, but maybe that would be an interesting one, right? 10 against 12? I love it. Or Dariush? Those are some that come to mind. There's a lot of options Evan Dunham. Evan Dunham? Yeah, lots of stuff opened up with that move, so I love that. Okay, uh, what about uh, Duffy? With, with this loss, does that end any of the Conor McGregor shine? No. Uh, as we've said before, a loss doesn't mean as much. You win one or two in a row. It's still a big fight. It's still a fight that means a lot for that particular market. How many could he lose before it realistically? Eh, a couple. And maybe in a row. But uh, 
showed hard and, and maybe it was a step up too soon. Who knows? Um, but that's still a grudge match. And don't forget, Connor could sell anything. And you put that fight in Dublin, that's a big deal. And with the idea of him possibly making a move to 155, maybe sure. he doesn't get a title fight first. Maybe he faces Duffy. He will not face Duffy in his first fight. That's obvious. And Well, at some point at faces some point, Duffy maybe. and then fights for a title. Um, it definitely stunts it, but uh, I don't think it kills it. What about the Fader fight? I think you, <laughs> you covered this a little bit with uh, Mark. You, you weren't. What did you, you think of it? I mean, it was. I mean, it was exactly what they I promised. Did, I just it didn't would feel be. the need. Like I went to bed, and I was in Vegas, and I went to bed, and I woke I up. I stayed up and watched it live. The whole thing. I watched it both nights. Both nights. What time did it happen at? Uh, Here. Started at one a.m. Eastern. No. What time did the Fedor fight happen at? Six. I want to say. What did your wife think of this? She behavior. was up with me. She watched it too. Well, she works till midnight, so uh, she was up with me. It, it was it was us watching. Uh, would you watch the stream and you put it on your TV? Yeah. Um, it just I, I had no. It, I mean, what I was? Had no I interest. Had, I had no expectation going in. I mean, it was it I was going to be what it was going to be. It was now, fun. It was King nostalgic. Was, I get it. Yeah, as you said, was the story of it, and that was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome to watch. Uh, actually, the story of that thing was that how Bellator they came out looking good. You know, they, yeah, all their fighters did really well. Yeah, Brennan Ward as well. So. Um, as did Bob Sapp, the, yes. friend of the show. There, there, there is a place for Ryzen, and I hope they succeed. And it's just fun. It's nostalgic. The ring, the, the, the showmanship, the walkouts, the presentation. It's fantastic. It's, there's a special place. I'm not hating on it. But I just, okay, I'll give him a pass. Like, it's great. Have him back. Showcase. It, it lost in the ratings. It lost in the ratings to uh, Kid Yamamoto. But it's, there's a place for it, but I just I don't want to see him just fight nobodies. I mean, to f- could you imagine here in the states if anyone of his stature fought someone who was two and zero? Come on, that's all. I just want to see where he's at because I actually think that he could be a player. To like, be fair, he had, he had an extensive kickboxing career, two and zero in MMA. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, look, I'm not claiming it wasn't a squash match, but what I'm claiming is that. Let's not act like you know they threw him in, in there with somebody who was straight off the streets. Fine, fine. Fair enough. Um, and it was fun to see him again and the walkout and everything. Loved it. But it, again, it was a squash match. No no doubt about it. Um, but the rest of that card was fun. Uh, King Mo, that wasn't a squash match. That no, tournament no. was tough. I, had no, I have amazing. nothing bad to say. I even liked the Gabby thing. It was fun. I have nothing yeah, bad to well, say. Yeah, that's another one. They were evenly matched there. They were both uh, <laughs> yeah. low on experience. So it wasn't like you know somebody was being fed to a, a lion. Uh, Cerrone at welterweight. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I wonder if it's too soon, you know? Um, I know he didn't take a lot of damage, and but that, that's a quick turn. He's turner. lost to Dos Anjos twice, though. Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, actually, here's a little plug. I did an interview with Cerrone. He didn't do much media, but that's going to air this weekend. I, oh, excuse me, this week. At least I think it is on UFC Tonight. Um, so, Donovan, if you're listening, you better air that because I don't want to sound stupid. Uh, and he talks about the line of thinking and, you know, if he's, if he's going to stay there. So I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I just wonder if it's too soon. But then you have to think, Donald Cerrone, like the best medicine for him coming off a loss is just fight again. Yep. So I can't even like rationalize it because I'm not really cut from the same cloth as him. And his, his WEC brother, Benson Henderson, did a similar thing. thing. Yeah, so maybe it's not too soon. He does have like a month and a half. So what the hell do I know? It's a fun fight. It's definitely, it wasn't their first choice for that, obviously, because he just fought and he could have been champion. But I don't, I don't hate it for a fight night. What do you think of it? I, I think, well, man, the thing with Donald Cerrone is I legitimately believe he doesn't give a shit about the belt. I legitimately yeah. believe he wants to stay active. If he's fighting the best in the world, whether it's for a belt or not, it, it's all the same to him. Get paid, uh, hang out on the ranch, you know, do water sports, whatever else. Um, 
So cool. Let's get him some more fights. I will say this. I, I think the IV comes into play here. You know, he can't use the IV. He was using it before. Yeah. He has a legitimate you know, intestine injury. He's got a huge scar. Now he doesn't have to worry about that as much. So maybe, you know, and, and yeah, he's lost twice to the champion. So fresh coat of paint, make a run of 170. Benson Henderson playbook. Why not? Uh, we make New Year's resolutions. Uh, perhaps it's getting in shape or smoking. Uh, what, what resolution should the sport of MMA as a whole oh, make? Man. Um, whew. That's a tough one. It's a good, it's a good category. Uh, though, uh, look, we could talk about business stuff. We could talk about uh, judging even. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is health and safety. And, and I still feel like weight cutting is an issue. And is banning the IV the right thing? I don't know. But I, I just feel like we're one decision here or there away from something really bad happening. Well, so it that's already happened in 1FC. No, 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 I'm, talking about, I'm talking UFC, biggest stage, because God is my witness. If something happened like that in the UFC, I mean, the pitchforks would come out. Sure. We'd all be in trouble. But absolutely, I don't want to diminish that. I don't want to you know, devalue it. What happened there is absolute senseless tragedy and shouldn't have happened. And I'm happy that 1FC is at least trying to fix this. I shouldn't have even gone into that. So that's got to be it, right? 100% agree. Yeah. Fighter safety the weight cuts need to stop. And credit to 1FC for taking swift and drastic action. Now, I don't know how practical it will be, how that will actually you know, turn out for them. I'm sure they're going to lose a lot of fights if they stick to it, letter of the law. Um, but taking steps in the right direction is how this change comes about, and credit to 1FC for, for doing that. At least trying, yeah. At least giving it a shot. I mean, what else can we hope for? Uh, a few from Twitter, and then we're out of here. All right. What needs to be done with MMA scoring? It's, and it's not just a Nevada thing. It, it happens all yeah, over. Yeah. What do we need to do? Is the 10-9 is the system outdated? Yeah. Is that what it is? I think that's it. Now, I don't know if the, the pride way works because that's so subjective. Um, okay, but let me ask you this. You thought Condit won, right? I did. If it was pride, who wins? Tough, but I guess... I mean, that's also tough, but I guess I'd say Lawler. So me too, but like it shouldn't be, I guess, you know, because I don't know what the right answer is, but I, I do lean towards Lawler. But that just proves that the, the pride way doesn't work either because that's like, okay, look, a fight, it starts and then it ends. And usually the way it ends is, okay, that guy's the winner of the fight. That's the way it was back in the, you know, in, in the playground. So that should be the general way of thinking. However, if it's so close toward the end, what do you do? Well, I think one thing is when we were watching Ryzen, uh, the 10-minute first round is really a good thing, in my opinion. God, that's asking for a lot. I love that. I thought it really made a difference, and it really, um, you know, it made it a lot easier to determine the winners from the losers. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see your point, but I, I don't see that ever. That, that's I'm not a whole saying other that that's, revolution. that's realistic to be implemented, um, but it's a, it's a thought. It's, better, ten, than, it's uh, better than getting bad 10-9 rounds. 10-9 system doesn't work. I'll tell you what does work. And, 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 and what I mean by this is I hear a lot of people saying, um, you know, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. But that's wrong. That's 100% wrong. When a fight is over, the judges don't think, okay, like, did he do enough to be the champ? Well, you know, they're, that's pride. Yeah. But here we're scoring round, round, round. And I'm not necessarily against that. I just don't like the way they get to that decision. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not against saying, like, look, here's a fight, 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 five fights within one fight. And, and who won, you know, every five minutes? I'm not against that. I just don't like the way they come to that decision. I feel like there's got to be a better way. And I've thrown out points here or there. 
There just has to be a better way to decide who wins. This system doesn't work. The pride system works to a degree, but I also think it won't work because you'll, you'll get people who don't know what they're looking for. Um, so that's a whole other show. I mean, yeah, I mean, but to it, answer the question, it's, it's, it's wrong and it's time. It's high time that they fix it. Educating judges is one, okay. one step. Yeah, and the other thing that I brought up multiple times today, judges make nothing. So there's really no incentive to get better or to find the best or for people to want to do it. How could guys who are making peanuts decide the fate of multi-million dollar fights? It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't equate. After Conor McGregor, is Dominic Cruz the best tra- trash talker in MMA? Wow. He may even be better than Conor McGregor, in your opinion. Who, is uh, he? <laughs> it's a different kind of trash talk. He's more cerebral. Like he's, he, he tries to like get under your skin in a different kind of way. Like, a, like he tries to nag you or, or <laughs> the way he argues a point. Like when uh, Dillashaw is like, I'm going to knock you out, but how? Tell me how. Like it's, just, it, it's a different kind of way. I and think, it's almost not fair to compare the two, but he is tremendous. I think one of the big differences is Conor McGregor talks about himself. He pumps himself up mm. to the to the highest uh, degree, um, and by, and that uh, by association makes you lower than him by pumping himself up. Dominic Cruz is ruthless. He's going to tell you why you suck, <laughs> um, rather yeah. than just pumping himself up. He's going to pump himself up, but he's also going to tell you why you're the worst. Yeah, make you start uh, doubting yourself. Which really is is a an aggressive and uh, and effective way to uh, break somebody down. I, I felt bad for T.J. Dillashaw there, but at the same time. Um, it, it can be a big grading for, for the person obviously involved, but also the fans. Whereas Conor McGregor's is, is a lot more lighthearted. It's a lot more showy. Um, Dominic Cruz can rub people the wrong way. Personally, I think it's amazing, and I think he, he really is underrated in that department. Um, but I think this fight with TJ Dillashaw is going to make people see that uh, he's the real deal when it comes to trash talk. So it, it, it is very entertaining, and he's really come into his own as a personality. I remember doing the Versus shows with him, and he, he showed up, and he didn't really know what he was doing. He's really turned into a great analyst, a great mind, great trash talker. But this, and we, we sometimes throw this out, when it's unnecessary. This is a legacy fight for Dominic Cruz in the sense that he has put it all on the line. He is claiming that this guy copied him, that this guy has been, you know, the fake champion, all that. He's trying to discredit him and his coach. And it's it's an alpha male thing, even though he's still, you know, he's no longer with alpha male, TJ. This is a legacy fight. If he falls short, the way we, we remember Dominic Cruz won't be the same, in my opinion. He has to win this fight because of everything that he has said. So it's, it's, it's all well and good. Let's see how he, he does in Boston. This is our last thing we mentioned, Juliana Pena. Uh, is there any more info yeah. about the UFC and her interaction uh, after uh, being charged with assault? So I, I want to be um, I, I want to be responsible here. I have talked to some people about it, but it was nothing on the record and it wasn't in official capacity as far as the UFC is concerned. So I will look into that. Uh, give me give me a mulligan on that one and try to get some kind of statement. That one sort of flew under the radar. I, I don't know if it was because of the holidays or whatever, but uh, I know she's okay. And I actually did text with her, and she said she was okay. But I don't have a, an official statement from the UFC as far as what they're going to do, if anything. That's it. How about 2015, huh? How about 2015? Yes. Why did that person write, thanks, Rhonda? Is that their name? or? Yeah. Okay. No, thank, see, thanks, period, Rhonda. Rhonda. Oh, it's very rare for someone to actually sign... And also, tweet. that's the classic MMA fan spelling of Ronda yes. with the H that exactly. came out of nowhere. And Connor with two N's. Sure. Why do people mess that up so much? Anyway, what a year. Uh, great job on the awards. Thanks to the guys in the back as well for the, the applause. One more applause. Come on. Uh-oh. There it is. Uh, you can hit my music. Uh, a, a, a great sh- I mean, look. 
if if this year is going to be judged, you know, on 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 the performances of of both Frank uh, Frankie Edgar and, and Tyrone Woodley, we are in store for a potentially great year, or it's all downhill from here because those were tremendous interviews. I mean, those guys brought it and the right kind of guys to start things off because they got a bit of a chip on their shoulder. They they, 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 they want to get something off their chest. They feel like they're being wronged or potentially wrong. So that was fantastic stuff. Love doing the awards, but it is time to put 2015 to bed. Uh, perhaps the best year in the history of the sport, perhaps the best year in the history of the show, perhaps the best year in the history of MMAfighting.com. A great year all in all. And by the way, thank you to the good people over at the World MMA Awards, fighters only, for not only nominating MMAfighting.com and myself, but this show for the first time. So if you're if you're interested in, in, in voting for us, go to uh, WorldMMAawards.com and do that. I really appreciate that. Very nice, very kind to them. And if we win, New York Rick is going to fly out and get the award. Actually, we won't even know. Maybe he'll fly out next year to uh, get the second award. Who knows? I'm just very excited that we got nominated. Anyway, I want to thank uh, Frankie Edgar for stopping by. I want to thank Tyron Woodley for stopping by. I want to thank Mark Ramundi for stopping by as well. And Holly Holm, wow, so great to have the Female Fighter of the Year on the program. And she got emotional, and that got me emotional, and it was just a lot of emotion. But this was a great way to, to start the year. Thank you to all of you. I missed you. Thanks for watching our Best Stuff shows. Thanks for asking where we were, where we've been. But we're back, baby. See you next week. Same time and place. Until then, I say peace. Somebody else.